Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. I'm Brent Griffith. And I'm Whitney Roberts. And Brent, we have... uh We've got nine months under our belt. Some people would say you could birth a baby in that amount of time, but look what we've accomplished. We've about, we're giving birth to something. <laughs> <laughs> nine months of it, too, man. <laughs> no, we are. We're happy to uh, happy to be back here uh, in in the podcast studio, and we've got uh, a couple special guests with us here today, Brent. That we uh, were fortunate enough to spend some time with over this past weekend uh, at a uh, pinball kind of like a, a pinball dedication party for the late Python Angelo, and we'll get into that, you know, just here in a minute. But uh, we have local collector uh, Steve Ridge and then his son Michael with us uh, sitting here in the uh, in the podcast studio today. So welcome, guys. How's it going? Uh, going very well. Going but, very well. Thanks, yeah. Steve. Hey, Thank, Michael, how are you? Doing good. Thanks so, for having us. Oh, no, no. Glad to have you guys here. So I got to know Steve. Was it a year ago, Steve? Yes, yes. A, a year ago at the Louisville Arcade Expo. Okay. okay. And uh, how we met, uh, and the, the funny thing here is, is that the, the, the we met, you purchased a game for me, a Firepower. Firepower. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Firepower. <laughs> See, Brent, he says it. He says like it. Like I say it. <laughs> I was exactly right. <laughs> I, was tr- I was trying not to go there right away. Well, you teed it up, dude. Yeah. I just... I'm just knocking it out of the park. <laughs> so the, the, just the name of the game alone has been like an ongoing, an yes. ongoing theme of the show. Yes. I mean, Steve, when you're playing it, when you you start up, man, I'm gonna play me some firepower. I mean, do you start it up like that or what? No, um, <laughs> I, I I only said that because I knew the inside joke. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Steve. Uh, uh, we met last year at the Little Arcade Expo. I had my fire. fire see, now I'm going to be self-conscious. <laughs> I'm just going to let it roll. I had the firepower out. Firepower out there. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Steve was uh, uh, gracious enough to go ahead and pick it up from me. I did have it for sale after having gone through it, and uh, um, actually that led to a year's worth of adventure for you, almost. Uh, yeah, it, uh, exactly <laughs> a year's worth of event, uh, of adventure, and. Uh, it, it was cutting it down to the wire. It too. was, yeah. and we can get into that here in a minute as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, if that was your, was that your first machine or, or what? Uh, uh, no, no, okay, no, my third machine. Okay, uh, but uh, first major overhaul. Okay, okay, then we'll just let that unfold. And everyone's going. Time. I thought Brent just said he went through that. What did he do? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, is he that bad? Oh no, no, Brent, Brent went through it very well, and I, I took it all apart. Uh, well. Uh, you know something it's it's a common it's, it's a common thing amongst us types you know because i take apart everything that i get whether it's new or not you know and it's just the way i've always done it so yeah so we've also got his son michael with us hello and hello <laughs> and michael tell everybody how old you are i am 12 years old and um i will say the first time michael was at the house he uh, uh, he came in. Uh, Steve was kind of doing some work on the firepower, and I was helping him a little bit with a few things. And Michael came in. We switched on my machines, and he immediately uh, pretty much trounced the highest score that I'd ever been able to attain on my own Dirty Harry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just not fair, Brent. <laughs> How does that happen? I, I just, I, I got to the point where, you know, Southern hospitality was going out the door and the kid was going to have to leave. <laughs> Did you turn it off and say, you're done? You just go? So, uh, Michael, he, Michael was at the Louisville Arcade Expo again, uh, this year as well, along with his dad, Steve, and, uh, and Angie, his mom. And let's go ahead and mention this. Every year at the Arcade Expo, at least every year that I can recall, I'm assuming they did it the first year. They have a duck hunt challenge where they take the NES version of duck hunt 
and you know anybody that wants to want, I get tell how, how does it work anybody that wants to do it can do it uh yeah you go to the front you go to the front desk get a ticket and then uh, it has like a line of computers uh, I mean TVs and it has the gun but the first person who gets out uh, is is done through the entire tournament Okay, so they I haven't actually watched the tournament, so they actually have several up and several are playing at the yeah, same time? Yeah, they have like five machines. I mean, like five TVs. Okay. And do they bracket everybody, or is it high score? Uh, or? They, they bracket everybody. Like, um, if you... Like, uh, it, let's say four people uh, miss the ducks, and one person is uh, still has... Um, is still playing, mm-hmm. then, then you go up. Okay, all right. So, how many games did you... It, it, I don't know if I mentioned it. Michael won the Duck Hunt Tournament this year at the Louisville Arcade Expo. So, yep. and it, they they do the trophy and, and everything this year as well? Uh, yes, I won the trophy. So and it's like the golden light gun, It's isn't like it? Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they take a... Uh, it's a trophy made out of a Nintendo light gun, and yes. it's it's gilded. And the, <laughs> and the funny part is, is that it's an actual one, but they just... They yeah. or something. <laughs> but it's still well it's it's the it's the effort it's the yeah. yes. that counts yeah. Yeah. so how many how many rounds did you have to play um i can't really, really remember that but mm-hmm. i but i think it was like five rounds no that's not too bad and then at the very last round i won the first place trophy and then they had the well they called it the boss and he's actually he actually won the duck hunt tournament for more than one year. Okay. So you had to play like a playoff? Yeah, and there's one more uh, reward. Like, it had the uh, type of art. Like, it had the dog, but it had pixelated ducks okay. in his hand. And I, but I lost against the boss, but I still had the trophy. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. So it, you you win the tournament, and then you kind of have a playoff against, like, I guess, a reigning champion type yes. of a deal? Yes, that's exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's good. It's good family fun. I mean, is that the first, is that the first year that that you have won that, Michael? Or I mean, you know, had, had you won it, you know, a year prior and then lost it, or, or what? Uh, last year in 2013, I signed up for it. Yeah, because I had one at my house. I was, I was playing it a lot, <laughs> and my dad told me that there's a duck hunt tournament, uh, and, and so I signed up. But the first year, I didn't. Uh, I lost. But uh, did, that, did you practice in the off season? Oh, of course. Do you have to have a license to do that or what? I mean, it is duck. Yeah, he actually practiced quite a bit. Oh, did yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I, I, uh, I was going to offer to lend you all a Nintendo if you didn't. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's to bring it back to the arcade podcast. Yeah. It is the, it is basically the same version of Duck Hunt that's on a versus. Yeah, and on, I on guess a versus cabinet. Yeah, I've never played it on a play choice. I would assume it's probably darn close why reinvent sure. the wheel and it'll just cut you off when, you know, yeah, when, when, oh when yeah the when the timer's up yeah, yeah i bet it is because it's it's basically an es games on a play choice and it's timed yeah okay yeah so uh, um i guess let's circle back and talk about the firepower <laughs> firepower <laughs> thank you steve we've reversed roles so last year at the expo um there was a, a, a what, it was a the, not a giveaway. I guess it was a give like door prizes for everyone that yes. bought games. Yeah, 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 exactly. Door prizes for everyone that that had a game there, and uh, uh, CPR Classic Playfield Re- Reproductions um, provided a bunch of back glasses, uh, one or two playfields, 
uh, plastic sets and things like okay. that. Okay. And uh, a, a friend of ours, uh, actually a gentleman that owns uh, Zanzibar, it was Ants, correct? Yes. Correct. yes. Yeah. So, uh, he um, he won uh, a CPR playfield for, of all things... Firepower. Thank you, sir. He, he knows how to work a cue. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Softball that one. Yeah. And, and through the course of the year, you, you acquired it from him. You, you ended up with a play field. Um, I actually made an agreement to buy that play field from him uh, the Sunday of Expo. Oh, okay. Cool. Right, right, right after he owned, right, uh, right after he won it because uh, he, doesn't, he didn't have a firepower. Yeah. And... Um, and I had just bought a firepower. Yeah, so I kind of <laughs> see where this is going. Why you took it all apart now? So yeah, you know, exactly. the Lego bro- the, the Lego exactly. blocks start to fit together. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know the uh, the playfield that was originally in it is not a bad playfield at all. It, oh, I, no. It's actually going to be a really good candidate for uh, re- uh, for for restoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I tell you, Steve, I have looked at a, since, since selling the game. I, I really, I really thought about keeping that, and I. I, I the time I actually had had it here in my game room for several months, and I enjoyed it. And I thought, man, I'm just gonna. This is a fun game. I'm mm-hmm. gonna keep it. And mm-hmm. it, it, you know, we all we all get to that point where something's got to go at some point in time, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so, unfortunately, it had to go. And, and I would, I'll tell you, I've looked looked for another, and I've looked at a couple, and I have yet. It it had its issues, but I, I've come to find out that it was on the it was on the nicer side of the common issues with that game. Right. I see. Right. And I, I've I've not been able to come across one that Steve was as nice. Steve probably says, "Don't look at mine." <laughs> uh, so, so now you have. This is kind of like the the old uh, what was the old Kit Kat commercial? Was now, your peanut butter got in my chocolate. Mm. Your chocolate. Well, your playfield got into my firepower. <laughs> Yeah, so 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 Steve, so you got this playfield, and and then what what happened after that? I assume it goes back to your house, and you just start you know n- you know nuts and bolting it, and just taking everything well, apart, it, or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I bought the playfield, um, and the game brought them home, and realized I've never done a playfield swap before. Okay, and you know, so I I read a whole bunch about it, and um, there's nothing like doing it. Uh, the only way to learn is to, is to is by doing. Yeah. And 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 if you ever wanted to uh, learn about a pinball machine, that's how you do it. Yep. Yeah. It, it, yeah if you want to learn it inside out, upside down, and backwards, yeah. take it apart and put it back together. Yeah. So I mean, did you take a lot of pictures? I mean, how how did you pre- how did you prepare you know, for doing your first playfield swap? Just out um, of curiosity. I, I I did take a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. Um took a whole lot of pictures of the the bottom side i didn't take any of the top side because mm-hmm. uh what we did with the top side was uh, a friend of mine suggested to take um a piece of cardboard mm-hmm. and and as you're uh disassembling the top of the play field transfer everything tra- transfer everything over and, and set it up just like it was yeah, yeah. you know so i mean I, I had rubbers wrapped around posts plastic t-nutted on on mm-hmm. top of the or, or um, acorn nutted on top mm-hmm uh, of everything so you, you know you you were looking at a play field on cardboard yeah so i took tons and tons of pictures of the underside and um and i went very very slowly i mean how long did it, how long did it take you from start to finish Just well I, I didn't really have a large bulk of time mm-hmm. you know it, it, it any, any one time to spend on it until right. like the last couple of weeks because i had to yeah but uh you know I'd, I'd spend a couple hours on it here and there i i would say if i had to add it up all together 
Um, since it was my first one, I probably had 50 to 55 hours in it. Okay. I don't think that's too bad. No, I, no, no, not that's, too bad. That, that's actually a little lower than what I was yeah, anticipating I, I you thought, to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think at how much, how much I had. And, uh, well, I, I can't really draw an apples to apples comparison because when I, when I had the game, it had, uh, elect, electronic issues. So I had to fix that. Mm-hmm. And you know, Th- I told thank you for fixing those electronic issues, by the way, because I would have had done a whole lot of research to. Uh, oh, that's all right. <laughs> to get that done, that's all right. So, and that was, you know, so uh, aside from just tearing the playfield down, you know, I had that aspect of it as well. So now, Michael, did you get involved in this? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I helped him with the top parts, just like little small things, like taking off the plastics, bumbo caps, and just small stuff like that. But. But all of the bottom parts, I kind of helped them take out the staples and stuff. But oh, I, I hate those staples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I helped him a little bit, but he did most of the work. All, all, all the LEDs you color matched and put in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Well, yeah. that was going to be one of my questions is to go through a play field swap, and this may, this may sound a little bad for me to say this, but to go through all that effort and all that time and just get a play field out of it, I guess is kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. I mean, yes, you are getting something out of it, but to me, I would also want to go in and, you know, do a little modding on it, do a little upgrading on it at the same time. So, so what, what else did you do to the machine while you had, while you had it gutted? Um, not, not too much else because I, I I was up against the clock because I really wanted to take, take the game to the 2014 Louisville Arcade Expo this mm-hmm. year. That there was a, there was a few things I I, I wanted to ex- experiment with uh, some some different colors in in, in the GI. Mm-hmm. You know I, I've seen some, seen some other machines that that look look pretty good that way. Yeah. But uh, uh, right now the GI is still in incandescent bulbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you did did you did some hardware upgrades as well? I mean you you not necessarily a mod, but you put all new pop bumper assemblies in it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all, all the pop bumper assemblies are brand new. Yeah. Um, not 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 that the old ones couldn't have been rebuilt. Understood, understood. But but I was up against the clock, and I I, I just wanted those pop bumpers just to slam, to, to slam, <laughs> yes. and they oh, did. Yes. You know, and, yeah. I didn't get and, to play and, it, and, but and, I'm and sure they do. Yeah, they they, they do. I, I um, bet they they just abuse abuse that pinball, don't they? Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I mean they they remind me of modern modern stern yes. pop bumpers. And in in stern stern games are very strong in that regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'll play, you know, my my Tron or my ACDC, and it just, I mean, it. it almost jars your teeth how hard mm-hmm. how hard did those pop bumpers and and, and the pop bumpers is probably what i spent the most time on okay oh, yeah. just, just for the simple fact that those spoon switches underneath if you don't get them perfect mm-hmm. you're uh you're, you're gonna have dead spots mm-hmm. so i i took my time before i ever committed to drilling that starter hole mm-hmm. for you know to you know to put the switch in very 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 happy with the results and i'm sure that enhances the gameplay quite a bit or at least adds to the enjoyment of the gameplay oh, yeah. if, if nothing else yep, now yep, your, absolutely on, yeah on, uh, i think this is the first time we've ever done the first segment all on pinball there's video to come guys trust us guys, <laughs> there, there is there's, there's, video to come. there's plenty of video yeah. talk to come so there, there's no doubt about that on the um on the we play just field. got pinball fever from being up at phoebe's this past <laughs> oh week. my gosh oh. on the play field you had to, had they pre pre-drilled the holes for the pops seems like on yes yes okay they, yes right. they, they they were pre-drilled okay all right uh, it seemed like i had seen some playfield swaps for uh, other machines i and i'm at an adams family comes to mind and it was a, 
I don't recall if it was a CPR. I'm trying to think of anyone else that might have reproduced a play field. And yeah. that was the thing with one of the things with them. They had to drill everything for the pot bumpers. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious who, who did the art for the firepower uh, reproduction play field because Brent, um, a friend of the show, Mike Mills, who we're, uh, we will certainly have on the show uh, at some point here in the near future, has done some artwork uh, in, in playfield vectorization and artwork uh, artwork for CPR. So it'd be kind of interesting to check with him and see if he knew who did who did the firepower uh, artwork if he didn't do it himself. Because and for everybody for all of our listeners out there, Mike Mills is a uh, pretty accomplished uh, pretty accomplished pinball repair person. You know, here local to the area and, and has done has done a lot of freelance work for CPR over the years. Cool. Yeah. So let's. Uh Let's talk a little bit about what what we all experienced over the weekend. Oh, you want you want to shift over and, and and do Phoebe talk now? Yeah, let's shift over and do Phoebe talk. We were all there. <laughs> we we were all there. It was <laughs> it was great fun. And so we'll we'll start this out, Brent, by just giving a little bit of background information. Uh, Phoebe Smith has been a longtime ambassador uh, for the hobby of pinball. Uh, very well known within within the hobby for all the artwork and the custom painting that she has done and the machines that she has brought back to life for for probably countless people over the years. And we were fortunate enough, uh, Steve and and Michael and Brent and myself were fortunate enough to uh, this past weekend, and and when I say this past weekend, it's it's probably kind of tough for everybody listening to the show. We're we're recording the show on uh, today, Brent's the 14th of May. So it would have been uh, the last weekend before... And we were able to go up to, uh, well, up for us, uh, we're in Louisville, Kentucky, and Phoebe's in Cincinnati, Ohio, able to go up to Phoebe's house. She had an open party, no no special invitations or anything like that. She opened it up to anybody and everybody that wanted to come out to her place. I think she posted on Pinside and Facebook and everything like that. So if you could if you could make the drive and make the trip, you were more than welcome to go. But it was a memorial slash dedication party for the late uh, Python Angelo. A Python and Phoebe is... is- I understand we're, we're very close. Very close. Yes. yes, that's how I understand it as well. There was a. Um, did you happen to catch in the, in the front room above her joust pinball? Yes. The hand drawn mm-hmm. joust ostrich and, yes. and arch and not yes. archer and and lancer. Yeah, and and I've got I've got a picture of that. I, I took picture. I asked Phoebe first, and she was very gracious and said that's fine. And once she gave me the clear, I was I was walking around that place <laughs> with a camera in hand, just getting everything. But we will post pictures uh, of of her very nice collection, and um, I, I just never seen anything quite like it. I mean, you truly walk in, and that is a house of pinball. Yes, it yep. was it yep. was Absolutely. amazing. Well, when you walk in the back door, and what's sitting there, Steve? Of what? our Varkon, Varkon, yeah, yes, Varkon. Yes. I love Varkon. I love that game. That's another. That's another reoccurring yeah. theme on the show. <laughs> I don't know why Varkon. We we touch on it quite a bit for it to be so rare and, and made of made of such unobtainium. I mean, we've all been pretty lucky. I mean, Steve, you've gotten to play. You've gotten to play it. What several probably several times now. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, because she brings it every single year to the, to the to the Louisville Arcade Expo. I know it's great. And um, I played one at Papa. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. And you know, they they only made what ninety of them. Ninety, I think, like ninety four or something. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's and, within that you know within that range. You know, to so so to, so to know somebody that owns that game that that makes it available for everybody to play. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it, a treat at, at, at that show. It's you a know, treat. It, yeah. The, yeah. It's not something. 
you know, everybody can say that they, yeah, oh, I've played a Varkon. Yeah. Now, yeah. My, I know Michael plays a fair amount of pinball, as I've already, you know, discussed. He's completely destroyed my hopes of ever regaining a decent score on my own game. Just, just reset it, Brent. <laughs> just reset it, whatever. You fix just that. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> While we're on the topic, did you play? I know your dad set the high score. If memory serves, you set the high score. I on did. It. He did. Yeah. On the Varkon? On the Varkon. On the Varkon. Do you uh, remember oh, what yeah, your high score was? One million two hundred seven thousand and thirty. Ooh, I might got seven hundred thirty on it. Yeah, I need to. I need to go look that up. I'm. I was always around the four to five hundred thousand mark, and then I'd I'd be done and have to walk away. Well, and 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 the only reason that I remember that score is because that's the only high score I put on any machine the whole day. <laughs> we can talk about that a little later because there was uh, Trent Augustine was there, and there was a group around Trent. <laughs> As he was playing oh, Attack from Mars. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that here in a minute. <laughs> and, and Brent, don't let me forget, I have a confession to make at the end of our talk about you this. You didn't steal anything, did you? No, no, okay. I didn't steal anything at all. I just... It, I go to these I go to these parties like this or go to these events and, and I just get caught up in the moment. I get caught up in the sound and the music and everything so it, surprise confessional so okay end, right, right. I, yeah, I have to make a note about that I mean, <laughs> I, he was closed the entire time yes i, I was i was i whitney behaved there's Wait, no okay doubt. okay yeah. all right i hope we get invited back because <laughs> you might have sired it for everybody from louisville you know i ain't worried about <laughs> no, me no, but i'm no. worried about michael and no. steve no. <laughs> I, it just no it's, it's just if anything it just cost me money that's all it did so trent trent's happy with me as, oh, i'm sure Lord. as of today oh, so okay. but i didn't buy a new pinball machine i did i didn't do that so oh you didn't no i did oh, not okay. no 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 whitney can't do that right now so but yeah so a varcon was there it was great fun we walked in and there was also a brand new mustang it, yeah. it was a pro edition mustang and guys i don't know about you all but that thing sounded great and and oh, i don't know I, I wanted to ask trent if if he had put in um if he had put in an aftermarket you know speaker system in that but it was the the music on that Mustang was far. It was louder. It it had more bass. It was just it was just a, a much a much more immersive experience than my ACDC was when I first got it. I actually thought that ACDC was kind of low. You know, I mean, I had to turn it up pretty good in order to feel the music of the machine. But on Mustang, it didn't. It didn't feel like it was laboring at all. No, it, it was very clear. It was very yeah. clear, yeah. and it was very. It was very clean, and it was very. The bass was powerful. I mean, the music just added a lot to the to that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed the music on that game you know because uh such a wide variety yes yeah it's, yeah it's exactly amazing. a wide variety yeah i, I enjoyed that yeah well I, I kept trying to figure out which uh which mode to start it in to get it to play uh motorhead <laughs> so it was, it was we never that, figured that out no, did which, we you got it the very first time and then and after it, that it was a lost cause it was a lost cause yeah. i kept getting something yeah I was, yeah yeah it, and i'm sure it's sure, very eclectic yeah and, and, and i'm sure there's people listening to the show going it was this it yeah. was this you know just kind of screaming <laughs> through the speaker but i i will say this i've i've had my reservations on how that theme was going to translate over to the game and how it was going to play but man i was i was really surprised it was it played fast and it yes. played fun yeah yeah it, 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 it was good it was really good mm -hmm. yeah. and 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 you know the shots are sort of challenging but not impossible i, I like how you can uh backhand that uh right scoop to start the multi-ball 
that that was a good feeling shot that left ramp very probably a satisfying shot yes, i'd say yes, you know yes, you, you make so. it and it's like bam here it comes you, you know, know yeah and uh you know you know some, some games you can just try to dial into a shot and 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 it, and it just never seems to come yeah that uh that that left left ramp shot i, I, I was i was hitting that fairly well yeah yeah, and, 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 and it felt good. Well, and I think probably one of the testaments to the game, Brent, I, Steve was Steve was playing, and I, I walked up behind him, and I said, so, Steve, is it a buy for you? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the, theme, <laughs> the theme's a buy for me. You know, mm. so I don't know, Steve, is one in your future, Van, or are you going um, to squir- squirrel away the pennies or what? My pinball budget is blown for the year. <laughs> for the oh, year? Hey. Oh, dude, it's only May. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's horrible. We're, I'm sorry to hear that. We're a couple weeks into grass cutting season. Yeah. Michael needs to get a yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say you need to sick him on it, man. Yeah. <laughs> how, how bad you want that mustache, Michael? <laughs> um, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so now, Michael, that's what you should do. Encourage, Michael, don't let him encourage you to work to buy yourself a Mustang that he can play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and any game that you work for, make yeah. sure yeah, make sure it's, it's one that I hate. Yeah. You know, so I, so I don't play it. Put it on quarter play. Exactly. No. Like, I'll get like a, I'll, I'll get like attacked by mobs, and you can never play it. Oh gosh, that's torture. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what I mean. We've just we've just got into the you know the the first room and we walked into the house. And there was a def, yeah. you know a defender pinball sitting there as well, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, uh, out past uh out past phoebe and what what is phoebe's husband's name it's larry larry, larry. It's larry. yeah he, yeah he goes by lar or lair like that so well uh, out past their kitchen uh-huh um the that room was basically that area was was william's titles it was it system was seven all, and up yes because there was uh bad cats and there was taxi and f14 tomcat um so i saw yeah Ro- sorcerer uh, was there as uh, well road kings road kings yes, yes and, I th- I th- and i think that i think that wraps up everything that was in that room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and then as you made your way through you know to, out of that room uh-huh. into uh um their front room there then was, it was then it was on like donkey Kong. oh yeah Brent. Uh, there was uh, a metallica yeah a spider-man yes a congo Congo, a Popeye, mm-hmm. a, the, a Joust. How can we forget that? Yeah, yeah the, Joust, right. the Joust pinball was there. Yep. And Attack uh, from Mars. Attack from Mars. Mars. I'm trying to think. that Wasn't there something? Ne- what was next to the Attack from Mars? Was that Popeye? Uh, Popeye. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I was missing one out of that line. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Attack from Mars, Popeye, Congo. And then wasn't there one other in, in that? Yeah, I thought was, there was a fourth machine. I thought there was a fourth wall. machine there. Um I'd have to go back and look at the pictures. I'm sorry that I can't that I can't recall that. But you're right. There was also a Metallica, and I think that was a Road Case edition Metallica, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And then and then a, a Spider Man. Yeah. And then then the the I guess the core game room was the basement, and it was it there was amazing. a couple em machines it oh yeah. it was amazing yeah there was yeah there was a zachariah machine i mean it was pinned by it firepower was down there mm-hmm. and just it, a, a space of, shuttle it just went on and on a lot um i guess that was kind of where the 80s kind mm-hmm. of vintage games were yeah. you know yeah uh, a lot of Williams titles. A lot of them. I was surprised how many of them sounded like Defender. I think I said something <laughs> to you about that, Brandon. Well, yeah, and, and I, I was thinking the same thing, that how many of them sounded like Firepower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I think they bar- oh, borrowed they, a lot they, of sounds. Yes. They, they, yeah. Well, a, f- a friend of mine that was, uh, what's the what's the pin where, uh, uh, is it, I keep, I always think it's Hyperball, but that's wrong, where uh, you've kind of got like the two handles that you turn and it just rapid fire the little balls when you're trying to hit the targets. Right. 
What, what's the name of Demination that? Demination Man or something like no, that. No, it's... I, I don't know. That, well, that there was hyperball and then there was... That was a conventional um, pinball, though, wasn't it? Where it was no. like a plunged ball? No. It, maybe no. maybe I do uh, have the name. Uh, Everyone uh, out there screaming at us right now. You're an idiot. <laughs> no, uh, 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 Williams made one Williams, and, and Bally made one. The one I'm thinking of is Williams. Okay. And it's where you've got the two handles to, the, to either side of the lockdown bar and you turn the handles and it, right. it manipulates the gun and then you have stationary if, tar- fixed targets throughout the play yeah. field and you got to follow the lights. Yeah. Um, I, if... If I'm not mistaken, the Williams is Hyperball okay, and the right. Bally is Rapid Fire. Okay. I think you're... So, the uh, uh, Hyperball pretty much has that same thing where it's all Defender sounds. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. A friend of mine, um, uh, kind of a... Well, not kind of. He was a retired operator. He made the he made the comment to me you know, years ago that uh, Williams did that because the Defender sounds were so recognizable because the game was such a success that you know if you were if you were in a game room and you'd hear that sound i assume you might kind of turn and check it out and realize that it's something different and maybe drop a quarter in it oh so, i see yeah, I yeah. See. yeah. That, that makes sense it, and it does make sense but it was it was it was amazing to me and extremely noticeable i mean i noticed it on one machine that i mm-hmm. played and then you'd walk right next and play another and it it would have component you know there would be components of the same sounds across right. probably what five or six machines down there yeah, it, in, yeah, in the basement at least. And, and for everybody listening we've got a full photo album that we'll post in in, in the blog post for uh, you know for this episode and we'll, and we'll put it up on Facebook as well for everybody to see it so and then you can kind of take a walk through as to every game that was there and the, the impressive real, the real key thing to bring out is that um, you know our Thanks goes out to Phoebe and Larry for oh, opening their home so. up, and, and they did open their home oh, up. Oh yes, how absolutely. many people were there as the night wore on? Maybe, oh. maybe thirty five or so. And, I mean, and the house 40, felt full. Yeah. yeah, the house felt full, and it shifted. There were some folks that were there that because um, we we got to we got up there about two thirty. Yeah, around that yeah, range, right, right around that so time. There were some folks that were actually kind of heading out by the time we got there, and some other others that drifted mm-hmm. in. So our our thanks go out to Phoebe. Initially, this was going to be a fundraiser for Python, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, Python passed before uh, um, before the, the date was set for this right. this, this gathering, and so it, it kind of turned into a celebration. You know, there's a lot of pictures of his artwork, and then uh, some of the meetings of Phoebe and Python through the years yeah. that they had posted everywhere, yeah. and uh, um, so, kind some of showcased to him. Yeah, it, it was, and it was really interesting because there were there were some playfields that uh, Python had given to Phoebe and these were some of Python's personal play fields and mm-hmm. so you you got to see a, a lot of uh, artwork that Python had uh, had worked on and um, you know some of his pinball I guess memorabilia that uh, that was close to him and it was really uh, it was really kind of moving in a way to to see some of that and and you could tell I mean you could tell right away just how much how much pinball meant to to him how much it means to Phoebe and her husband and it was it was nice I mean there was a lot of people there and you could tell that the community and the spirit was running very high. Yeah. So let's drag Michael back into this. So, so you're there, Michael. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and you've got this wide array of games to play. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself kind of did you did you just experience a little of everything to play something different, or did you find a, a piece or two that you just really liked and kind of home homed in on? Uh, I kind I found a piece that I really liked. And what was that? What were you playing? I I really like playing the saw saw. Okay. The, 
I I'd heard you talk about that a couple of times, not you? So, mm. so you're gonna have to hunt a sorcerer up now, aren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that might be a little hard to do. <laughs> oh, I don't. Is that another? Is that? Um, one, I don't know much it, about it, that. Is, it, is it pretty it, rare? It, it doesn't have quite as low a production number as say Varkon, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the, it, it's a fairly low number. Okay, okay. Know. And I would almost I would almost assume that from from a lot of the games that Phoebe had at her house. I mean, I would say that she probably, um, well, without confirming this with her, but she, she, I would say that her and Larry probably had, have over the years kind of honed their collection mm-hmm. to, to getting some some really nice right. titles. Yeah. And, and but, good examples of them as yes, well. Yes, they, mm-hmm. they were all beautiful, it, but they were all ones that Phoebe had, had done her, her artwork reproduction, or her artwork painting on. So, I mean, every game was like nearly immaculate it, it was it was an interesting mm-hmm. collection now, now to don't see. say nearly because then phoebe will hear this and larry hear this and they'll go what nearly <laughs> it, it was like, immaculate how about that looks like sorcerer system, william system nine mark ritchie game 3700 okay so that that's not that low. that's not that bad no, no. Yeah. okay but i mean i we don't we don't really see a lot of those i like expos and stuff so that's true you know yeah. there's there's a you know there's a game or two that i wouldn't mind having that if you you know just with the internet you can bring you know across the world right next to you you know right next door so to speak and there's a couple games i wouldn't mind to have video and pinball and it seems like they're out there but it's it's a regional thing to a certain degree mm-hmm. in and, some instances and, and it kind of makes you wonder of those 3700 that that were produced back in what year uh, oh i just jumped off of it um how many of those actually still exist that's true, you know, because you know, there there are de- definite things that that lead to the end of the life of a game. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I guess the one thing I would say, at least pinball to video, you don't have that conversion phenomenon. And Whitney and I've talked about this a little bit. You yeah. know, uh, a lot of people, if they're trying to stay original on a vi- on the video side, like even even cabinet and all, you stand a fair chance of finding the majority of games in some condition even if you have to strip the latex paint off the side of them Mm -hmm. so i don't know you know i'm kind of surprised it it wouldn't surprise me if there there are quite a few left but then again when you try to buy something that has a relatively high production number where are they at where are they at yeah Mm -hmm. i mean one one of the one of the machines that was downstairs that really kind of struck a chord with me was one called cosmic gunfight Mm -hmm. and I, i just looked it up here real fast and um it had a production of what what um, Internet Pinball Database says is 1,008 units confirmed. Mm. Okay, so that's that's essentially a third of what sort of, of right. the run that Sorcerer had, right. and and it was beautiful and it was fun to play. It was it was relatively fast, you know, for for a game of that vintage and everything like that, and. It was is beautiful. So, but it sounded a lot like Defender. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't get over that. And so many of them sounds like Defender, but but beautiful machines and just a joy to play because I, I'd walk downstairs and my eyes got real big. And it was one of those things where I I wanted Brent to be right beside me so I could smack him in the arm and say, "Dude, look at this!" You know, there was all these games that I had never seen before in my life. You know, mm-hmm. except except for like Pinbot and Space Shuttle and right. well and, and Firepower, right. but but all of the uh, other, fire power fire power yeah but all the others <laughs> were brand new to me even though they were very old machines you know yeah, so yeah. so it was uh, it was a real treat for me mm-hmm. i mean well, I, I i thoroughly enjoyed it oh, oh yeah me too and you know phoebe's house is the first time i'd ever seen 
in person or played in Algar. Okay. Which is the I guess you would call the Gorgar sequel. That 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 was that was actually a fun game, wide wide body game, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, what did you find yourself Whoa, playing? That is really rare. I just looked it up, dude. That's three hundred and forty nine units right. confirmed. Right. Wow. I'm trying to think of the game, okay. Steve on or Michael, if you remember, uh, across the basement. It's got like the it's not sorcerer. It's got like a sorcerer or a wizard with like a uh, um, a, uh, a crystal ball. And, oh, I know what you're talking uh, about. Twilight, Starlight, Starlight, yeah. Starlight. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think that was a hundred. Was it? Right. I think that pr- the production number on that was a hundred. Yeah, it's a lot of well games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right, Brent. The power of the internet, uh, all seeing and all knowing, says a hundred units confirmed on that Starlight. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something. So, yeah, she she had as as we learn a little more about what was down there. Yeah, she's got quite the collection. Right. is what it turns right. into. And don't leave Larry yeah. out of this. Oh no, I I mean no. you know I, I know Larry's back there. He's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and everything else. So they're a team. They're you know? a team, and we certainly appreciated their hospitality. It was just it was just a nice afternoon. And um, there's a lot of love and effort built. I mean, yeah. and we all do that. Like you know, even on the video side, you you start out with maybe one capital game and a bunch of conversions and yeah and as you, as the collection is honed over time and things cross your path and things move along you end up with with what with what you want yeah with yeah. what you want with what you want and yeah. you know eventually you know things turn up so yeah, yeah they, they do they do now you know before we uh before we get into uh before, before we get into um you know, t- talking through all the games that were upstairs and, and working through that, that whole cycle of games. Um, one of the things that struck me the most that I, and I didn't know how much I would enjoy playing this was Attack from Mars because <laughs> it is an A-list title. Okay. And everybody, you know, it, it becomes, a, I guess, a grail title for, for many people, uh, you know, in the hobby. And I, I've always, looked at attack from mars and medieval madness and, and all these a-list titles with you know with somewhat of a someone some somewhat with a grain of salt i guess because it's like man are they really really that good but uh, i got to spend some time on attack from mars and it was really yeah. really that good yep, you know yep, it, it's, yeah it is it's, it, it's a fun game it is a fun game and uh, Phoebe and Larry had uh, had it, uh, you know, very very nicely modded up with LEDs and the space, the, the saucer mods and the spaceship mods mm-hmm. and everything else and chrome sound- side rails, lockdown yes, bars, yeah, lockdown bars, and it had a shaker motor in it, and mm-hmm. it was just it, it was be- it was beautiful. It, it played very very well. It was neat. Yes, yeah, uh, uh, the best uh, AFM I've ever played. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, have that's you the only that one I've ever played. Yeah, it's so. the only one that I've ever played. <laughs> so too. for me, it's the well, best. No, I tell you, I have played that once, and it was at the expo maybe uh, maybe two years back. But the line was always so long mm-hmm. on it. It in Medieval Madness as well that it was virtually unplayable unless you just decided to spend thirty five minutes waiting in a line to play Attack from Mars. And with so many other pinballs there, it's like, well, I'd love to play it, but I'm not going to. I can spend the, the next thirty five minutes playing eight other games, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, but it was it was fun. Unless you're Michael, then you might get a game in in thirty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 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 Steve, what so what did you think about Attack from Mars? I mean, you said it's the nicest one that you've ever played. I mean, have you logged some time with it or what? Um, a, a, a little bit. We've we've made a few trips to CP Pinball in St. Louis, okay. and, uh, and 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 there's one there. 
And, you know, all, all of his games are in, in, in nice condition, nice mm-hmm. playable condition. The The times that we were there, um, it wasn't very busy. So I got to play like 10, 15 games in a row on Attack okay. from Mars. Okay. And got real familiar with that machine. I played one at the uh, Ohio show in 2013. And um, that, that that was a, a complete restoration. Okay. And... Um, it, it it played fairly well. Okay. And you know, uh, the the guy had it for sale, asking you know low five figures for it. And uh, <laughs> low five figures. And mm, I, yeah. I I I think he sold it. Okay. But uh, but believe it or not, it wow. didn't play as nice as Phoebe's did. I would be hard pressed. Phoebe and Larry's. Uh, yeah. Phoebe and Larry's. <laughs> Sorry, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to to know where one would play as nice as theirs. I mean, just from the simple fact that it it's almost like you you sit down and you you eat filet mignon and then all other steak just doesn't you know just so, doesn't stack up. So what you're all telling me is that I can't blame my low score on on the machine. It's completely <laughs> a, a carpenter uh, a bad carpenter blames his tools. Is yeah. that where we're going? Yes, it blames all the it blames all the bit nails, man. You know. <laughs> so Darn it. Speaking of scores on attack from Mars. And so how did you do before before oh, we get into how, this? How did I do? Yeah. How okay. did you do? Because because we've got some video of you playing and we're going to post it up. Uh, uh, with the with the show notes, the blog post for the uh, I got a know, picture of Whitney playing yeah, for yeah <laughs> my big fat head back there playing, but yeah, we're gonna post it up because I, Steve I I'm I took video of you and I wanted to get an entire play cycle in so you could see all the lights and the sounds and, and kind of take in an entire ball cycle with the game. Mm-hmm. But how did you wind up doing? Um, probably four four and a half billion. Okay. Yeah, it's a billion scoring. Bill, yeah, billion. That, yeah, it that, is. Yeah. That, that sounds like a huge score, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. It yeah. does. Especially you know when we were down over there playing Congo and uh, we weren't anywhere close to you know anything appreciable on that game, as fun as it is. But yeah, so yeah, you're talking about the score, and then Trent walks up. Yeah, Trent Augustine. <laughs> yeah, Trent Augustine. Well, I, uh, Tilt Amusements. Yeah. yeah I, I I had been walking around playing some other stuff. It's like you know I want to play Attack from Mars again. Yeah. And I walk up and there's Trent playing yeah. Attack from Mars. I was like, well, great. This is going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> Little did I know how long that was going to be. Yeah. So so how did he wind up well, when, when he walked away from the when, game? When I walked up to the game, yeah. he had about $12 billion. Uh-huh. And I was I was talking to, to another friend, friend of mine up there named Doug, and we were talking about Attack from Mars and talking about the pinball arcade and how, how it's great for learning rule sets yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, then I look up and he's got like 28 billion. Now, it, for, it, for those still going strong. For those that don't know the name Trent Augustine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Trent of uh, Tiltum, uh, Tiltum, Tiltum Amusements. Yeah. Up, 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 up in Ohio. Up in Columbus. Columbus Ohio. Up in Columbus. Yep. He is currently, as of this recording, uh, he is number 11 on the IFPA uh, standings. Okay. He's number eleven. So he's he's sitting strong. He's sitting strong. He is sitting strong. The, our, our video guys and girls may not. Who's Trent Augustine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, Trent also sells uh, sells Stern machines, and you can buy parts from him. And he's a he's a very 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 well known you know distributor in mm-hmm. in in the pinball world. So he he does uh, he helps a lot of people get new machines, and and that's cool. So he's the one affordable. that brought the Mustang in for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. for yes. Phoebe and Larry. Yeah, yes, he did for Phoebe and, and Larry. Larry. Yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. So so Steve so Steve how did how did Trent wind out? Um, well. Uh, after Doug and I finished our conversation, uh-huh. I look up. Trent's got about twenty-eight billion. Yeah. So, 
it's like mm, you know this is a pretty epic game yeah so I, I pull out my cell phone uh-huh. and I, I, I get the video going on it yeah so when I started the video I think he was at around 31 or 32 billion okay and and it, it's going on forever this this video is 13 minutes long yeah exactly okay. so your phone filled up if, if, yeah. I, if I remember yeah. what you yeah. told yeah. me yeah, yeah. I, I had to stop because my phone ran out of memory yeah. when, he, when he hit 64 billion <laughs> 64 billion I know okay. didn't he didn't he like finish up somewhere like right around 68 or something oh no 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 no. no he kept on no, going no, no, oh no, okay no, no, no he kept going okay I mean, he got like 100 billion a one, oh, did he? Oh, 110 gosh. billion okay on attack from Mars wow I stand Corrected, and, and, man. And you, how, and how many times did he save the universe? Uh, Two four, times. Four that I saw. Four that oh. you saw. R- r- ruled the universe four times. Ruled the I universe saw. four times. Yeah. Golly. And the the funniest thing is, after the game was over, you know, I told him good game and everything, <laughs> and I asked him, I said, so is that your best game? And he just looks at me and smiles and said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just warming up. I'm just warming up. <laughs> and then. Um, I, I was watching him play. It was like his second ball three because they had extra balls turned on since it wasn't a tournament situation or anything like that. It was like his second ball three, and he he had racked up like 114, 114x bonus multiplier Okay. with about $200 million yeah. in bonus. So, and I... I, I I'd, I'd type that into my calculator. It won't even calculate it. Yeah, right, you run out of digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah ran out of digits. Oh man, it, it was neat. And he tilted on that ball, right? He yes, he, he tilted that away. Yeah. Oh. He yeah yeah he, yeah he tilted that. Well, away. that's one thing Trent and I have in common is I managed to tilt every machine I touched. Dude, so. you you were a tilting machine. I will say that. Yeah, Brent and I played a lot together, and Brent was Brent was he was giving it to him. If man. I couldn't tilt it, I didn't like it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but yeah, so Attack from Mars was great. I mean, Brent, you and I got to spend some time on, on the Metallica, and uh, after playing that game some more, it really kind of changed my, my positioning on it as well. I I, I I really like the artwork. I really like the, the detail, and I, and I love, you know, just how elaborate the machine is from a cosmetic standpoint, but I, I didn't really know... I, you know, I didn't really know a lot about the rule set and everything, but the more we played it, I mean, that that game definitely grows on you as well. Well, mm-hmm. the, the music grows on it for me because mm-hmm. I kind of grew up as a as a Metallica fan. I've mm-hmm. gotten away from it in some of their later stuff, but you know, back in the you know from the uh, uh, Injustice for All album, kind of that era, and mm-hmm. a little earlier, and maybe slightly after, you know, back when you when you went to see Metallica and said it was a stadium, it was open seating, yeah, you know, that okay. kind of a deal. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I get lost in the music with that game. Easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, Spider Man was fun. Congo was a lot of fun. I, it it was I, it was surprisingly uh, deep for for me. I I just I, I could have just sat there and played that for quite some time. I mean, it was the, the playfield layout's very unique. The way that the ball you know enters onto the playfield and stuff is is neat, and I really enjoyed playing that too. So, what did you play, Steve? That that either you had seen played touch before or hadn't but just really kind of woke up to was there anything that anything there at phoebe's that you and larry's that <laughs> <laughs> don't forget larry don't forget That's larry right. that that you had you got to spend some some dedicated time with and kind of changed your mind on the game that i probably played the most of was the new mustang okay okay um after you guys left, we were there for another couple hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And okay. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we didn't leave till like 10 o'clock. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, so I got to put in a lot of time on Mustang. 
Um, Start cutting grass, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's on. I can't really think of anything that I that I spent a whole lot of time on. I I just kind of wanted to get around to play everything. Yes, you know, because I knew that there were some rare games down there. Yeah, and 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 this was a perfect opportunity to experience those. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, we, uh, we just had a blast. And and for the record, I have to give my wife uh, credit. Eighty <laughs> percent uh, of the games that her and I played together. Uh-huh. She beat me. What? Yes, she did. <laughs> no way. Back, back did you cat. say shocker? Yeah. <laughs> bad bad oh, cats. Michael's, I never, I never won a game of bad cats against her. Really? Yes. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, she's wow. Michael doesn't say a lot, good. but when he does, you listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he drove it home with that. Yeah, wow. Wow. See, I'd never played bad cats before or taxi. And so, you know, those games, I, I know they're penultimate classics you know within the world there's a taxi at the pizza place right up the street is there no way yeah really yeah there's a story behind that one okay it's a uh look i missed out on it i mean good for them yeah but i I, it came from someone that i knew and it oh i see so wow yeah but lose you lose yeah that's true and it does happen but yeah there's there's just a lot of titles there that i in in my limited you know field division for for pinball and my limited time in it I mean, there, there's no way that I could have ever have gotten to play a lot of those games had mm-hmm. not had we not gone to Phoebe's house. Mm-hmm. So, Phoebe, Larry, we thank you. It yes, was a thank blast. You very much. It was a blast. So let's circle back around. This we've turned our intro segment into an interview. Isn't this? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> hey, hey we, it's the way it rolls, man. man. It's all good. To, to touch base back with an earlier comment. How did how did you kind of get into the pinball in, into pinball? Because I know I'm the year I met you. You had a game at the expo, right? Space Invaders. And then, did you have a machine prior to that, or was that the? Uh, no, the Space Invaders pin was my first one. I got that about uh, four years ago. Um, there was a friend of my mom's had one down in his basement. He also Michael's had... laughing. There's some... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, that, yeah the, there's a story. Was there. there a story where someone yeah. almost died getting this out? And was that for someone you? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's like I have pictures of the cast. Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, the friend of my mom's, he was, uh, he, he's since passed, but uh, okay. he was sort of a hoarder, okay? Oh, okay. And, 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 like, and, like the TV show hoarding or yeah, just like? Al- almost as bad. Okay, all right. So, oh. so these games were down in the basement. It took us literally two hours of moving things around in the basement just to where yes. I could I could get the games broken down. Wow. 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 And and then now you t- say games. I, I, what else was down there? I know there. Um, that there was a Space Invaders video game down there. Okay. A, a, along with the Space Invaders pinball. Okay. Now, now, did you bring both of them out? I did. Did you still have both of them? No. Okay. Because right. I have the, the video game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Brent's got the video now. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm sitting over here just amazed. And Brent, Brent looks at me. He's like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this before, uh, uh, Steve and Michael, where there's stuff that we like to talk about with one another, but yes. we can't yes. because it, it just you just need to talk about it live like oh, this that, right. Right. And, yeah. and Brent, Brent and I've kind of we've got a little you know unspoken pact that we'll talk about a lot but there's always a little bit we'll hold in reserve yeah. so that when we're on the show you know I, I we can get something like that because I looked at Brent and Brent just, he's no. giving me the eye and he's like you don't know do you I'm like he's going there he's, he's going, going there. there I mean just just like just like he had you know the, he had the, the fishing reel just pulling me along you know 
Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so it took you two hours to get get things situated just to start breaking down. Right. Oh, wow. So uh, now, were you here with him, Michael? Uh, yes. You were labor. Uh, yes. Okay. But, right. he, but yeah, <laughs> unpaid but, but, labor. But he was only eight at the time. So, oh, yeah. oh. So, so so he was just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 still, I still like help help move stuff around. Right. Yeah. But, right. I mean, That's cool. At eight, though, I mean, you do what you can to help dad, but yeah. it's kind of, yeah. yeah. So, um, actually, the, the the pinball was the easiest to get out of that basement. Okay. Oh, oh, my God. What, 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 cause, cause, cause <laughs> that the, wide body at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, that old wow. machine. The, 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 the legs come off. Yeah. The, uh, the head comes off. Yeah. You know, so you, yeah. so you can get those out in separate pieces. Yeah. The That's Space true. Invaders video, that was a little bit different story. Because it's a tank. A big difference. <laughs> yeah. The, um. There's there was only about seven or eight steps, but the back door was offset from from the from the basement door. So there was no clear path. No. Yeah. N- uh, no clear path. Probably took us once we got it to the top of the steps. It probably took us another fifteen twenty minutes just to get it out the door. Just to get it out the door. Yeah. yeah. And you probably either marked up the game or marked up the walls in order to make that happen. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah, and, <laughs> and did. I only say that because I've done it <laughs> yeah. too. I, there's no matter how careful you are, right? Even if you, you know, even if you butter up the sides of everything, something has to pay the price in order to get it out. Exactly. Yes. Would you say four years ago? Uh, uh, well, four years ago is when I got my first machine. Um, I've played pinball ever since I can remember. I don't rem- ever remember playing my first pinball machine. Okay. You know. Um, this place where my sisters took gymnastics as kids, they they always had a game room and there was always pinball machines. Now, did there. you grow up here in Louisville, Steve? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, so some of the earliest games I remember playing was like a fireball, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Fantastic, yeah. flip flop, yeah. all 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 EM games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then somewhere around uh, when I was somewhere around fourteen years old, they started getting these games in there that had these digitals digital displays yeah and i'm like oh man that's cool that that, that reminds me of those you know those, those, the, the those, watches. those dig, digital yeah. watches where it, you push the button you push the button and yeah. then it lights up nice and red for right. just a couple of seconds right yeah. and i you know and I, I was just mesmerized from there on out anytime the guy would come to uh, collect the machines or work on the machines you know he'd have the play field lifted up and i'm I'm sitting there, uh, you know, looking under it, asking him questions, probably bugging the heck out of him. Thinking that thinking that I'd never want to take one of those apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one I'll never do a playful yeah, swap. Yeah, yeah. I, I never thought I'd be doing that, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I've been hooked ever since I was a kid. That's 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 awesome. So so what has your collection matured into now? I mean, where, where do you sit from a from a pinball and, and vid standpoint? Um, I, I've only got three games. Okay. Um, I've got the Space Invaders. And then um, I traded two of those uh, "quote unquote" skill stop slot machines <laughs> oh, yeah, for yeah, a uh, yeah. for for uh, for a Bally Space Time, a 1972 Bally Space Time. Okay. And then last year I bought uh, Brent's Firepower. Okay. okay. Uh, which which has now got the uh, CPR play field in. And mm-hmm. I, I was going to say earlier, having had the luxury of playing before and after, mm-hmm. I was shocked at how different it played. I mean, I. I had that. Did it play different? Or oh, did it, it just it looked played, different. It, oh, it looked different. It Watch, was, I, yeah, and it, I know it, it would look different, but but does it really play? It was different? much more vibrant, obviously. Yeah, you know, as Steve mentioned, it had a, a pretty good play field in it, uh-huh. and um, and, and I had four coats of you know marine grade wa- uh, wax on it, marine and aeron- slash aeronautical wax on it, and it it played 
I thought it played pretty well when I had it for okay. for what it was, and it played wonderfully. And wow. I was surprised at how much you know the the difference the you know new I guess intolerance pop bumper assemblies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it just it, it sounded different. It felt different. It rocketed the ball around. I yes. mean, it was it was a nice playing machine. Well, and and I think that's the that's the thing that I have come to realize that that. I depend upon when I'm playing pinball is I like the ball speed and and I like the you know the the, the kinetics of it when 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 they hit hard it, when the pop bumpers hit hard and the ball is just I mean just rocketing around the play field that adds to my degree of satisfaction with the game yeah absolutely yeah. so so Michael did did you just start playing because Dad had machines at home uh yes I, when I was eight years old I I had no idea what a pinball machine was. When we were getting this thing out of the basement, I knew what the arcade machine was, but the pinball machine, I, I had no idea what it was. But then we brought it home, I played it a lot, he taught me a lot about it, and then I just started getting hooked on it. <laughs> <laughs> so so at this point... Especially when we went to the local pinball expo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. So, so Michael, at this point, I mean, if, if you were, you know, if you had the opportunity to play, you know, one versus the other, I mean, which which one do you tend to gravitate towards now, videos or pinball? Most Mostly uh, pinball. Okay. Pinball machines. It's, yeah. So, if you, so you're, how old are you now, Michael? I'm 12. You're 12. Well, yeah. And that's a... I've had we've talked about this before uh, on the show and I think I know you've had this phenomenon at your house Whitney where I'll say it kids come in and and once you kind of they there there's something physical to it I don't know if Michael I've had I've had kids come in you know young the younger crowd and it's not being that it's not digital they've they've even I've mentioned this before have reached up and touched the glass almost like it was a touch type of because that's that's what they know that's yeah. the only thing they know yeah and, and when they realize that it's a physical ball and those are physical things under that glass and you can manipulate that physical world it changes it changes yeah, yeah a lot of kids my age really don't know what a pinball machine is oh i can understand that yeah. i mean uh, i mean they have all the new arcade machines like the dance machines and the zombie shooting machines and yeah. stuff well in, in the consoles and everything like that that yeah. you know that that all adds to it but yeah Brent, i mean where you were going with that i mean I'll, I'll kind of back that up and just say that you know any of the family get-togethers that we've had over at our house i mean yeah i'll have some of the arcade machines up and going in classics you know donkey kong donkey kong jr miss mm-hmm. pac-man whatever and those are the things that I would think that children would instantly gravitate towards because that's what I did when I when I was a child. You know, I, I just I just really really got got into those into those titles, and they just walk over and they take one look at them and they may play they may play two or three games, and then they walk over to the pinball machine and they don't leave. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, your wife Angie, when we, when we were up at Phoebe's. She was kind of going through some stuff on her phone. Are you all looking to move? We're yeah, we're, we're seriously thinking about it. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing at this point, uh, one of the considerations is 
a good game room type space, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, oh, yeah. you know that that that's that's one of the things that I'm kind of thinking about in in the back of my head. You know, when when we're looking at places. And, and and if there's not a walkout basement, it's not even consideration. <laughs> it's not even a consideration. It needs to be a single level ranch. Yeah. With, you know, you know, with, with a good space for a game room or a walkout basement. You did notice the big doors at the end of my. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Very very nice. Yeah, and I'm walkout as well. It's it's a necessity. Yes. yes. It, it is. And, and I've done games in a basement at my old house and you lose friends quick when you're like, well, you kind of come over and help me move again. I'm sorry. I've got to, I got to wash my hair. I got to shave the dog. I got to, yeah. Well, and resole um, my shoes. I'm busy. And in fact, a walkout basement now is such a must, uh, that, uh, I keep, uh, two of my games in my kitchen now. <laughs> They're not going back and down the stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah cause, cause a- a- Angie swore that I was going to have a heart attack <laughs> as, as I was pulling that Space Invaders up. Yeah, out out, out of the basement to, to get it to the. Yeah. Expo well, you could have called Steve. I could have made up an excuse as to why I was busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and if you called me, Steve, I would have been resoling my shoes. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I I had it on an appliance dolly. Michael was on the bottom pushing. I was yeah. on the top pulling. <laughs> yeah, and she and, was concerned about losing her baby. She wasn't worried about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget the pinball machine. Forget, you, you know, forget me, you know. As long <laughs> as Mike is okay. A, don't have a heart attack, so the pinball machine doesn't fall on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. That was the only concern yeah. for heart attack. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, seriously, we have them in the kitchen now. You know, could, well, nothing could, wrong with that. Could, could, it's since, since we are thinking We're about. We're not judging. No, yeah, no. Since no, we are us. thinking about moving, you know. Why break them down, put them back down in yeah. the basement? Yeah. I'm just, you know, you got me thinking there's a corner of my kitchen where there's nothing right now. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can find something to fit I'm there. sure we can. Perfect spot for a jazz pinball brand. Exactly. Uh, Perfect yeah. spot. <laughs> yes. Wide yes. enough. It is wide enough. So, Steve, let me ask you. Fast forward a little bit. You guys get a house. The house you're after. Get a walkout basement. Get all the machines in. What's next on Steve's list? And what, what, what are you going after? Um, If we have the money. <laughs> yeah, probably from a price, uh, probably assuming. from a price point, and and the fact that I, I grew up with that era of games is, is going to be the early '80s solid state games. It is okay. You know, um, you know, uh, Firepower is is one of the games that I remember walking into the Aladdin's Castle mm-hmm. and, and 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 being drawn to just because of the way it sounded. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Space Invaders. Space Invaders was kind of the same way because of the the. Uh, very unique uh infinity lights you know yeah. I, I remember that from being a kid yeah and, and and what's neat to think about now is that when i walked into that aladdin's castle in 1980 or 1981 that firepower was a brand new game yeah space invaders was a brand, brand new, new game, game. Yes. you know gorgar was a brand new game yeah and you know i didn't realize it at the time I was playing the latest, greatest thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you were on the cusp of technology you right. know, at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and you know, well, you know, back then it was just well, what game do they have today? You don't realize, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it, a little younger mindset, and you you walk in, oh, there's a new game. You don't re- yeah. realize that it's new, new, yes. new. right? Yeah. It's brand new. Probably my only experience knowing that it was a brand new game was when when Miss Pac-Man came out. Yeah. I I had I had played hooky from school. Told my mom I was sick. We're, and, pa- we're and, past and, the and, and, statute of limitations is passed right now, yes, Michael. Yes. And the night before, I had gotten four quarters out of my mom's purse 
And oh, now we're thieving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, I, I went up to the Aladdin's Castle and played Miss Pac-Man uh, uh, the, uh, the day they put it out on the floor. Okay. And, you know, wow. Yeah, that's – and I guess it just goes to show that – Everybody's tastes are different, but there's enough in this hobby to feed everybody's taste because we all grew up on something a little bit different or we remember have that nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, for something a little bit sure. different. But it's neat because you're after those types of games. I'm after a different type of game. Brent's after, you know, different types of games. But I want them all. And, and I'm there. I want them all, too. But, you know, it's I'll, I'll still wind up divorced if, if I go even <laughs> get close to going down that road. But it's fun but uh no it's it's neat how the hobby can support that you know and, yeah. and how there's enough out there to make everybody happy so so uh tell you what whitney let's go ahead and transition into uh let's just talk a little bit about what we've been up to this past month oh yeah i well and, Brent, i do have my confessional oh, so, oh you know just to just to bring it back around Man, um, I shouldn't just start with forgive me, Father, for I've said. Well, <laughs> only the credit card says that, you know. But uh, but man, man, this card is hot. It is hot. But uh, <laughs> after after playing after playing Phoebe's games, man, I I I called Trent up the very next day, and no, on Monday rather. I apologize on Monday, and I ordered two shaker motors, oh. man. <laughs> <laughs> Because everything that Phoebe and Larry had uh, upstairs, you know, that, that was that was you know fairly new, uh, going back to the attack from Mars and everything, everything that could take a shake had a shaker motor in it. From from, from oh, what I remember, that, you and, can feel that floor rock and roll. Uh, it was amazing. The Metallica would, I mean, literally, it felt like it was shaking the walls. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have a shaker motor in in either my ACDC or my Tron, and I was I was done. I was hooked, you know. And I called up Trent. And I'm like, in I sounded so pitiful. I, I I did. I'm like, Trent, what can you can Trent? Can you help me out? I really want a couple shaker motors. You know, well, what can you do on the money? You know, and stuff like that. But Trent treated me very well, and uh, and he 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 sold them to me for for undergoing. So for under the the going price. So uh, thank you, Trent. I appreciate it, man. So I will get my shaker motor fixed and be rocking. And you know, we're we'll definitely link to Trent uh, Trent's site and provide his contact information. And you know, if you're looking for uh, pins or parts you know here's but we are happy happy and satisfied <laughs> customers but, but yeah uh, reach out and talk to trent see oh, yeah. what he's got yeah. so uh, you know on my side of the house whitney um kind of touch on what i've had going on just you know circle circle us back around haven't had a lot going on uh game related this month yeah. I, I, there's been some things kind of going on in my family that's taking priority of course yeah. and uh i think i even mentioned last month i was trying to uh, starting to work on reorgan my shop i, I still haven't really completed that uh, i was at home today and had an opportunity this the table that that uh, we've got set up here uh, in the in the game room slash studio i actually had a bunch of stuff on it this morning that was out of my shop where i was using this as a temporary holding area so yeah. i took the opportunity to kind of work through that and i got a couple uh, i do have an, an acquisition or possibly two in line so maybe when i come back next month we'll have uh we'll have some updates and that's kind of what I've had going on. It's man, dude. I, I know it's been kind of a slow month for me as well. I mean, we've we've been on the road a little bit, and we've we've got a couple things to talk about that to talk about there towards the end of the show as well. But last month, Brent, I talked about starting a centipede restore. Well, actually, starting two centipede restores side by side. You know, one at mine, and then the one that I got for my brother. Sad to say, I haven't started on that yet. So those centipedes are still sitting exactly where they were last month. Um, one thing, though, that I have made some progress on, and I uh, mentioned this last month, is 
Um, the Mario Brothers, the the conversion Mario Brothers that that was a radar scope before it was converted to a Mario Brothers. That's in that's in the red cabinet. Uh, I'm working with uh, Game On Graphics, and I'm I'm going to get the control panel overlay, uh, a, a reproduction CPO for that game. The one that's on it right now is ate up, you know, pretty bad. And the gentleman that I've been working with there, uh, Scott, has been you know super super good to work with, very timely on emails and everything. So. We're going back and forth, and and he's the only one that um, he's the only one that I've have found uh, through doing some cloth searching and everything like that 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 produces what I would consider a correct uh, reproduction CPO. Um, there there is one other vendor that for that, that game for for that game for for the conversion class. Mario Brothers. Gotcha. Okay, not the wide body, but the conversion class. And there, there is one other vendor who, who does produce uh, a conversion class CPO, but it, there's there's some pretty stark differences between the two. And I, I'm not going to get into a you know a, a, you know a finger pointing or A versus B on this, but um, but Game on Graphics is is who I'm working with, and I'm going to send my. Uh, CPO in. I'm gonna you know break the the entire control panel down, send it in to have it color match because there's just a couple of uh, extra things that need to be done in order for it to be what I would consider reproduction you know reproduction perfect. So that's been going on and um, you know outside of that, Brent, I, I I came across a good deal on a punch out. I've been uh, been wanting one of those for quite some time for for my Nintendo Row, and I, I was able to you know kind of squirrel a deal on on a punch out that kind of works, but doesn't and so <laughs> it's it's a perfect fit for the broken token podcast <laughs> it's broken it's broken, it's broken. and uh it's going to need uh it's going to need some monitor work and you know brent i'll be doing sanyo 20 ezs until i retire yeah i thought you were yeah. out of those no 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 you just I'm, did like a dozen of them. yeah and i'm nowhere even close to being done because i just inherited it i actually took more. one over at his house and, and slid it in so that I could, I didn't have to do it. He just did. <laughs> there was another one there. I mean, it's one of those things. I sit at my desk. I eat my Cheerios in the morning. I just do the cap kits and just keep on. It's just you know, just like a little assembly line down there. But um, but no, I'm I'm excited to get the punch out. You know, back up and going. That's been something I've like I say I, just a few minutes ago. I've been looking for one of those for quite some time. So it's going to need a good cleaning though. It's it's not. It's the cabinet's in good shape and the game plays. Um, the top monitor plays blind and. And it just, but it's going to need a CPO. It's going to need artwork. It's going to need to be cleaned and T molding and you know everything. So, but the, outside of that, Brent, that's I've not had much time to work work on anything. Well, we all have we all have those slow months. Yeah. So yeah. So this has been one. But you know, I've been I've been cutting the grass. Does that count? <laughs> we get Michael will do it because he's trying to buy a Mustang. Oh, uh, sweet. <laughs> Dude, I'll take, probably take videos. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere, though, boss. You got to start somewhere. That's, well, that's all I've had going on, Brent. Not like I say, it's it's been a pretty slow month. Well, I would like to thank Steve and and Michael for venturing out to the uh, Broken Token Studios today and yeah. joining us. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks. You enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, good you're, deal. Wel- you're welcome back anytime that I need to move a game. Yeah, or, uh, <laughs> or did I need to resole my shoes? You know, <laughs> or we're gonna cut grass. Yeah, so I'll be sick that day. Yeah. Be- <laughs> That's all. Awesome. He turned it on us. <laughs> yeah, but Michael, thank you. Steve, thank you. It's, thank it's, you. it's been great having you guys sit in, and I, I just, I love, I love the discussion, man. It's, it's just neat to, uh, it's just neat to, to, to hear the stories. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Awesome. yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Well, guys, thanks a lot. And uh, Brent, why don't we go ahead and move into our next segment? Yeah. 
Well, everybody, welcome back uh, here to the next segment of the podcast. Uh, admittedly, this this show is uh, is a little mixed up and a lot of out of order, but uh, Brent, we're just going to roll with it. Man, there's no order. It, it, excellent. Yeah, there's that's, no order. That's what I like to hear. Our man. style is chaotic. <laughs> it is that. It is that. Uh, what I wanted to do, though, is do some updates on some of the technical and restoration discussions that we've kind of had running as a as a recurring theme through uh, you know th- through the prior episodes, Brent. And this is always kind of like one of my favorite parts of the show because I get to go out and do some research on the projects that that uh, you know a lot of the the the, the reproduction uh, artwork and, and reproduction parts uh, people are doing and. You know, just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of get updated on it, and and it's a lot of fun. Usually, costs me a lot of money, but it's you know, cost, hey, it's it starts to cost it me is. some money. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, we'll, but, we'll talk uh, about that as well. The upside is, is we've had folks reach out to us and say, you yes. know, you've discussed something yes. that that I didn't know was available, and I really could use want whatever yeah and you know they they were appreciative so. oh, very, yeah. very much so very much so. and we've got some feedback uh you know some email from this month that, that kind of echoes that and we'll, we'll get into that here in just a little bit but the first thing that i want to talk about brent is something that you and i uh now that we've got them uh in hand i i, I don't feel so bad talking about it now <laughs> because and i'm going to go back to that whole hoarder mentality that i that i am but we've discussed this yeah yes. yeah and people are probably saying man that's all fine and good now that you got yours you know and it's like well i don't mean it to be that way it just kind of turns out that way but nonetheless um Wanted to revisit the whole major hack, uh, the uh, major, major, major hack, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole major havoc, uh, conversion panels, uh, that Claw forum member take man did. And Brent, I know you got yours in. Yes, I, I did. I got mine in. Um, that is a thing of powder coated beauty stunning. is what that is. It is. It's stunning. It's amazing looking and amazing. And it's, um, it's definitely going to go to good use, uh, at the proper time. Now, on top of that, last month we had mentioned the Major Havoc roller controllers and those being available from Arcade Shop. Pretty key if you're going to have the con- if you're going to have the conversion panel you cut need, for a roller controller. You need to go get that roller controller. And, and Brennan, it hurts, and I know that it hurts. Yeah. And and my credit card squealed a little bit when uh, when the numbers were ran because that uh, that baby's expensive. You know, I mean, you're looking at a couple hundred bucks for one part. And that's, you know, and it's kind of, kind of key. It's it's key. It's necessary. (laughs) But once you've made the commitment, you've kind of got to stick with it. You've got to follow through. So I did order a roller controller and Brent, you got yours in as well, right? It is like the control panel. I will, I will give credit where credit is due. Yes. I can see where the where the money goes. I mean, oh, it was made. It was nicely made. It's nicely made. Uh, you can tell it's quality. Uh, there's nothing that feels cheap about it, and it feels industrial and arcade arcade quality. It feels Atari quality. Yes, is, is what it does, yes. and that's probably the, the the best way I know to say that. One thing I will say though, and add to that is like like we had said last month, that is available from Arcade Shop. If anybody is thinking about doing this project, you, I would probably contact Arcade Shop sooner rather than later. That is. Uh, uh, leftover stock from RAM controls. It will not be uh, reproduced, I would say, 
Okay, I, I don't want to say never, but but I don't know how it would be reproduced at this point yeah, in with, time. With the stigma that surrounds all that is RAM controls, that's mm-hmm. that's why I was even a little choosy as to how I complimented the construction of the controller. I, I understand. You I know, understand. It, it is a nice piece. I it, mean, it's, it's not flimsy. I will give it that. It's not. And what you know, RAM, RAM as you mentioned, Brent has got a lot of uh, drama associated with it. I'm not going to comment on the company in any way, shape, or form because I know that uh, probably some of our listeners were done wrong by RAM. and It's a very hot-button subject. It's a hot-button subject, and I hate to hear that, but the quality of the controller is where it needs to be. You know, it, it is a good part. So, again, and that's Arcade Shop. From what I understand, uh, Arcade Shop purchased that inventory and is reselling it, so I'm just glad that there's a, an avenue to get that part. Now, one thing that I did find out, Brent, is that controller is is able to be lit, Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, when it was uh, in the dedicated and the conversion major havoc cabinets, that controller is lit, and there is a LED controller board available from Biltronics, and that board is perfect for if you want to light your roller controller up or or trackball as well. You know, if you have if you're doing like a centipede or a quantum or something like that, something that has a a, a semi-translucent trackball or something that would at least uh, allow some light in, you know, some some level of, of opacity, you know, to the part. Um, then Biltronics uh, sells an LED controller that is specifically built for these types of uh, these types of implementations. So now, I will go ahead something and say I'm going to look at. Now, the roller controller that I received already had on it a socket for a conventional lamp yes for, so for that an incandescent is there. light and that is there you are and, correct and i've seen the biltronics online i haven't i haven't actually had one of my hand or used mm-hmm. one and what i've seen of it they're they're it's nice it's top notch it is so. I, I mean uh that that site is ran by a gentleman named bill and bill uh, uh biltronics uh, bill of biltronics yes and uh, bill has reproduced or directly oversaw or provided engineering for a lot of key um, arcade replacement and reproduction items like the Atari vector generator. He he oversaw and I think did all of the, uh, I won't say all, but did a good portion, if not all the work on that. And it's, it, it's, it's a key replacement part as well for, you know, for rebuilding vector boards and things along those lines. I've got a couple of his parts. He's done a lot of uh, cinematronics work uh, for like a CPU exerciser for the cinematronic vector boards, like for Star Castle and things like that. So Bill is a very talented individual and he, and he produces some very good parts. So I'm looking forward to, to looking more into that. But I had to yeah, go to Biltronic's site and take a look at that. I haven't even gotten to the part of a uh, point of considering how i'm going to light the controller yeah you know i've uh i've got all the pieces and parts to put together Mm -hmm. a tempest to major havoc with roller controller conversion yes but that that's somewhere a little farther down on the list it it is right now it it is admittedly it is but you know once you start looking at things it's like oh wow I, i wonder how many of those bill ran and I wonder if he's going to run any more. And, and and that's the thing that always gets me. It's so is like, that a specific part for this controller? Or is it, or because what I'm remembering is is 
it's it's a little more generic. I mean, it's not specific okay, for, gotcha. this, yeah. for this controller, but it but it would be it has very applicable use in, in this gotcha. situation. Gotcha. Yeah, and the reason that it, that I was looking at it is because it, at some point um, I definitely want to do a quantum as well, and then with the centipedes that I've got coming up, I've even thought about lighting those trackballs. Oh, as I've well. thought about converting mine. Yeah, yeah, and then have it uh, have it lit green or some you know or blue or just something you know something um, complementary to the centipede. Color schemes. I'm so trying to remember. Does might he wind up buying four or five of them before it's all done? Does he offer? Is there a controller so that you can set the color? Like he uses an, an RGB, you know, a tricolor LED, and you can set the color with the controller, or are they fixed? Colors. It's been a while since I've seen what he's. You know, I, I that's a good question, uh, Brent. I don't know. I I did a cursory look at the uh, at the page where the LED controller was, and uh, admittedly, I need to look into that. So we'll offer links to it in the yeah. show notes, and then uh, try to look into it for a little deeper a deeper discussion. Yeah, in, in a follow up show. Yeah, de- definitely. And I think it's something that, that we owe some follow up for. But uh, I, I'm just looking at his site right now, and he's got like a trackball light controller, and that's not exactly what we're talking about. But it does. Go go through um it does go through di- uh, different uh, different color patterns and things oh, like okay. that the, so maybe that's what's sticking in my mind where you can you can put it on like a changing rotating type of a of a setup yes okay yeah it'll respond to like trackball movement and everything like that oh, so man. yeah so it, it looks uh, it, lo- it looks pretty nice it looks pretty nice so so that's one option there as well uh for you know for lighting up those you know for lighting up those controllers and it's one that i'll probably look into i just having bought some of his equipment in the past, it's just it's just really high quality stuff. So the other item, Brent, that I wanted to touch on and offer an update on, and this is one that has just lit up Clove, man. I mean, it's just gone nuts. Oh, I've man. been excited. I've been excited about this. Yeah, me too. Me too. And this is the uh, the monitor test pattern generator, or what everybody on Clove is referring to is just the the TPG. This is being uh, produced by Clove member Crafty Mac, and the boards are done. The units are done, and as of this recording, uh, in the middle of May, uh, he's already started shipping them out to the first round of responders, uh, or, or order ease, I guess, that, that was that had posted interest in the thread. So the first, you know, the first batch of these are now getting out. What's nice is, you know, we've got some some YouTube videos, uh, one specifically from club member Nerdtendo. Uh, he's got a really nice video that shows, you know, running through the all the use cases of the test pattern generator, what it produces on screen and things like that. And so if anybody is interested in getting one of these, you really need to get in touch with Crafty Mac. Uh, and his profile is exactly his user handle is exactly how it sounds. It's spelled exactly how it sounds, and send him a PM and get in on this because it's not a free for all in that regard. He is building these uh, these test pattern generators in batches, and then he is contacting the people who have expressed interest in the thread, and then he contacts them in the order that they expressed interest, and then offers them up units for sale. And I had asked Brent um, just a day or two ago in in the thread how many we were going to be able to buy in in one pass and uh, crafty mech replied and he said he said we could order up to three in one pass so that's good that's one for the bench one for the toolbox and one for just because a christmas present you know <laughs> to your mother you know or something like that you know because she needs a tpg as well you know so um so it, it's going to be a very nice unit it's got a real nice black abs plastic case and uh, control room kind of like a, a window uh, for setting the, the dip switches and adjusting uh, ad- adjusting some of the voltage pots on it yeah and everything that was like a that. that was a last well I hesitate to say last minute ad 
um, and I don't know the gentleman's real, his actual name other than his, you know, user ID crafty mech, mm-hmm. but the thread has been very active. I looked at it this morning. <laughs> it's been rolling. It's yeah. been rolling. I looked yeah. at it this morning. I think it was up to 47 pages <laughs> Yeah, and he, very he, popular. Has, he has taken suggestions from, from the crowd, so mm-hmm. to speak. And yeah. I think one of the latest patterns he had, it was a, uh, a crosshatch pattern with a dot at the center of every cross to help mm-hmm. with like convergence mm-hmm. adjustment yeah as well as the the color bars and bricks of you know various forms and fashions and yeah. um one of the later additions was i think this was the result of some beta testers working with the initial board builds uh he put a pot in to set the drive for the drive, uh, voltage. For the, the drive yeah. voltage across the colors That's right so that you know you can kind of adjust the 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 tpg to the given monitor exactly so, and, and it's a great. lot of thoughts gone into i mean this. Th- this thing is really turned into is really taken on a life of its own you know if, if you think about a product that could do that this is one that, that has done that and it's nice because it's going to be field upgradable you'll be able to burn new roms no for, wait, it's not if you if you have an eprom programmer that's true that's true um, you can burn you can burn a new rom for it no i i if memory serves it's not rom driven you actually there i believe there's a header on the board uh-huh and you, oh, you you reprogram the unit. You reprogram the unit. Oh, that's not how that's not how I read that. So I apologize. Yeah, if, if the way I read it was, and the blue that uh, Crafty Mac had put a picture up, there's a header on the unit that will oh. basically program that leads to the programming pins of whatever he's running the unit with. Okay. And uh, you set up a, uh, a EEPROM programmer to a given chip. Okay. And then you take the wires with you know out of the out of the unit off of that header okay and you hit a hit a certain pin in your programmer like on your zip socket close yeah. it down yeah and it'll program the unit and then it just it just feeds the data across right. the, across the harness and then reprograms exactly. the test pattern yeah generator. so you program okay. it like an eprom okay i mean you I don't see. you don't swap a chip around and you direct program the unit okay 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 that, that's fair enough and uh like i say i i didn't read it that way but if, if that's the way that it works then then that's good the, the main thing is it's field serviceable and so how, how you do it is something that, that we'll all I, I guess get some experience with as we go but the main thing is is that it is field upgradable and it's good now the one thing that i wanted also to say brent before we kind of move on uh from this topic is there is going to be sanyo support for this right now uh crafty mac had said that uh the sanyos were not the first you know the first or the immediate monitors that were tested but he is working on adding support for the sanyos and i I don't know if that's going to be something that is that comes as part of a firmware upgrade for the device based upon a couple of his replies in in the forum thread it sounded like that was going to be the case because he's done he's done he's had some some of the testers test the sanyo monitors but it's not at the same level of satisfaction as like the wells monitors are and and things like that so that's coming and you know brent as you know as everybody well knows i I work on sanyo monitors you know in religiously religiously so that that's of keen interest to me the other thing is um cloth member buffett is also going to be making um cable harnesses for the test pattern generator for both the wells monitors and the sanyo monitors yeah so when you get the test pattern generator it's going to have basically a header on it that's very similar to the input header on a monitor yeah 
So you either have to make make or, your own cable or buy one or buy one from Buffett or if he's going to put one Buffett. together. Yeah. to to give you that connection into your monitor. Yeah, and from what I understand, Buffett has been testing this device, and so he's made cables that are long enough. I think they're I think six they're foot. somewhere. I think it's six foot. Yeah, I, I think it's six foot. That that is more than ample length to get you know to have the, the to have the TPG sitting in uh, like on the control panel of the game, snake through the coin door, and then get to the monitor chassis so that you can so that you can feed a signal to the chassis itself, walk back around the machine and vary, you know, vary the test pattern while you're looking at the monitor itself. So, um, you know, it, it's a good service that, that Buffett's going to provide. And I think there's a lot of people uh, that, that will take him up on that because, you know, they, they probably would want more of a turnkey solution. And especially for something that's already tested and is ready to go. And you can swap them out for the different headers, like for the Wells and for the Sanyo and things like that. So let me throw this out for folks that are yep. that are considering this. A few folks out there might think, well, I can just go to eBay. I can find some older piece of equipment or something. They're, they're all over the place. And yeah, they it are. It takes too much time, Brent. I looked, I have looked on and off for quite some time, over a couple years, you know, and if I really put some intense searching into it, I probably could have turned something up. I found out real quick that, quote unquote, back in the day, there was a blue million companies that made a test pattern generator, whether mm-hmm. it was Heathkit or in, the, you know, we're outside of the arcade realm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, oh, so this is like for TV repair. For, like, for TV repair. Yeah, okay. Right. So, I mean, there is a test pattern generator that's pretty rudimentary that, that's Wicko branded. And I think it's the same one as the the one that's branded from Electra Home. And I don't know if Electra Home made it. And then Wicca or a third party made it and both of them bought it and rebranded. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, I've actually got one with the, uh, the Electra home name on it. Yeah. I've so, seen, I've seen it before, man. That's a, that, that's a, that's a pretty seventies and eighties looking piece of yeah, equipment, it is. man. It is. It's it, got like the big clunky buttons on it, it and everything. Yeah. You know, and this one's made specifically for the arcade, you know, like the operators would have had these back in the day setting and they're not portable. I mean, it's not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not like crafty mechs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and it definitely doesn't have the flexibility. And looking around out there on eBay, there's stuff out there, and you you're like, okay, well, does this have discrete uh-huh. red, green, blue outputs and a discrete sync, either positive or negative? Yeah. And, and the majority of the time, if you can find a manual online, they don't because they were made for a TV repair shop. So they're going to be made for an RF receiver and they're going to output on channel two or three. And they're going to hook up like an old console video game, like so, a 2600. So you're, you're going to spend your time fighting what you just spent money to buy. Right. Yes. So why it, do that, Brent? Absolutely. That's yes. where I'm going with this. If, if you work on monitors, uh, and I know a lot, of, a lot of folks in the thread kind of made the, the comment that they do the same thing I do, which is they have a JAMA board. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I use get that. I, you drag down a jamma harness and a power supply and a yeah. couple controllers, joysticks and buttons so that you can get it into the test modes. Yeah. And, you know, Konami's, I use a Simpsons board and a lot of people are, I mean, that's, that can be a, a few dollars into that board. Yeah. Uh, but Konami had good test patterns. Yeah, compared but, to what we had at the time. Yeah, but th- this this is this is progression is what this is. And I mean, I use it's in the palm of your hand. It's in the palm of your hand. It runs on a nine volt battery. You hook it up, hit a button, plug it up, and got done. And done. And it's portable. You could put it in your back pocket. I mean, Brent, we saw the. There's pictures of it in the thread, and we'll have the thread in the show notes and the blog post for the episode. It's in prior uh, episode blog posts as well. This thing's about the size of a stud finder, and yep. so and, and it's it's molded to where it has it, it almost 
almost fits like it has a handle. You know, it, it has a curve to it. So it it, it looks it has, a lot like a multimeter. It, it in does. Terms of size. It, it does. It's like a stud finder multimeter size. It fits well in your hand. You put it in your back pocket, throw it in your toolbox or tackle box or whatever it is for, you know, you use for portable arcade repair, you know, keep a Duracell on it and you're good to go. And so spend 35 bucks, you know, 30, 35 bucks or whatever this, this piece of equipment is going to cost and buy back so much of your time. You know, it, it's, and support it's nice. Crafty Mac. I mean, he's he, supporting, man. He has put a lot of time and effort in this and it, by all accounts, it looks like it's going to be a solid piece. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a solid, solid Absolutely. piece. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so, so we've got a lot of progression there brent it's it's now being shipped you can you he can shipped get his, on, uh, if my notes correct here he shipped his first unit on may 12th on may 12th excellent so so the units are going out now i mean brent you and i are are on the thread we're anxiously waiting our turn to buy and that's i'm, I'm really high he's got a list right now of and I'm sure Crafty Mac makes another product, and he sells it through his site. And I'm sure that once he gets past, I presume once he gets past this initial list of in- onset, folks that, yeah, yes, the influx, it'll yeah. be it'll be generally available. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, it especially will. all the time and work that he's put into it. And yeah. um, I, I don't believe the form factor is too large to make it difficult to produce the PCBs. So yeah. I, I believe it'll be out there, but. Uh, I am really high on the on the current list. That's uh, good for you, dude. The, I'm pretty low right so, now. So uh, I, I was actually uh, just now checking Claw to see if I had a PM come in today. <laughs> no, that, that's cool, man. So we're we're looking forward we're looking forward to that. So yep. So that's that's the uh, the test pattern generator. Buffett is making cables and our harnesses for it. And so between uh, between Crafty Mac and Buffett, uh, you should be able to get a complete uh, turnkey solution for uh, for helping you with monitor uh, monitor adjustment and or monitor repair. Now, the, uh, one other thing, Brent, that I wanted to do a follow-up on is, I mentioned this last episode, there are uh, Williams ROM board to IDE connectors that are made uh, by CLOV member uh, Suchi, and it's S-U-C-C-I, and I hope I pronounced that right. But um, I ordered a few of these, Brent, and they came in, and they're beautiful. I now, mean, is this to replace that ribbon cable? Or? It, it is, yes. It, it's to replace the ribbon cable so that you can use a standard, uh, like, IDE oh. cable on both sides, on, on, as, as the interconnect cable. Okay. So, so you don't have the proprietary connector on the ROM board any longer. It's, it's essentially IDE on both sides gotcha. now. Okay? okay. So, so it makes servicing the cables a lot easier, and... Um, and it hopefully eliminates one of the weak points on your Williams boards. Now, for okay? those that don't know, uh, IDE is a standard. I can't recall. It, it's an older standard. I can't it recall is. what it, it stands for. Um, it is an IT person, you think I would. But it was uh, the standard that was around for years, probably a, close to a decade. Yeah, for, for hard drive for hard drive interconnects and Exactly, in and a PC. Yeah. And, C, and CD-ROMs and things oh, like that. Oh, uh, yeah. CD-ROMs, DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, not Blu-ray because by the time you get to Blu-ray, it's it's SATA. All everything SATA, yeah. Um, so the ca- the cables are plentiful. I have I have yes. a box, a huge box of them here. <laughs> I, I do too. And and if you suspect a bad cable, just throw it away and get another yeah, one. They and, are plentiful, pl- plentiful. And if you don't have any, you can you know you can um, probably find a friend who does. And so the great thing about this though is that um, on the Williams boards, these interconnect cables use two different connectors uh, for for that cable. It was an IDE connector on one side, a different connector on the other, and this board eliminates that problem. So, and, so you unsolder the, the kind of the proprietary end of the board, mm-hmm. 
and just drop this in place, solder it in, and now you've got that, that's that exactly right. standard IDE-like that, That's exactly right. So so this has the header pins on it to go into that proprietary connector. You, I didn't know take, about this. I'm going to have to get one or six. I will bring one, uh, Brent, and, and show it to you because okay. I, I think I ordered like four of them okay. myself. And so I don't know how often he's going to rerun these. So I actually ordered more than I needed. But that's the, you know, that's the kind of the, the Whitney way, I guess. But, you know, but I, I wanted to make sure that if I botched one up, I had a second. Or if I get a, another Williams game later on down the line and I decide that it's a keeper, that I've got a couple of these sitting in inventory so that I could service the board and and hopefully make the game a lot more reliable. Very nice looking, very nice looking pieces of equipment. In fact, Brent, what I'll do is I'll take a picture of one and put it up on the Facebook page and, and put it in the show notes now, as well. This is where I'm going to show uh, um, some inexperience, mm-hmm. but I'm fairly, no, I, I think I'm confusing sound, but there's a lot of the Williams hardware that's also used in the pinballs of various, of various generations. I'm not for certain that they do a ROM thing. A ROM board per se that that may actually be the game ROMs are probably on the MPU so th- there may be a, there may be a crossover application in the pinball world I'm not 100% certain don't hold me to that but you know if you're a pinball person out there and you're like ding 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 this rings a bell I've got a, a satellite ROM board on a system whatever Williams uh, this this may help you out and, oh, and if big, I'm incorrect, just ignore me. Yeah, no, no, no. I I don't know the answer to that either, Brent. Uh, admittedly, um, I'm just I'm not as familiar with you know with that vintage for for those machines. But um, but none, nonetheless, uh, at least for for the for the vids, it's 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 pretty big. So um, it's 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 nice. And like I say, I'll I'll post up a couple of pictures and and we'll you know we'll go ahead and take a. Go ahead and take take a look at that. So yeah, it's it's pretty big time, dude. Pretty big time. And the the boards are made well. They just they just look really good. Oh, and I just looked it up real quick. It would it the other connector is called an IDC connection. That's what's on the ROM board. Okay, an IDC connector. Well, that usually means ins- insulation displacement connector. Mm-hmm. So it's like a pressed in type connector. Mm-hmm. It it's, is. You know, I, I admit it's been a while since I've had my head in the back of you know uh, a Williams cabinet. Um, and knock on wood, my my defender is is, is stable. So uh, uh, oh, you're I, one of the lucky ones then, Brad. Uh, knock on wood. Yes, I put a lot of work into it, which is probably why it's stable. Yeah. Um, but I do have a, a Williams or two out in the garage. It'll eventually need some attention. So. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to look into this. I didn't realize it was out there. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely want to take a look at it. So, um, and, and just real quick, just some just some recap here on, on a couple of projects that I talked about last month. Um, there is uh, there there are the Williams uh, the, the classic arcade cabinet speaker grill reproductions. I did buy uh, a couple of those. Brent, they came in. Man, those things look so beautiful, so beautiful. They're very very nice. They've really really turned out well. So again, those are available uh, both on uh, both on Clove and CoinOp Space, and and that was done by a gentleman by the name of Stephen Winslow. And last month I mentioned that that they were only, that Stephen was only selling these on. Coin up space but I, I did Stephen did contact me and wanted to correct it and um and i do want to make that correction but they're available on clov as well so um if if you go through and, and you search and you search for uh for those terms in, in the title you will find uh you'll find the thread and i'll look the thread up on clov and make sure that it's in the that it's in the show notes as well so as so i'm looking at some pictures of it right now uh, linked off coin up space and mm-hmm. um just in the pictures it is 
rather stunning. It's nice, Brent. It is very nice. It's nice. And it's $40 a panel. Now, I bought a couple, and Stephen, Stephen cut me a little bit of a break on, on you know, a per-panel price. But, Brent, I've got a Moon Patrol that needs it. My Defender need, Well, in fact, I've got a couple Defenders, one that I'm going to be doing for a buddy of mine as well, that needed them. Um, Sinistar needs it. And so, and so now, is that, is that panel common between the, the lion's share of the Williams no, game? It, or did you no, have to specify? I, I had to specify, and the Moon Patrol panel is different from what Stephen told me okay okay so 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 there so there is that um one thing that i mentioned last month as well uh brent is that uh take man is potentially going to do a second run of nintendo coin doors uh there is an interest thread running on club we don't we need 20 people or we need people to commit to doing tw- to buying 20 doors before he will rerun those we're nowhere close to that right now so i just ask it for any listener that's uh that's interested in that um take a look at the the, the link to the thread in the show notes and you'll see that as well hop in there there's there's no end date on that but it's something that uh i'm sure a lot of people would would appreciate uh happening and and here's one thing that i am really interested that i'm really uh really jazzed about brent is uh i've talked about this whole mappy marquee potentially being redone over the past couple of episodes and it looks like now darren from phoenix arcade is uh is is taking the um the films that he has for that marquee to his screen printer to see what's going to be done or in, in from a timeline and a possibility perspective so we're getting closer and closer to that you know humongoloid mappy marquee potentially being reproduced i may buy one of those just for wall art in yes. the event that i come across the mappy yes 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 yeah keep it on the wall and then when you need it just take it off the wall yeah. you know and it's there I, I can I can fairly certainly say that if these Mappy Marquees get reproduced, I bet they won't get reproduced more than twice, <laughs> or maybe even <laughs> just once. You know, because they're so big, they're very complex from a color standpoint. And uh, Darren um, Darren's doing uh, doing the community a solid. Let's let, let's hope that it goes. So that that's it, Brent. Um, you know, the the whole Rally X uh, reproduction is moving right along. Um, you know, we've got enough for the, we've got enough for the, um, for the bezels and we only need a couple more people for the marquees. Uh, and like I say, that's, uh, that's in, you know, show notes from prior episodes as well. I'll link to it again for this episode, but you know, no, no real news there. But, uh, as far as, you know, as far as some of the arcade reproduction parts go, Brent, that's, you know, that's, that's the news for this month. Now I've got a little something on the pinball side. Oh Yeah. And uh, uh, I, to be honest, Whitney, I tried to recall where I had come across this link. It, it may have been posted to one of the uh, one of the pinball groups that I'm a member of on Facebook or, or okay. something to that effect. But it's something called, and this this may have been out there for a while. And honestly, I I don't have the full history on it. But it's something called the pinball construction kit. And we'll add a, have a link to it in our show notes. But the, the the page that I'm looking at, the the quote unquote kit that I'm looking at, centers around uh, your '80s era Bally's. Uh, it, basically, the Bally Dash 17 and ba- uh, Dash 35 uh, CPUs. So that may okay. actually go into the early '70s, or excuse me, the late '70s as well. Okay. '79, '78, somewhere in in that range. Now, the uh, kind of the interesting thing about about that that generation of pinball is there's the lion's share, if not all of the, the board sets uh, are actually swappable into stern machines. Uh, and, and I don't know the, the history of it uh, 
maybe someone out there can can send us a note or drop us an email and, and kind of give us the quick and dirtiest the history of how things kind of got copied but if you look at the board side by side they're they're darn identical so it's obvious that one was copied from the other so okay. this will also work on a stern uh, with a dash 100 or the dash 200 series mpus and the idea of this kit is, is it gives you a framework for those so inclined to reprogram your game now, Britt, now when you say reprogram your game, you're talking about changing the rules? Changing the rules, so changing how so, everything works. So you're rolling your own rule set with this toolkit. Yes, you are. Now, I'm, and Brent, I'm looking at the page, uh, and like I say, we'll have the link in the show notes. I'm looking at this page, and what this, the thing that, that jumps right out at me is this is not a turnkey solution. No, no. This, this is a toolkit and a framework. Because if you look at the website, or the webpage rather, it, it's actually showing you assembler code. Yeah. <laughs> and and verbs, uh, verbs or actions you can take in the assembler code for, let's say, uh, activating a coil or, or uh, you know, sounding a chime or things like that. So you've got to have some skills here, yeah. some, some assembler programming skills, ROM burning skills. But Brent, this is, this is pretty ingenious. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So... Th- the kind of in the in it, to to continue along with that train of thought, basically what you're doing is you're going to replace one of the EPROMs, which um, it, what I interpret basically I guess is maybe the operating system per se of the game, and th- with with that replaced, you can then write your own code to determine how the game behaves, and that code is stored in another EPROM. So yes, you have to have uh, EPROM burning. Uh, programming capability to get you know the 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 kit if you will on the mpu and not only the skill set to program it um but of course then again to to burn it and to to put your your own design your own game rom on there if you will your game specific rom now that the the programming side is relatively uh, i guess easy a lot of the a lot of the uh, the folks in the hobby have a programmer already we're talking 2732s 2532s pretty common chips yeah but you're right you do have to have uh, some programming background basically what you're doing is the kit comes with some predefined macros so um Say, for example, a, ma- a macro is a, a, just a predetermined set of instructions. If you want to do some task over and over and over again, chances are there's a macro and you just call the macro. You don't yeah. recode the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So you've, you're using this list of predefined macros with <laughs> a mix of some 6800 assembler. Yeah, it looks like he has macros for like turning, turning specific groups of lamps on or off. To it, to where it kind of shortens some of the code, and, and and you don't have to go back and write the same kind of utility code or kind of what I'd co- I'd consider like pots and pans kind of code mm-hmm. over and over again. But uh, but you, you're spot on, Brent. I mean this this is all this is all assembler, and for someone for well for someone who would undertake this kudos to them because they're going to get exactly what they want out of their machine there's no doubt about it but also kudos to the to the gentleman who who created this i mean this is um this this is quite comprehensive very impressive and even on his page he's got a he's got a recommendation for you for a a a 6800 assembler so that once you've written your code you can go ahead and assemble it and get it ready to program he's also got links to uh, a motorola 6800 programming guide it's been years since I programmed Assembler. Years. 
years since oh, I've it's been <laughs> years since I've done it too. Ever well it's been since, since I was I've in college. It. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's probably yeah. my first year in college. Is the last time I pro yeah. the first and last time I programmed assembler. Yeah, pretty much the same um, for me. So I'd have to definitely go and and assembler is specific to the CPU mm-hmm. to a certain degree. So mm-hmm. you know the re, he's got the resources there. Um, oh, it's you, all it's all it's here. all here. You just have to decide that you're going to take the time exactly to 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 absorb it all, and then have the drive to finish what you start. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, <laughs> that's exactly. It. You have to not only do you have to kind of dabble in the 6800 assembler, you also have to understand how the Bally hardware works. And you know, he's even produced. You know, we keep saying he, whoever it is. They have also provided links to the Bally theory of operation guide, so you can kind of look into and understand the hardware. And Really, the only other thing that you need, you know, programming proms, that's pretty easy. If you've got some programming background, or or maybe not, if you feel so inclined to learn, you can get in. The, the literature is there to kind of get into the 6800. You don't have to start your game from the ground up. You can take the existing game, start to walk through the code that's there, and maybe make some modifications to try to learn. Yeah, that's, but that's pretty amazing. The big thing that you need is an idea of what you want to change. You know, I'm looking right here through the uh, the list of the Bally Dash 35 CPU games. You know, you've got uh, Eight Ball Deluxe, you've got Electra, you've got Dolly Parton, Future Spa, Flash Gordon. I mean, the list is 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 pretty long. I'm just hitting a couple that that folks would that folks would recognize it looks like xenon is in that list uh vectors in the list star trek's in the list there's several games that that silver ball mania that are not too difficult to come by um you know the there's playboys in the list paragon uh pinball pool mr and mrs uh pac-man pinballs in the list the skills you kind of need a little skill you need a little need to do a little homework but you also have to decide what you want the thing to do yeah because just having the tools is is akin to having the ability without having having a vision for for how you want it to turn out brent i can see this as being you know a gift to the pinball community but at the same point in time man what what a dedication it's going to take to make something of this of this toolkit unless you're just very gifted or very i would say very familiar with writing this kind of assembler i know if i was to take this on it would be a time sink you know i, I could see if yeah. i were to dive into it uh, I, I believe that it would and i would have to start with just a modification mm-hmm. i'd have to Definitely. have a game yeah. and uh, uh say okay i'd like to change x and mm-hmm. even I may not be making the game better, mm-hmm. but to me, I would want to walk into it with a goal so that I could just learn more about the process. And even if I wanted to change one rule or invert a rule, you know, it did A, I wanted to do B, that would get me or whoever out is out there that's trying to exploit this kit, it kind of get their toe in the water. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. can, they, can learn, they can learn what the code looks like. They can learn how the hardware works. They could, uh, you know, the EEPROM stuff, you know, if, if you're, if you're embarking on this, the EEPROM stuff is old hat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, You've it, got that cold. And, you know, one of the things that's also mentioned in, in the website uh, for the toolkit is you can do this in PinMame. There's a debug version of PinMame, so you can drop any ROM in it and you can see how it plays, how it works, if the change was successful, if the game even boots, I presume. So, you know, you don't have to go from the ground up and completely redesign, re-engineer the game. You can start with a couple simple changes and just see what ta- where it takes you. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's very true. No, that, that's a good find, Brent. That's a good find. It's it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely unique. I will say that. So and that's kind of what I had crossed my crossed my virtual desk this month. Whitney, I thought <laughs> okay. was kind of cool. Hopefully, yeah. somebody out there, uh, you know, just didn't know that existed, and, and that might fill a need. Yeah, and get get some use out of it, and get some and, and get some uh, enjoyment out of it, and customize their game. Or as as the author said at the very end of the of the web uh, of his web page, the reason or. Uh, we don't know that it's a he. We're, we're going we're to assume. <laughs> we're we're going to assume based upon the way that it's written. But nonetheless, is that uh, he wanted to uh, essentially create a new Bally game from scratch. And so I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. You know, using the Bally hardware, but create a completely new game with completely new rule set from scratch. It's amazing the stuff that that just makes its way into the community. Because you know, there's boards now where um, I think the new Medieval Madness remake isn't it using one of the one of the boards that are now available that you could basically use to program your own game. Mm. I know. I don't know. The the name is escaping me at this, at at the moment, you know, there's, there's, if you wanted to make a game, whether it's a, uh, uh, it's, you take an existing game and you completely retheme it, or you take an existing cabinet or make your own cabinet, make your own uh, play field, you know, I, you could use existing hardware yeah. in your own game. You could use new hardware. I mean, there's a million options yeah. out there. Yeah, it's. It, 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 I think the hobby's really picking up and is really, you know, kind of blowing up from that regard. And there's so many more options now for working on 30 year old machines than there ever has been. And that's pretty impressive to me. So yeah, Brent, well, I'll tell you what, with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, let's get back in and talk about some feedback and some current news. Okay, Whitney, let's cover some news uh, uh, within the arcade and pinball community. Yeah, yeah, let's talk some current events, man. So so what's going on? So our friends over at Spooky Pinball, Charlie and family, they just uh, took, a, took a trip out to the Midwest Gaming Classic. Oh, I'd love to go to that. Uh, I, well... Maybe we'll have to we'll have to look at that for next yeah, year. Yeah, that, that may be a good next year trip. I, it just it gets such good press, and I know that it's such a expansive event. It's there, there's a lot going on there. Would love to go. We have to take the show on the road. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So Charlie and family they they made a kind of a surprise debut. They they not only took an America's Most Haunted, mm-hmm. which is currently in production, and I it's believe a good looking machine. It's a good looking machine. I yeah. believe according. to to the latest episode i don't know if you're up on spooky pinball they just they just released 50 and, and i'm not all the way through it oh man I, i'm i'm admittedly i'm running behind on that one yeah and i apologize i'm fairly certain they've already shipped games they've started to ship their first couple games so okay. they've got games on the truck they've waved they've they've let the first one out of the nest <laughs> the, the baby is gone uh, <laughs> and i imagine that i imagine that was kind of a bittersweet moment i bet it was but you know you've got to catch a check and that, that makes it all yep. okay yep. you know you kind of see it all come to fruition yeah so charlie actually in spooky pinball llc yeah debuted uh pinball zombies from beyond the grave so <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome yeah it does pinball zombies from beyond the grave and, and i think officially it's pinball zombies and then it's the subtext is from beyond the grave oh, okay okay gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but still it is uh, i like the full title yes so it was a surprise charlie's kept pretty close to the vest as to what the game looks like um the the central character the alicia crowley character mm-hmm, yeah kind of like the zombie cheerleader looking yeah. uh looking character they had you know released the artwork the artwork was kind of out there it's on the website i think they've had some posters and the like but he's kept really close to the vest about the game and and i can't blame him he he 
he's kind of doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's not wanting to put too many teasers out there. Oh, he's, I understand. It's he's his not, business. It's now. his business. Yeah. You know, he's not putting a he's not putting a deadline out there per se. He's not taking down payments. He's not taking deposits. Yeah. He's doing he's doing it at his at the pace that he can do it to make the best possible yeah. game. Well, so and that's cool. That's cool. He's he's there's been really no sneak peeks other than a little bit of artwork. So I'm pretty sure it was quite a surprise when when the pinball showed up out at uh, the Midwest Gaming Classic. So the folks over at Coast to Coast Pinball have a little video up on YouTube that shows the basic gameplay, and we'll go ahead and have, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. And I'm looking at the play field right now. I just kind of paused the video. I I, I know that there. I'm sure that there is more coming. Right now, it's it's a pretty you know two dimensional play field. Uh, I can see a couple wire forms that run either side of of the play field. The center of the play field is is pretty open. Uh, I see three pop bumpers in kind of a unique arrangement. There's two to the left and uh, kind of one fairly, cl- you know, not fairly mid center to the right. You know, not not center, not all the way against the right side, kind of midway between the center point and the right side. Looks like a ramp in the back, a small little ramp, not a, not a large ramp. And a mini a mini play field with a single flipper up in the right hand side, and that area I don't really see any artwork on it. It looks just to be green in this video, so it's playable. There, the video shows the game playing. The ball gets rocketing around in this game. Yeah. You know, it looks like there's a lot of action to it, but then again, I I believe that there's more to come because just just looking at America's Most Haunted. And what Spooky has produced, the elevator toy, yeah. there's the ghost, mm-hmm. uh, the ghost rotates. There's a lot that, that, that goes on with the ghost and in, in, in the gameplay. I'm not, I, I don't want to jump out and say this is unfinished and, and get into that kind of discussion. But uh, my feeling is, is that there, there will be great things to come as more features are added to the game. The game gets, you know, a little farther along. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you know how this how this progresses. I mean, America's Most Haunted is a is a fantastic looking game. It it is uh, so professional and so finished looking. And you know, Brent, if you were to take America's Most Haunted and sit it side by side with the latest offering from Stern or Jersey Jack, I mean, it it competes. I would it, agree it, absolutely. It, it looks exactly like it should be there, and that's uh, that that's one of the highest compliments I know to give. You know, Charlie and Ben Heck and. And, and everyone who works with Charlie, at, you know, at, at his company, you know, they, they've produced a world-class pinball machine. And so I'm sure that pinball zombies will be better than that, you know. I, so it, it has to be, you know, as as they, you know, tighten everything up and, you know, incorporate lessons learned. I'm, I'm sure it's it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I tell you what strikes me about uh, about this, Whitney, looking at the video We've all seen pictures of White Woods for various games. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're called White Woods is because, okay, I'm going to physically screw things down to the play field and see if it works as good in play as it looks on paper. Mm-hmm. So where I'm not going to deal with the art. Right. This is almost like a White Wood with art. And it just kind of, to me, and Charlie, if I'm if I'm off base here, to me I'm looking at this as, they are taking a completely different approach than the conventional approach to designing a game. Yeah. Who says you have to do A before B and then <laughs> C? Well, I'm going to mix a little C in here. Yeah. And to me, that just, you know, to me, that if you're looking at something, doing something a little different, you're, you're pushing the envelope 
you're going to, you know, you're going to experiment. You're looking for new and exciting ways to do, do maybe the same old thing. You're Mm -hmm. going to end up with the same kind of result. You're going to have a functioning pinball machine. It it just really strikes me as interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think Charlie and the guys are doing good work and I think that they'll be rewarded for the seeds that they're sowing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is, I I was, I was looking at it as well where you were talking, Brent, and it, it, I mean, it's impressive. So I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing what that matures into. And who else has done that? Who else has brought? And I'm going to let's just call this a prototype, an mm-hmm. early prototype, because I have a feeling, based on America's Most Haunted, th- there's going to be more to the game. Mm-hmm. There's going to be. I mean, there's not really a toy on here per se. Right. There's not um, something that really sets it off to itself. I'm going to. F- I feel confident in in saying yet. Yeah. But think about this. That's a huge risk to bring something, um, a, an early production prototype type game out to let people bang on it. Yeah. And see what sticks and see what, what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. No, we wish them the best of luck. So I think, it, I think that this is going to end up another wonderful game from Spooky. But yeah, yeah. make sure you check out the video. Uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. That's cool. That's cool. So the next thing I wanted to touch on, Whitney, was our poll. It's going to be great. <laughs> Man, dude, you're getting ready to be put to work. They're putting me to work. They're, you're going to put Brent to work. The, 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 our, our listeners are going to drive me probably into another level of craziness. <laughs> something <laughs> else that I could, something else that I could obsess about some other, some other game. So the last episode of the podcast, we, uh, we, we kind of did a user or not a user a listener outreach mm-hmm. and we said brent's got some games sitting out there uh he's kind of had a line in his mind about what he wants to do and we've all had that and the line shifts around so let's pick let's pick some games let's get some uh users to tell users let's get some <laughs> now we're talking you got tron on the brain yeah let's get some listeners to to set my direction yes. so we set up a poll. We talked a little bit about the games. Uh, the four games we chose were Space Duel, Tron, which is where my user reference <laughs> yeah, keeps coming ex- from. Exactly. <laughs> La- uh, a universal ladybug in an uh-huh. actual universal cabinet, uh, and a burger time. Right. So talked a little bit, about, a little bit about each game on uh, on the prior episode, on episode eight. Um, kind of gave a little history of the game, where I got it, how long I've had it. And we set it out there for the listeners to say, you know, come vote. Tell us what you want to work on. So yeah. uh, as of this recording, the, the voting is still open. When the podcast hits, by the time you're listening to this, the voting will be closed. But Whitney, do you have it up in front of you? Let us know. Wh- what are we at currently? Okay. I, let me let me go ahead and pull this up here real quick. And Brent, it's, it's uh, a funny thing because while you were talking, we had another vote come in. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which is great. So yeah, so we're, we're up to... We're up to 65 respondents to the poll, and Ladybug was at 22 votes. It's now at 23 votes. So, um, like I say, even though the the poll will be closed by the time this episode airs, it's essentially down to Ladybug and Trine right now because they're they're within a couple of votes from each other. Uh, the poll's going to run for a couple more days. It'll run through midnight um, on on May the 16th. And uh, you know, I'm sure at this point that it's that it's either going to be Ladybug or it's going to be Trine. A burger time's a little further behind, and Space Duel. Uh, God loves Space Duel, but uh, seems like a lot of other people don't. So uh, it's only got it's it's only got five votes right Aww. now, and it's a it's a distant uh, it's a distant fourth uh, to uh, Burger Time sitting at sixteen. But nonetheless, uh, it 
it's going to be cool to see how this how this wraps itself up because man this this is going to be the next game that you restore like you said and, uh, refurbish and, and refurbish thank you refurbish and uh, caught now, by my own word there <laughs> and and then we'll we'll detail it here all on the show so the fun thing is is that uh, well the interesting thing out of the gate Tron and Burger Time took off oh they did yeah and they uh, did. Space Duel and Ladybug were were at the back of the pack they, they were laggards <laughs> and, and Space Duel still lagging but Ladybug <laughs> He's has still dueling yeah, in space man Ladybug has made uh, it's just, a it, huge surge it, it is just within off. what the past week yeah within the past week because remember we, we were only running the poll for three weeks start to finish so it's, 20 or, or I thought it was 21 days yes okay that yes 21 days thank you <laughs> reference <laughs> inside reference from from the last episode but uh but you're right so so we've got three weeks of this poll and we're almost at the end of it and we've we've been very pleased with the response rate you know you never really know who's going to take the time or who wants to take the time to vote in the poll but you know we've seen the we've seen the responses just you know steadily uh steadily kind of kind of roll in so for, it's, and it's for neat. everyone that's come to the site and, and voted we really appreciate that oh we thank you uh i can see us doing more of this in the future oh yeah kind of yeah. we'll, we'll let you set our direction yeah it's 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 great so so whichever machine wins as whitney mentioned um that will be the machine that we begin to profile it'll be the next video game that i work on yeah. so yep. um ladybug unfortunately ladybug is the one that's buried the deepest <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the one that, that needs the most help to get out <laughs> So so no that's that's rolling pretty good and and uh, like I say by the by next month's episode we'll we'll have a, a clear winner on that and then we'll start talking about plans and you know for everybody who voted hopefully their their pick wins and you know that's not to say that we can't take the, the other you know runner up and then you know mix it up into another poll a little bit later on down the road so there's always another project Brent you're never done so well I'm thinking we're gonna have to have a poll and the only thing to vote on a space duel <laughs> just one yeah just one yeah we have to give one poor, candidate yeah give poor space duel to do i guess but <laughs> nonetheless but that's just getting ready to wrap up so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out so uh whitney and i have also picked up uh another podcast that yes, we started listening yes, to you know? and, and, as if there isn't enough. There's well, never enough. There's it, never enough. Never enough. Never enough. Uh, what's cool about this hobby, Brent, is it can be covered and covered and covered. And there's always something kind of fresh to talk about. But at the same point, there's always something that, that you can relate to when you talk about these topics. So the podcast in question is called uh, No Quarter. Okay, and it's hosted by uh, Mike McGinnis and Carrington Vanston. And Brent, I, I appreciate you turning me on to this podcast because I'd not heard of it before you mentioned it to me. And I uh, loaded it up on, on my phone and just uh, started at episode one and started working my way through the back catalog. Right now I'm up to episode 30. Uh, they're just finishing up talking about Altered Beast. And now, hey, let's give a rundown of the podcast. Um, yeah. Whitney said he just started listening, and uh-huh. he's already up to episode 30. Yeah. I think the longest episode I've listened to is just right under an hour. Yeah, it's like 45 or 50 minutes tops, and, and it is a weekly show. It's a quick listen. It, it is a quick listen. Now, and here's the format. Every week, Mike and Carrington choose a game. Uh-huh. 
They play the game uh-huh. and then they discuss the game. Uh-huh. Talk so, about their scores. Uh, so what's kind of cool here is is that they don't hit necessarily all the mainstream games. Oh no, there's there's a few games just even in the thirty episodes I've lis- listened to thus far. There's a few games that that I had heard the names of, but didn't really ever take the time to learn anything about. Right. So yeah. you know this is a perfect example of you know how you can. You can always look at aspects of this hobby from 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 different sides. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. They they say we're going to focus on a given game, and they talk about their experiences with it, what they learned about it, what they mm-hmm. liked about it, what they didn't like about it, and, and then at the end they just they they have a huge reveal as to what each of their high score was, yeah. and there's kind of a winner for the week. And there's a winner for the week, and and you know Brent, that uh, one of the uh, well, a couple of the episodes that I just finished up were uh, were Zookeeper and Satan's Hollow. And both games I really, really like. Uh, Zookeeper's always been kind of one of my grails, I guess you could say. I learned quite a bit about Zookeeper from a development standpoint uh, when Mike and Carrington were talking uh, about a couple of website links that they had found that talked about the original development of the game and you know some of the, the, the playing tactics and things like that that, that I, I either knew and forgot or did not know and I found to be very, very interesting on top of just them talking about their impressions of the game. Another cool thing that they touch on not only the gameplay mm-hmm. and a little of the history they tend to talk a very little bit about the hardware you know uh-huh. it's got x number of cpus yeah, it runs it, you know yeah, what, what what system does it run it, exactly yeah. it's yeah. it's not a it's not a in-depth technical discussion they touch on it uh they also touch on the artwork uh-huh. so i mean they discuss the entire package yeah yeah and you know if it's got full side art and it's beautiful and it's this and that or you know it's it's a basic like think of a a century where it's a basic kind of like a phoenix where it's a wood grain with kind of a half side art and they discuss the side art and they discuss the control panel overlay and um so it's not just it's like I said. It's the entire package. Yeah, and it's it's a fun it's a fun podcast. It's it's very lighthearted, um, and it's like I say, it's an easy listen. It's kind of like you you get in, get your feet wet, and then you get right back out. So it's it's like walking into the it's kind of like walking into the pool and then turn around and walking back out, mm-hmm. and and you you kind of get your appetite you know wetted you know from from that standpoint or satisfied rather from from that standpoint. But you can find them on the web at monsterfeet.com uh, forward slash no quarter. And uh, subscribe to their show, and we always like to give a shout out to uh, you know to to other to other quality shows that we're enjoying, and this is definitely one of those. I mean, they they I think they do a lot of the games very good justice. So and Whitney, I'll tell you fun. how I tell you how I found them for those that that may be in the same position I was. I was uh, um, looking at investigating, courting, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, new podcast players. Okay, I'm, I'm an Android user. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whitney's a Windows phone user. So, I uh, one of the one of the podcast players that I had, I just put arcade okay, in, into you. the search. Oh, and it popped and up. And it popped up. That's cool. And I was like, "Well, this that's looks cool. kind of cool. Yeah. Let me give him a listen." Yeah. And that's how I found him. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know you, as Whitney said, you know, we'll have the URL it's in in the show notes and it's monsterfeet.com/no-quarter. I bet if you have a, a a podcast player that that looks across you know the Anything. majority of the podcast yeah. sites you'll find it yeah i mean android iphone windows phone whatever you use you search them up they're on itunes as well you can you can find the podcast it's a worthwhile endeavor i mean it's um you know it's it's a 
the episodes are timed nice where it's, it, it fits well in like a drive time or something like that. It's just, just a lot of fun to listen to. So, so yeah, so, so there's that. And one thing Brent did is just some breaking news as of today when we're recording the podcast, I saw this and wanted to include it. Uh, and we'll also, uh, I think I just, uh, uh, uh just put this up on the Facebook page as well just a few minutes ago, um, is Stern and Planetary Pinball have now entered into a manufacturing agreement to allow Planetary Pinball the use of Stern's manufacturing facilities for the reproduction Medieval Madness pinball machine. So, Brent, I think it's fair to say that, that the reproduction Medieval Madness just got a whole lot more real just over the course of uh, this news breaking today. And I know that there's been a, a lot of, uh, there's likely been a lot of back channel work on this to make this happen. But uh, but yeah, I think it's it was definitely worthwhile and noteworthy to bring that up. So yeah, it's on our Facebook page and you can also see the announcement on Stern's Facebook page as well. And so you can uh, you can head out there um, either on our like I say on our page or Stearns and read more about it. But uh, it doesn't mean I'm any closer to buying one though, Brent. But it does mean <laughs> that it is uh, it's probably closer to being real than it uh, much more so than it was six months ago. Well, you know, I, I looked at this uh, I looked at this two ways. Good for uh, Planetary and Stern. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Planetary is going to be able to uh, have a have a, a nicer avenue. To, to produce a product. Yeah. I know that in Charlie's case of like spooky, we just talked about them. Charlie's building out of his facility. You know, there's, there's no secrets there. It's uh, in Benton, Wisconsin. There's mm-hmm. pictures on his Facebook page and um, he's got limited, limited space to work with and, and the staff that he's got and he's doing an, an awesome job for what's there. And with an agreement such as this, I haven't read it yet. It was, you know, as you mentioned, this is breaking news. And, you know, the first thing I kind of think of is, are they using the same line? Or are they yeah. just using space? Is um, is it just a contract deal where here's here's what I need you to produce, produce it however, through whatever line, a second line, regardless, you know, it looks like, it looks like Stern is getting some additional business, which is always, it's always nice. Always helps. Always helps. I'm sure it's putting a bunch of people to work, getting the pinball line rolling. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it, if anything, it speaks to the resurgence, how awesome yeah. the community is. I, I think so. And it's, it's good for pinball all, all the way across the board. So you know, and, I'm, I'm excited to hear this. And I'm hoping that, you know, you, you think economies of scale and that, that doesn't necessarily hold true in pinball machines. You know, I remember the first CD-ROM writers years and years ago. They were a thousand dollars a pop, <laughs> and then they became thirty bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. And, you know, for those that for those that have oft, often wondered, well, what's a fifty times CD-ROM writer or reader? What's fifty times what? It's fifty times the speed of the initial drive that hit mm-hmm. two decades ago. Yeah, you know. So I don't know if the if if uh, the kind of the economy of scale. You know, when you get an assembly line, kind of a production type of a deal, if, if that helps to drive the price down. Cause the- well, I, I think if anything, it, <laughs> ju- it just helps them to maintain higher profits, which, which Brent, you know, you have to look at it. Yep. You can look at that two different ways. Um, they're, they're a business. They have to make Absolutely. money and they have to stay in business and they have to pay their people. They're pricing it at what the market will bear. And so if you're in, you're in and you're paying for everything that it took to get that machine to you, 
because uh, that's just not something that you can just go out and produce on your own. So, you know, like I say, kudos to them, to both of them, actually. Yep. So I actually just saw the line here, uh, SPI, which I assume I haven't read the whole thing. So, I'm, oh, there it is. And Stern Pinball Incorporated. So that right. it definitely is SPI. Yeah. Uh, factory labor and production line assets. Yeah. So, so that's good. So Planetary will get to do what they want to do, it sounds like, and make the machine that they want to make but then have the backing of all of the engineering and the, um, let, let's say, the production facilities that Stern has uh, and can bring to bear. Awesome. Yeah, and, that's good you know, stuff. I talked a little bit about economies of scale. You know, if the price is going to be the price, and the obviously they're in business to make money, and I look at it as the more they make, the more they sell, <laughs> the better machine they can do next time around. That's exactly you know, right. I'd, you don't necessarily have to pass it on to the consumer. Yeah. You know, they're going to sell it for what they can sell it for. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, if, with the attention there, we'll get more machines. Oh, we'll get more machines. And you know, Brent, I want my, I want my, my nine year old daughter at this point to be able to buy new pinball machines when she's 30 and 40 years old, you know, and hopefully pass it on to her children. So it's, it's the only way that's going to happen. You think they'll remake firepower? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. On that note, (laughs) on that note, Hey, well, Brent, here's one thing that, that, that I wanted to bring up is we've got some listener mail this month okay and we've got it we had a couple people uh, a couple people of, of note here uh, and Brent we read everything but uh, but some messages are, are a little tough to, to to get completely translated over for for the show as far as editing and they still convey the you know the same message in an abbreviated format but uh, a couple of uh, a couple of emails came in this month that lended itself very well to this and I wanted to uh, kind of uh, read through these here real quick and then respond to them because uh, both individuals uh, were very, uh, you know, were very eloquent uh, in their in their messages and and brought up some good points. So, uh, the first one, first email we got in Brent was uh, from a gentleman by the name of Jim Pinball. So, Jim, uh, we appreciate. Have you ever you. seen the Pinball Family Crest? Uh, uh, no, I have not. It's just a pinball. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a very shiny one at that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Jim writes in. He says, uh, he says, hey guys, after listening to the John Trudeau podcast. I had to go and download the video from your website to see the slides that he was referencing in the presentation. I'm overjoyed that you gave me and, other, and your other listeners a large slice of pinball and video history and made this information available worldwide. Just FYI, your podcast is great. Please keep up the good work. Well, Jim, we appreciate you writing in, and I, I conversed back and forth with Jim a couple times, Brent, and um, you know, very, you know, very gracious individual, and um, yeah, Jim, we appreciate you listening to the show as well. Thank you. Yeah, and Jim, we do realize that the the audio version of the show, um, without the without the slides, it it makes it a little difficult. It, it does. Yeah. It, going back even during the edit process, there's a good portion of it that. It hit home to me because I happened to see the slides. Yeah. You know, when he's talking about a white wood or something that didn't make production, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. Uh, but I did realize that on, on games that that would ring familiar to folks, for example, Raven, that was yeah. a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't right off the top of your head know what the back glass looks like, you can find it relatively easy online. Yeah, and then have that sitting riding sidecar with you as your list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. It, to, you know, to circle back around to your comment, uh, Jim, we do have the video online 
and um, you know, folks can go back and take a look at the video and, and get an idea as to what exactly John was talking about, yeah. what everyone there that day was saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's really cool. So, Jim, yeah, we, we certainly appreciate it. Um, Jim had asked if, if we could uh, reach out to John Trudeau, Brent, and potentially get like a PDF version of, of uh, John's slideshow. So I'm I'm going to do that and and see if John might offer might offer that up or make that available. I I, I don't know if he will or not, but uh, but Jim had asked about that, so we're Jim will certainly follow up on that and let you know. Um, one of our one of our next uh, listener listener emails, uh, Brent came in from Heath Dudley, and Heath writes, guys, I just wanted to say thanks for answering some of my questions. I'm usually a week or two behind the podcast, and and Heath, don't worry, Brent and I are usually a month or two behind, so you're all good. Uh, I really appreciate the discussions. I always want to grab my phone and call in before I realize that they were recorded weeks ago. Uh, the one thing that I would like a little f- clarification on was the whole uh, NOS versus original artwork. I just want to make sure that when I'm selling someone a refurbished game, I have all my lingo correct so I do not tell them something that is untrue. Okay, so let's stop there for a second, Brent, and just kind of, uh, we can, I think we can hit kind this. Kind of bask in, in that uh, question. Yeah, bask in that question. And this is one, fortunately, that's very easily clarified. Um, original artwork is, as as it says, original artwork. That That's the artwork that uh, Nintendo or Atari installed on the machine as it came off the line. And that is the artwork that the game came with originally. It was... Yeah, there's as the, installed, as installed, as installed from the factory. From the factory. Now, NOS is is an acronym that stands for New Old Stock, and uh, Heath, it, it is exactly what it says. It is original artwork produced by Nintendo, Atari, Sega, Centuri, you know, whomever, whomever, Williams, whomever it may be. Uh, although Williams were always stenciled, so they scratch that, or mostly always stenciled, so scratch that, but. But for for applied artwork, this is these are these are samples or examples of the artwork, and they are new, but they're old and they just haven't been applied to a cabinet yet. But it's not reproduction, okay? So think of it, Heath, as Atari creates artwork for let's say uh, you know full cabinet artwork for let's say a centipede, and in they produce ten thousand cabinets and. They go ahead and they run an additional 1,000 sets of artwork, and then they set them on a shelf. Those 1,000 additional runs of artwork sit on a shelf. Those would be considered new old stock today if they were found because they were originally run by Atari, but they were never installed on a machine. And it's not the same artwork that you would buy from a from an artwork reproduction company like this old game or Phoenix Arcade or something like that, which produces insanely awesome product but it's not new old stock correct yeah so you know while the new old stock artwork is original yes it's not original as installed on a given cabinet true so as Whitney said all these all these years later if, if it's been on a shelf it is quote unquote original, but it's not original to a particular cabinet that that's, you may be working on. That, that's right. It's unused original 
stock. That's right. And it is considered new because it hasn't been used. But what I have ran into with the new old stock artwork that I have purchased and used is that a lot of times you find that it's not everything that it was cracked up to be because the adhesives are now 30 years old. Exactly. The um, artwork has been rolled or crinkled or or creased or folded for 30 some odd years and there are there are aspects of that artwork Keith that you may not be able to um you may not be able to reverse you may not be able to get that crease out of that control panel overlay you may not be able to get the dog-eared fold out of that artwork the adhesive being 30 years old now may not stick as well as something that you would buy from this old game or Phoenix Arcade or anyone else who's doing artwork reproductions because they're using new material with new adhesive and things like that. So you have to really weigh it out, okay? That's that's about the best way that I know to explain so this. So let, let me confuse the issue even more Okay. <laughs> now that you've clarified it. Sure. And this is, Keith, Heath, this is not only for you. This is, this is for everyone at large. Something that I have run into a couple times is artwork represented as new old stock, but it looks just too good uh-huh it's, you know, too, it's too perfect it's looking. too perfect yeah you know you look at something you're like okay this shit this game was produced 25 years ago where was this in what bank vault was this stored in to look this good and where the term kind of gets overused in my opinion is if a an artwork reproduction company whether it's this old game or arcade shop had it commissioned or did it or whoever if they had a piece done five or six years ago you know like reproductions that are done today those tend not to be large large runs you might have a couple hundred at most so people have called something that was done five years ago as a remaining piece of art that they've got on their shelf new old stock Uh uh-huh and it's new because it's never because it's never been used. But it may not be original stock. Exactly. Yeah. It it's old mm-hmm. by the definition that it was produced five, four, mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah, it, it didn't come off the press yesterday. Yeah, it's still it's cooled down. It's yeah. it's yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the warm. ink's dry. Yeah, but it's not original. Yeah. So you know, for 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 Heath and for everybody out there that that may be shopping, whether in the forums or on eBay. Uh, oh, eBay, you have to be so careful. Absolutely. So careful. Make do, sh- do your homework. Make sure you understand the seller's definition of new old stock, because you may end up getting a reproduction piece when you absolutely, positively wanted an original, mm-hmm. as produced uh, through Atari or whoever, mm-hmm. a piece of artwork that is indeed new old stock, 30 20 years old yeah and and you bring up a good point brent because you can go out and look on ebay and you can include nos in your search terms and you'll pull up some of the crappiest inkjet reproductions you've ever seen okay and so um like say heath everybody else out there listening you you really have to be very careful about that falls into the blatant lie category it it is it it is a blatant lie and in the the seller is using those search terms because they know that's what people are after and it if it leads them to their product and and the person makes a a frustration buy or a mercy buy then you know so be it they they get it and you know it might be okay artwork but it's not going to be a collector or restoration slash refurb quality artwork so you know buyer beware on that you just have to do some homework so Heath goes on Brent 
He says, I've also, I've also wondered if a game is worth more as an original with a cracked CPO or with an NOS CPO that it, that's the exact same as the original yet in much better shape. In my opinion, an NOS CPO is, um, is worth more because I had to move my mouse cursor there. Sorry about that. Is worth more because it was created using the same method, screen printing, uh, and is an exact duplicate of the original. Um, but it is. But as an old school comic collector, I know refurbishment is a touchy subject. So, Brent, what's your take on that? My take on that is um, personally, uh, to me, I look for original cabinet art. Mm-hmm. Okay, side art, kick panel art, that kind of that that kind of art. To me, um, the control panel. Um, that that that's a push either way if yeah. the game okay. if, if the game has a has a damaged control panel uh cpl control panel overlay mm-hmm. and it's been replaced personally i'm not as concerned with that as long as the replacement is a quality replacement yeah. whether that be at a, a new old stock that leftover stock mm-hmm. or whether it would be whether it be a quality quality aftermarket reproduction yeah I, I'm kind of good. I almost look at that like from from the from the car world. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a Survivor. I've got a 1968 Firebird, and it's it's got original paint, but I had to reupholster the seat. Yeah. You know, okay. I'm 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 okay with that personally. Yeah. Well, in my take on this, Brent is uh, is much the same uh, with, with a little variation, but but right right along uh, right along where you're at too. You know, the crack CPO. Um, that that doesn't bother me per se, as long as it as long as it's not so bad that it really detracts from the cosmetic uh, and and eye pleasing aspects of the cabinet. You know, curb appeal, I guess you could say when when it's in a lineup, right? Um, I mean, I have a few games that have cracked CPOs. Uh, in all in all transparency, those are games that I just haven't replaced the CPO on yet. <laughs> yet okay so i i tend to like to have very nice cpos on my games uh for me it adds to the to the enjoyment uh, or the aura of the game itself i know a lot of other collectors say hey man a little you know a little bit of original patina doesn't bother me yeah, i'm I'm a little bit more in the rat rod side of yeah, it. it you it, know it, if it's trashed i'll replace it oh if it's trashed yeah but if it's got a few little places mm-hmm. you know uh if it's if it's cracked right at the leading edge like where your wrist is those yeah. tend to just continue to flake yeah they'll go yeah yeah but, they will um, i'll leave a little patina on yeah and, and you know something i think that gets down to personal preference and the, the main thing you want to do is just get it to the point to where you will enjoy it and that's the main that's the main thing right there so so heath and um heath and, and jim we appreciate you guys writing in we hope that we've uh, addressed your address your questions and your comments and like i say we we always uh, always love uh, to take listener email and that's you can write to us at podcast at brokentoken.com we read everything we respond to everything and um yeah send it on in so whitney let's move into um an interesting interview segment yeah so this is a twofer a twofer yeah we we had a a sort of a sort of a an impromptu but what you know turned out to be really fun yeah a fun and definitely welcomed kind of dual interview at the at the beginning of the podcast yeah with uh steve ridge and his son michael let's move into uh talking with a gentleman by the name of luke dyson and whitney what what's Luke done for the community? Okay, so so Brent, I 
and, and, and I want to, um, before I answer your question, Brent, I want to say, I, I do want to make one statement. Okay. I had originally approached Luke, uh, who goes by the forum handle Tronic on Clove. I'd originally approached Luke about being on the show back in late January, early, Fe- early February of 2014. And Luke is the um, curator slash creator slash project uh, overseer slash slash get it done guy on the quantum reproduction PCBs that have been run a couple of times over the past, say, three years or so. Okay. So, uh, so Luke really kind of masterminded that whole project from start to finish. Um, and as you'll hear in the interview, worked with numerous people in the hobby. Okay. Uh, Mark Spath and others on, uh, you know, on bringing these reproduction quantum PCBs to fruition and, and getting them out there in the hands of collectors that want to either have a backup board for their quantum. And as I'm sure everybody knows, quantum is one of the rarest arcade games that, uh, that a collector can could likely have in his collection. And so, um, so the whole discussion with Luke was just extremely interesting from, from my perspective, uh, from a software, I've done a lot of software development in my career over the years. Uh, Luke did a lot of, uh, board design. He did a lot of board optimization. He, but still stayed, uh, still stayed true to the original design and, uh, trace layouts and everything like that. So don't want to give a lot of it away. It's just a really interesting insight into what does it take to create an arcade PCB in today's world? Okay. A couple of other little noteworthy things is Luke is also working on the reproduction major havoc PCBs at this point as well. So now these are just bare PCBs, bare PCBs. They're offered, um, uh, as, uh, just as I said, just bare PCBs. Solder your own. You you bring your own parts to the to the yeah, table. Yes, you do. And correct me if I'm wrong, Whitney, but during when the quantum was was run, I think another Clove user stepped up and did a parts list. Yes, or excuse a, me, a parts. Uh, uh, like he offered a, a parts bill, kit, of, like yes. a bill of material. Right. Yes. Yes. And uh, if memory serves, they were there was actually several levels. Yeah. That know? was that was Riptor. Okay. That was Riptor who did that. And uh, and we had mentioned Billtronics earlier in the you know earlier in the episode. So some of the parts like the AVG that, that Billtronics makes are part of the bill of materials for this board. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so. So, uh, Brent, I'd mentioned um, I'd mentioned uh, a couple of um, you know uh, a couple minutes ago, kind of kind of back into the uh, you know back into the beginning of this uh, of the lead-in for this segment. Yeah, is we'd originally talked to Luke, uh, <laughs> you know, back in uh, back in early February, and Brent, I actually wound up losing. I had a data loss scenario on the hard drive where I had the uh, the interview recorded at, and Luke was nice enough to go back and we redid the interview last month. Well, thank you, Luke. Yes, and thank you, Luke, for doing that. Do so, we have a backup solution at this point, th- Whitney? I, that that has been resolved. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I actually the the hard drive physically died, and so that that I had this sitting on mm. physically died it would not spin up any longer and so um at that point it was the only copy that i had i contacted luke and and uh, you know through him his generosity he agreed to redo the interview and so we went back and and recaptured the entire thing it brent i'll tell you it was it was a good interview the first time i think it's a great interview the second time maybe we should have some more failures (laughs) it works out (laughs) this is actually the third version of this particular release of the podcast yes yes it is yes the first 
Could you imagine how bad it was to start with? <laughs> we burned them both as a screaming effigy to the podcast. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, Brent, why don't we go ahead and let's let's transition in and let's hear from Luke Dyson. Okay, I'd like to welcome everybody back to uh, this interview segment here of the uh, of the Broken Token uh, Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Uh, tonight, we are fortunate enough to have uh, a Mr. Luke Dyson sitting in uh, sitting in with us, and Luke goes by Tronic on the Clob forums. And for everyone who may not be familiar with Luke and his work, uh, Luke is the uh, essentially the the brainchild and or one of the brainchilds behind the quantum reproduction PCBs. And those projects that that were and those boards and that, those projects that were run uh, a couple years back. So, uh, Luke, thank you so much for sitting in uh, with us here uh, on the podcast for for an interview tonight. Yeah, this is great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, oh, no, it's 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 no worries. It's no worries. So, uh, yeah, Luke, I, I you know before we kind of I guess kind of delve into you know the the hithers and the throws of of what it takes to you know make a, a reproduction PCB for for a thirty year old arcade game, uh, and, and and why and why you would want to undertake such a project. Uh, I mean, can you give us you know I guess a little bit of background on you know, what led you up to uh, Quantum and, you know, why Why did you pick that game and, and what, you know, what made it something that, that you really wanted to, you know, invest a lot of time in? And on top of that, you know, why did you, why did you attack, you know, the PCB as, I guess, the, the item that you, that you wanted to, re, you know, reproduce? Um, well, it, um, it's a combination of the experience uh, from past profession and also um, a little bit of the uh, wife's nudging. Um, I had actually taken a job right out of college after my electronics degree, uh, working for a company. We worked in an R&D department and designed the motherboards for machines that melt metal. And um, so I got a little bit of both. I got the heavy industrial controls and then at the same time the microcontroller circuitry. Okay. Um, I had had microcontroller training in, in school and kind of knew obviously circuits but um being able to design them on um using cad software and actually producing the board uh was new you know for me so i, I really kind of got into it and that was my profession for a while i was um doing some of that and then um after a little while i moved back to where i'm at now and um kind of got involved in the arcade scene in around 1999, 2000 era, and uh, you know, kind of looked at these boards and thought, "Wow, you know, I could do that." But okay, kind of put it off a little bit, and then um, you know, fast forward to nine years, um, we were over at a friend's house, and uh, we were playing some of the games there, and he had a lot of rare games, and one okay. was one of them. Okay, and uh, she basically said, you know. What would it take to get one of these? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, exa you know, I, exactly, yeah, yeah. And so basically, I, I at that point thought, you know, well, it's possible. I could, I could do it. Um, I had the software still left over, and um, I don't know how. It just didn't have a real board, but I wasn't sure I, how hard it would be. So I, I kind of mentioned it around a little bit to a couple other people, and they you know, kind of gave me that, yeah, right, kind of a thing. And um, then I also saw um, a quantum board go, or somebody in the 
Cloud Forum basically said uh, that a board had gone for like a thousand dollars. I did. I don't even think it worked. I, I can't remember, but that just I was like, whoa, you know? Okay, I <laughs> that kind of pushed you over. Pushed you over the edge on it. Yeah, it kind of did, and and at the same time, um, it was also the the prestige of of kind of being the first one a little bit, but I think it was more that people were saying it couldn't be done. Okay. And yeah, and so that really kind of added to uh, the push that maybe got me started in it. Okay. Well, I mean that's I mean that that's that's amazing from the sense of of you know kind of where, where you came from, you know, your entry into the hobby and everything, and then and then I guess kind of signing on for a project like that. Um, you'd mentioned you know that you were over at a friend's house and and that they had a quantum. So I take it this you know I take it this was. Um, you know, naturally, uh, you know, an original unrestored slash restored quantum in perfect working condition. And, and you guys got to play it and, and your wife fell in love with it at that point. Well, yeah. Um, you know, she didn't uh, know the game really existed. And I had obviously known about it because you know, that was, you know, you learn early on in the what's rare, what's oh, not. Yeah. Most, um, most certainly. Yeah. And, and we it was in the Chicago. I lived in the Chicago area for a while. Okay. And um, so that's kind of where. Uh, and, and it was, I don't know if we can say it or not, but Joe Maggiera was the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we went over to his house because, um, for, well, we wanted to see what his game room was. And yeah. also I had um, was picking up something I purchased from him. So while we were there, I asked Joe if I could, you know, if we could try a couple of the games. And he said, sure. So that's where we kind of ran into it. She saw it. Um, and if you've ever talked to Joe, he's got quite a few that are pretty on, on a rare scale. So he likes to do that. Agreed. Yeah. And, and even for, even for my, you know, quantum restoration project that I want to do at some point in time, you know, I've bought a couple parts from Joe. So yeah, and, and Joe's very well known on the forums as well. So no, that, that's, that's really cool that, that that's kind of how, how you got your start on it. Yeah. And, um, so from there, uh, yeah, like I really had to ask for the wife's approval because I was like, "This is gonna take me a while. I'm gonna get really into this." And <laughs> she said, "Okay." And uh, yeah, I went went all for it, and um, took me about a year to get through um, everything because I started from scratch oh, and uh, worked my way through it. Well, it, l- let me ask you about that because th- that that's one of the parts that that I think really just kind of blows kind of blows my mind to some degree, or, or is you know kind of hard for me to wrap you know wrap my head around is. You know, when you want to start to reproduce a, a you know a PCB like that, what do you actually start with? How do you go through the process of you know redesigning uh, you know a thirty year old piece uh, you know a piece of computer equipment to the point where it functions exactly like the original one does? And then once you've got it to that point, where do, you know how, how do you how do you get the boards produced, and how did you test it? Now, and, and man, I, I know that's a lot of questions, kind of all wrapped up into one. But I'm just really curious, and, and I, I'm sure our listeners are as well. Is that you know how, how do you take it from desire to do it to actually having something kind of in, in your hands, so to speak? Yeah, you got you. You start off. You kind of got to know a little bit of what what you're doing before you do it. I mean, it's good. If you can, you know, read about it, mm-hmm. because you're going to have there's a couple of limitations that you start off with. One is um, some pre, free programs don't allow you to do boards this big, and it's so you kind of got to know that you need a professional version of CAD. 
Okay. Although I think these days, I think they're some of the, even the free stuff may, may be capable. I haven't, I haven't used it. But when I was out there, um, there was a pin limitation on some of the Eagle and Win PCB and stuff like that that were uh, kind of kept it low. So I knew I had okay. to have a, my professional tool to you, do it. And then at the same time, I, you have to be able to read schematics. You have to understand the electronic and digital circuitry because um, as I found when I was going through the quantum, uh, there's some hangups. Uh, there's some mistakes. And these are things you have to figure out uh, with knowledge that you have to understand and be able to, to kind of work around. Okay. So, okay. So from, from what I'm hearing then is you started, uh, you started off primarily with, you know, with a copy of, of the quantum PCB schematics then. I mean, did, did you, did you have a board that you could use to reference and kind of, you know, look off of? I mean, I, I know having the, the schematics is the, I guess, you know, the ultimate end all be all, or I guess kind of the, the, the DNA of the board, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, did, did you have anything that you could go by by sight as far as how it was visually laid out? No, well, not really. Um, wow. At first, and that's that was one of the first questions I kind of knew I would, or one of the first problems I knew I was going to run into. Yeah. But what I did was um, I noticed some people, I just did a search and found that there was pictures of the board. So, okay. and I knew that the package, not the schematic package, but the, uh, inst- the operation manual kind of gives you a chip layout. Okay. So I figured from there, I would just deduce as far as I could where the where the tracks were the layout the traces okay and when um i got part way through it ted or um seawolf as he's known on there oh, uh, yeah seawolf on came along yeah. and mm-hmm. produced a uh produced a board for me he said hey you know i'll uh, i got this board you can look off of so from there oh, i okay. um i had the final missing piece okay okay understood understood so it, you know, if someone were wanting to do this on their own and, and take a, you know, take up this type of project, you know, on their own to say reproduce, you know, another board that, uh, you know, maybe some of the black and white, uh, you know, game PCBs or something like that. I think you'd mentioned a couple uh, software packages like WinPCB and, and and one other. I mean, what what type of software do they have to have to do this? Is this something that is this you know type of CAD software something that the normal layperson can buy, or is this a pretty highly specialized piece piece of software? Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty specialized, okay. but it's it's just a CAD program. It's just one that is more geared with tools for laying out. A circuit diagram is a schematic, which then gives you a an option to take that and convert it into a layout where you can actually lay and route traces. Oh, I see. Um, and it is it goes from the downloadable free copies that you can get and learn on your own if you take the time to do it, um, mm-hmm. and all the way up to what I have, which is um, it. It started off as ORCAD, but Cadence has bought them since then, so it's now Cadence ORCAD. Okay, I see. Uh, that's one of them. There's PCAD. There's a couple others that are pretty big. Um, the version that I have, um, it would probably cost you about, at, at least at the time when we purchased it for the company, um, it was about $14,000 for both. So it's a little pricey for a single you know, person that's not in the profession. <laughs> Agreed. But... You know that uh, people, you know, could do it if they wanted to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, but, I, I was, I was just kind of curious as to what, it, as to what it actually takes, you know, in order to get, in order to kind of get that done. And I, I think you'd mentioned that, 
you know, once you've got all of the once you've got all of the the raw data from the schematics laid in, then you can have it actually generate the layout of the PCB, and then I take it you can modify that auto generated layout to match to match the visual layout of the board or, or what have you. So that's how you arrive at something that's uh, I guess a a visual um, you know a visual reproduction as well as an electronic reproduction. Yeah, what you're really trying to do is get to what they call Gerber files. And Gerber files are an electronic CAD file that a board house can use okay. to produce it. Now, to get to there, you you could literally take something like AutoCAD and draw an AutoCAD a you know, as long as you use the the real measurements, you could draw traces and send what that output if I think there's a converter for AutoCAD to Gerber. Okay. And send it off. And you could do it that way. But it wouldn't mean much to you because you wouldn't know what those were doing unless you were copying a board that already existed. Exactly, exactly. And and that seems like, I mean no no you know no no slam on doing it that way. That just seems like a, a very brute force way of getting it done. Uh, it seems it sounds to me like it may produce the same result, but uh, it, it seems to me like w- the way that you've described how you went about it is <laughs> is probably the much more efficient way to get the board design done. Well, you wouldn't want to do it for a board the size of the arcade boards that we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Atari, Gottlieb, these boards are huge. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're big. You look at like a pole position board or a mm-hmm. Tempest board or you know a gauntlet board or something along those lines, and you know, Atari had no no troubles whatsoever laying out something that um, that looked like a, a seven thousand piece jigsaw puzzle from you know yeah. si- size wise. And with doing it that way, you don't know for sure if you've got it right. Yeah, I mean, after all that work, you don't know when you plug it in if you've got a short somewhere. So um, it really is better to do it through the CAD way because then you've got it. The creating it in a schematic form first, you creates a net list, which is basically the all the things that make up what you're going to be doing in the end anyway the circuit okay and so that netlist gets transported over to to layout where uh that netlist sort of keeps you in check you you lay out the traces because it's telling you to route from here to there and otherwise you'd be guessing okay okay totally understood so so that's, I mean, that, that's good to know and kind of helps to level set, I think, for, for myself and for everybody listening. You know, it's like, oh, okay, now, uh, you know, I've got a good conceptual idea of, of how he of, of how he took the schematics and, and how he took, uh, you know, what he saw on the board and then at least was able to re-represent that and, uh, and, and, actual, and, ha- and have an actual shot at getting, at getting the, the board back out of, of the, you know, of the CAD software. Yeah, it's... You know, like I said, it, it, this all may sound really technical and to some people, and it may not be for them, and that's fine. Um, but it is something you can learn. It just takes a lot of time. I, I think I minimize it a little bit because I've been doing it for so long. So to me, it, you know, it doesn't seem like it would, you know, take much time to whip up a small board. Yeah. Um, which I did, by the way. So I, I actually did another one after Quantum, which was the. The Gatlin board, the the little interface board. Oh well, and, and I'll tell you what, I definitely want to talk about that before we wrap up, before we wrap up the conversation tonight, because there's there's definitely you know there's definitely some interest on that as well, and and for what that does, um, there there's no doubt. I mean, it, it's nice that these boards uh, or some of these boards can, can 
can have a shot at living again. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's neat that quantum was one that you decided to, you know, to focus your efforts on, you know, along with, with, with the Gala board as well. But um, Luke, you had mentioned that you worked on this for what, almost a year. If I remember correctly, you saying that, you know, from kind of start to finish. Yeah. I think it took a, just a little longer than a year, but wow, um, it was really a solid year. Just, getting through the the CAD part to a point where a GURB file could be sent off for the first prototype. Man, that's um, that, that's 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 dedication, man. Th- you know, thank you. I, and, and you know, Luke, I, in all transparency, you know, I, I have one of your boards. Now, I have not put not put any cycles to it at this point and you know in assembling it or anything like that but i've got most everything in a bag ready to go so i you know i can i can pull that board out and look at your handiwork at just about any time and it's it's just so neat to just so neat to have it you know from from that regard yeah they can be um quite time consuming to put together i i think i'm on about number seven or eight or so close to 10 that I put together. Um, oh my gosh. Are you, so, are you doing this for people that, that, that have bought the board and the need to come back to you and say, you know, Hey, uh, Hey, you know, Tronic can, <laughs> what would you charge to put this together for me? Is, is that kind of what you're doing or what? Well, you know, I, I did that for about two or three boards and then okay. I was like, you know, what, uh, it's, it's a bit much, you know, um, I can with imagine. family and stuff. So I really yes. couldn't keep that going. But, um, the the ones that are recent are more a favor um, for someone, so okay. it's it's just kind of one of those things that I'm doing along that lines. It won't continue. And yeah, that's why I, I I did notice a couple of posts asking for somebody to help build those boards, but I that's just. Uh, in, in trying to keep up with my other projects, it's just too much to do for me right now. I, I mean, I can understand, and and the 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 post that you're referring to is a, is definitely a thread on Clove that started. Um, well, let's see, Luke. When, when we're recording this, it's you know towards the end of March 2014, and that thread I think it started up what maybe a week or so, ten days or so back, two two weeks tops. And I, I remember seeing that where some people were asking about you know quantum assembly services, so to speak, and you know in just in reading through the thread it looks like it, it it's a it, it's a fairly time consuming endeavor you know to get the board put together but you know it's it's got to be done by somebody yeah and you know that kind of leads into the other thing that's sort of not really thought of and that is is when you produce something a part like the quantum board or even a you know a piece that's something um there's an expectation of some type of support and that Agreed. makes it hard because as, yes. as you go to take on a new project, you have to realize people are going to come to you and they're going to probe you or they're going to, you know, say something or, you know, and you have to be ready to, to kind of answer or give responses back. I mean, yeah. it's just kind yeah. of part of the um, expectation that in order to to keep people because not everybody has the same level of you know knowledge about things yeah. and, and I, I think i think that that's a fair statement and i think it's it, it actually speaks very well that you would even bring that up because uh, you know th- it, this is a small community and it is a specialized part and it is a you know it, it is a specialized project and you know the people you know the customers or the people that would be buying this uh, agreed are going to be you know are, are going to be kind of all over the board or all over the map i guess when it comes to technical level but the sheer fact that you would you know kind of support support them after the sale so to speak you know speaks volumes and and i, I know it adds a lot to it but um it, it's cool that they can at least reach out 
out to you and get a question answered when it comes to that. Yeah. And I think the tricky part is, is where to cut that off sometimes too. Yep. I mean, while yep. it's good to go after, you know, trying to help people, there's it, it can get a little taxing sometimes. And, and it's also, um, you have to know kind of at a certain point that, um, you have to move on or just not take on that kind of role. And part of that was the providing a kit for the parts, which I think Riptor did. Um, I, I kind of knew early on that with producing the board and, and things that, you know, finishing up and trying to make sure everything was there, uh, that was just one, I was just not going to be able to do all of that. So I let somebody else kind of take on the role of producing a parts kit. And, you know, that way if something went wrong, they could contact them. I had, you know, really my intention when I first built a board and, and decided to sell it was to sell to people who would maybe already have a quantum and need a replacement board because these boards are getting old, the traces right. are coming off of them and they're wearing right. out, or to somebody um, you know, who may know about it and uh, just be able to, to work wonders. Because there's, there's plenty of technical guys out there that I thought, you know, this, this might hit their weak spot and they'd be you know, wanting, interested in putting something together. But I've noticed that collectors as a whole started wanting it, which was really a surprise. I, I really didn't, I had no idea I was going to sell um, more than 10 even. Yeah. So was, that was a surprise. Well, and, and you know that, I think that kind of leads in, into the next question is, uh, you know, it, just to kind of recap for everybody who's, you know, who might be kind of new to this topic and who might kind of be, you know, sitting at, you know, sitting in, you know, on, you know, in their chair on the couch or whatever and say, oh man, this sounds pretty cool. I, yeah, quantum. I I think I might be interested in doing this. So you know, Luke, knowing that these boards are no longer offered by you at this point for you know for for general purchase, you know through through Clove or anything like that. You know, can you kind of give us a timeline as to you know when you know when the runs were done and and how many runs and and how many boards were were produced? Yeah, um, I did the first run in about mid. 2011 okay um, so it's been and, so it's been a few years yeah that was the first run um and i really kind of just put it out there because i i kind of thought it'd be more um just people going ooh and ah and then <laughs> kind of you know letting it from there just yeah that was neat and you know if you get it working let us know that kind of thing but, <laughs> yeah we'd um, love to hear from you if it works and i kind of was on already to that point i i I pretty much tried to hold off on letting anybody know. I did leak a little bit of information to a couple of people, but I knew um, that you know it was wouldn't really get too far. So um, yeah, that was that was kind of the first run, and then it you know it kind of took off. I I created a pre-order, and it, it seemed like people were really interested in it, which yeah. was yeah, I mean surprising. Um, and, and I think I sold um, well, I, I purchased fifty. They didn't all sell right away, but I, I purchased fifty of them. Because we had met, um, you know, a good, I think I had a good 35, 40 of them. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll buy an extra 10. Um, and I thought a couple of them would be extra for me. And then uh, they, I ended up selling all of those. Even later on, people would come along and say, I missed it. Can I get one? And, and I used up those. And eventually I had nothing. So um, that led to um, some people kind of, I, I think there was about three or four people on a wait list. And um, yeah, last year, or was it last year? No, it had to be the year before that. I think so. Uh, anyway, um, towards the end of the year, um, they had decided kind of for me that they wanted to do it. I said, well, <laughs> you got to have somebody to kind of do the logistics. I, I didn't yeah. mind yeah. Um, sending the GURB files off, getting them produced, but 
really I just wanted it kind of a lump sum here. Someone else take it and do all the work of shipping these off. Because that's what I found was pretty cumbersome when you get, you know, 40 boards. you got to ship 40 boxes. Yes. And it just got to be um, kind of tedious. So I, I just thought, well, if somebody else wants to do all that work and you know manage the people's payments and stuff yeah. like that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so I got my hands off to Troy for his metal work. He's ships like nobody's business and i don't know how he keeps up with it all but he does a great job yeah and, and for for everybody listening so, so luke you're referring to a take man on, on the claw forms correct right yeah yeah troy is a troy, troy is a uh, a tremendous asset to the to the to the arcade collector community because you know his metal work is really second to none and he takes on projects and makes things you know make makes parts especially like a lot of the you know the quantum metal parts and everything that just would not exist otherwise uh had you know had he not decide to you know kind of, to kind of go go ahead and take them on yeah and i you know there's something i wanted to mention too yeah. um that in doing this as i was getting closer to getting it done um I started to let a few key people know. Um, okay, I, I let I let Joe know because Joe had reproduced the um, Joe Maggiore. He had mm-hmm. reproduced the Quantum Marquis. Um, I had also talked to um, Darren and Phoenix Arcade because I knew he was talking about wanting to do the um, artwork, but had never really gotten very far with it because it didn't seem like there was a lot of people going towards yeah. you know where do you how many people have Quantum Cab? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, um, I think I let Brett know, DPT Wiz, I think his name yep, is. Yep, and, yep, uh, uh-huh, yep, Brett. And then I also let, um, there was one more person uh, I'm trying to think of, I can't think of who it was, but I sort of coordinated with them. I let them know, I said, you know, there's there's a chance um, that this could work out. I said, you know, I'm, I'm getting close to getting this board done. Um, I've almost got it working, and, you know, maybe you could look into um, what it would take to get the artwork done, or you know, get some more things printed or things like that, and you know, it, it was it was it was nice because they all were like, "Wow, you know, let's if this could all work and coordinate together, um, that'd be great." So, <clears throat> I think um, I wanted to say that because I think a lot of people noticed afterwards, like, well, the board was done, all of a sudden there's quantum artwork ready and there's panels for the control panel, right? And, right. and there's, there's cabinets, and they're like, you know, this everybody was saying it's making me broke. It's you know, everything's available. <laughs> We kind of did it intentionally, but not intentionally. We weren't really sure we could pull it off, but we all pulled together to make it work. So um, I think that was really good that I, I not only got to do uh, my part, but to see the other guys come together and they were able to to get you know in on it as well. That was that worked out really good. Yeah, and, and I, I'll definitely I'll definitely second that. And you know, Luke, I was probably um, one of the guys that that came to you after the fact and said. You know, hey, do you, do you, you know, do you, do you have one of these boards or the boards and in, in, in the kits available, and uh, and purchased it and purchased my board? You know, kind of long after the runs were done, um, I, I you know I bought my art from Darren and I bought uh, I bought you know the metal from Troy and you know and I even went so far as to get a cabinet from Brett. So you know I don't I've got a lot of the makings of of my quantum, but uh, it'll still be a little bit before I can tackle the project. But I, I think it says a lot to the you know to the overall you know tenacity of of the collector community that they essentially they essentially ask for this and then you guys essentially willed quantum back into existence from you know literally from nothing yes it may have taken a year or so to get it done but you know when you think about it uh i mean it's 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 just awesome that, that it can happen that way yeah and you know i really thought it'd be a good way to preserve something because 
Um, yeah, there was a lot of talk about what to do with the board. You know, do you make them smaller? Do you microprocessor right, them? Right, so, right, right. Just kind of, and I really wanted to do an original because I know that that would be like a replacement part. You know, it would be something that people who have original quantums could could make use of instead of something that um, it was just modernized. And when you modernize something, you usually it doesn't work exactly the same way. So I thought if I make it original, put all the traces pretty much back to where they were. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would just be an exact, you know, a replacement part that could be keeping these games going on in the future, hopefully longer than than, than we're around. Well, and, and that's you know, and, and that's certainly the biggest aspect of it. And I think there's, I think there's a part to that is to, you know, why why we collect, and you know, of course, we all enjoy the games and love the games, and you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to be able to, you know, to have what I have and play what I play and find what I find. But uh, especially these rare games like Quantum, uh, you know, Major Havoc is another one. You know, Gravatar, you know, Black Widow, you know, some of the some of the you know the Atari vectors that that are there but are not uh, not as attainable as well. You know, when when they're you know when these machines die, they die, and especially for the ones that are kind of lower production numbers like you know Major Havoc or like Quantum. Yeah, I mean, this really makes them viable for another thirty or forty years. Yeah, there's a lot of boards out there that are, you know, have the same problems and are falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Williams boards and Gottlieb boards and corrosion and things like that. So, you know, with this one, I decided to do things a little bit different. Um, I did still use mask. Um, I use mask on both sides and I used gold-plated fingers on the edge connectors. And that was just because I knew that. I wanted these to last. I wanted them to be a little more durable than the originals okay. and uh, just make them, you know, so that people could be, you know, that they would work and continuously. Yes. Uh, yeah. Understand that they wouldn't fail under fatigue or age or anything along right. those lines. Reliability yeah. be there. But it, then again, I mean, that, that does run into the other thing, you know, it, because these are self-built boards, it, it is kind of the limitation of, you know, how the quality that the person puts into the board when they're yeah. put together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's totally understandable, but I, I, I would, I would hope to think that anyone that would be undertaking this would do it, you know, with, um, with, with that in mind, it's like, th- this is not the type of project that you would undertake that you just knock out on a Friday night. And you know what? And maybe some people can and more, more power to them. But, you know, for a person like me, uh, who, you know, I am good at soldering, but at the same point, it's very deliberate for me. It's not, uh, it's not muscle memory or anything like that. I, I have to take my time. I have to go slow and I double check my work and it's just a time investment that you have to be very deliberate about and, and just oh, very, yeah. very intentional yeah. about what you do. You know, and I mean, everybody after a while, the fumes get to you, you got to put the soldering iron down and stuff like that. You got to walk uh, away. <laughs> yeah, even when I got the soldering done, you know, it was a late night, especially on my first board, putting the thing together. You know, I got a couple of the chips turned around and it's just one of those things where you just, you know, you got to quit and yeah. wait for the morning. I just, I was so anxious to get that thing working. You know, it's when you got this thing that didn't exist before and it's all there and almost together, it's just that it, you know, I was really excited to get it done. So, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Now, in in let, let me kind of let, let me kind of segue segue that, uh, Luke, if you, if you don't mind. So, you produce the Gerber files for the board, and you've got everything. You know, you've you've got everything kind of prepped, and you said that you sent it out. You know, to a board house. I mean, are there are there a lot of PCB manufacturing facilities here in the United States, or is that something you had to farm out overseas, or what? You know, there's. I would say they they have at least 
some per region. It's obviously more of a, there, there was a couple of them in the Chicago area. Okay. Um, not a lot, but it, yeah, there is a lot of overseas. Um, mm-hmm. Some things um, it's cheaper to have smaller boards done in say the China fab places yeah, because they kind of where I was thinking yeah, of going. Yeah. You can get them cheaper. Um, but the place I did, uh, I knew it was a bigger board. I knew it was going to be, you know, heavy, everything like that. So I, I kind of stuck with it. And I also knew that I was going to probably need more than one. Because when you do these, you usually make a prototype. And that that's just your way of making sure that the circuit, even when they get it all laid out, that they didn't make any mistakes or you didn't make any mistakes. So mm-hmm. um, I knew there was going to be a prototype stage. So I wanted it close by so I could just kind of run up, get the boards. And that's how it worked. I basically... Um, set up a prototype, tried putting some of it together, found mistakes, had to set up a new one, set up. And that gets, that's, that's another thing that people forget is um, there's cost involved with prototyping or setting up a board. I'm sure it is. uh, For each one of mine, I was set back um, about $400. Oh my gosh. uh, Wow. For each prototype. I went through four prototyping stages. So uh, that, that cost me quite a bit just to get the board to where I could say, Hey everybody, look, it works. Um, But you know, that <clears throat> that um it was worth it and and that was part of the the cost involved with it and i kind of knew it but at the same time you dread it even though you know you yeah. still got to do it yeah yeah but i was lucky to have um a lot of help because even when the prototypes came back i wasn't as good as um some of the other guys so mark spaith was really helpful okay and helping cool. me debug the 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 code um, because once I got some of them working, it got to the point where I actually needed to put a logic analyzer on it and check because I want to make sure it wasn't my circuit. Um, it, I hadn't really ever gone that far with one of these older boards before. So really, I needed a couple of minds together to do this. And um, Mark was really nice about helping me get a, the code. He had a Perl script that he ran the ROM code through and gave me all the op codes. And that just oh, wow. Made, made it nice and easy for me to troubleshoot. And um, then I was uh, a couple of things with the logic analyzer and things like that. He was instrumental in helping me with that. So um, really, I a lot of, uh, I, I probably could have done it on my own, but Mark was kind of sped it up. You know, he yeah. gave me that extra, because uh, he, he's really good with working with it, so. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure that this is one of those scenarios where, you know, especially with even, you know, such specialized skill set here that we're talking about, you know, just having access to somebody else to bounce some things off of and talk through, you know, talk through issues or whatever is just, I mean, to me, that that just seems like it's huge. Yeah, and, you know, there were a number of problems with the schematics that I ran into when I was doing it that were errors. That's what I was curious about, yeah. Yeah, and so, um, you know, you when you come down to it, you, at towards the end, you start realizing all the little things you had to change or make up for, or things yeah. like that. And you wonder, did I make a mistake back there? <laughs> things like that. So, yeah. yeah, it was it was uh, it was nice to have uh, him to talk to about it. But it was also, um, you know, that's just part of what you got to do to get through it. It's part of the. I think that's where the expertise takes over, and you should be, you know, like I have my degree in electronics. I, I'm sure somebody could, you know, do it if they didn't, but. It, it still takes some of that effort. And, yes. and I, I, I relied a lot on my digital background for this. Oh, uh, and, and, you know, I, you know, Luke, it, it's, it is neat to to hear all of this because, you know, a lot of us, uh, I think in this hobby are probably in IT or do some type of computer work to some degree. 
and you know that, that's all fine and good uh you know it's 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 definitely you know a, a gr- you know a great profession to be in but this is at a whole this is computer work at a completely different level and you know expect for some, for someone and I'll use myself as an as the example again you know I've been in the IT field for my entire career but nothing that I have done in my IT career would map to what you've done in reproducing you know reproducing an arcade PCB it's yes it's computer work it, what I do is computer work but it's it's at a completely different level it's it, it's totally abstracted from from the type of work that you're doing here yeah and I guess it's kind of good that it's fun that at the end, Agreed. you get to something that's fun to play. Otherwise, yeah. I don't know if it'd be worth it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and speak for everybody. You know, on this, I mean, we we appreciate everything you know that you did, and, and the sheer fact that we've that we've got these boards, you know, speaks volumes. But um, one thing that I was curious about, just something that kind of popped in my head, you know, you had uh, you know you'd mentioned working with with Mark Spath and. Uh, you know, for for anybody who's who's not familiar with Mark, Mark produces a lot of just what I would consider to be like essential, you know, arcade parts as far as like adapter boards and you know power supply adapter boards, uh, you know, game adapter, JAMA adapters, and things like that. And Mark Mark just seems to have a talent, you know, just an inherent talent for producing some really some really neat neat boards like the LV two thousands and things like that that um, that just make you know working in this hobby just you know a whole lot easier and makes a lot of games more maintainable yeah and you know i kind of knew early on because when i first got into the arcade scene um he was work like on the news group back when they were still you know before i got into klv um he was one of the guys that seemed to really have a good technical background i could i could see it i think at the time he was even going to mit so you don't get into mit electronics without having you know something yeah Uh, exactly so anyway i i knew way back then that he could be somebody that I could, if I really got into a uh, something that I considered towards my limits, that he could help out with. But uh, and uh, and it worked out, so that works. You know, I was happy to have him around. Um, <clears throat> and the other thing too is is just the the thrill of getting to the end is something that yeah. I think helped drive me in this. Um, well, especially you know, after uh, having so much time invested in it, you know. I yeah, mean, you I know, mean, and you get that thing done, and you you first see the light come up, you know, quantum, and it's <laughs> it's you know. In, in fact, the, the first the prototype that I got working first, it actually came up upside down and backwards. But it was, you know, the, you knew you had it at that yeah, point. Yeah, that, it, it yes, exactly. Fitting together, um, that that was really a thrill. Right. Uh, that was probably the best part. And um, I think I saw a couple of people that had done their own builds. And um, they, one of the guys said the same thing. He said, you know, he, he didn't have any trouble that he'd put together. I think he had well, maybe a couple of the RAM chips, but when it first plugged it in and it just came on and it was there, you know, it just it's one of the, I knew exactly how he felt. So it was yeah. Well, and, and you know, for, for, for the work that I've done on arcade machines, the, the one thing that I, I've appreciated about them is they're, they're, complex simplicity i guess if that makes any sense it's the fact that you know as soon as you know as soon as electricity is is applied to the you know to these guys they they pretty much they they boot and they're there i mean it's almost it's almost you know from 
Well, it is, you know, naturally solid state. But, you know, I, I think we're today we're also conditioned, you know, to watching your, your smartphone boot, watch your your laptop boot, heck, even watch your TV boot, you know. And, you know, you turn on the power and then you're just sitting there waiting for a few minutes for the computer to get to the point where it's going to do something for you. And these are just immediate. I mean, uh, within a split second, it seems like they're there and ready to go. And I, I know it just has to be, you know, really gratifying to see, yes, it worked. And it worked exactly like it did 30 years ago, mission accomplished. Yeah. You know, it doesn't care what year it's in or no, it doesn't. what version number, you no. know, you don't have to upgrade. You no, know, but... no, you don't. You don't have to patch it. You don't have to, you know, uninstall this version and, and put this and put something new on. It's just, you know, it, it's it's there. It, it's uh, it, it's it's just ready to go. And, and you know, look, one, one thing that, that I'm kind of curious about is, you know, when you're going through the schematics and you're looking at what the Atari engineers did, I mean, were did you find that you pretty much did everything one-to-one that the Atari engineers did, or did you have to go in and fix some things that, that were wrong in the schematics or that maybe Atari didn't put in the, put in the schematics on purpose or, um, you know, or, or, or what, what did you, what did you find? I mean, were, were, were the documentation or was the documentation that Atari produced? I mean, was it sufficient for you to get this job done? The you couldn't follow the schematics directly. I mean, you, if you had built it based on the schematics, uh, it wouldn't work. There's there is some errors in the wow. schematics that were delivered, um, and I, I I'm not real sure behind the meaning. Some you know you could go either way with that, but it's yeah, um, yeah it, understood understood yeah. I, it it really there was some problems that I ran into things that sh- just shouldn't be. Um, I, in fact. Um, there was a some some chips and things like that that were our, you know the, the the drawing went too wrong, and then on top of that there was um, some things I knew when I was given a board also because I had seen pictures I noticed that there was a couple of little blue wires on the thing so there was some and they all had them in the same spot so it was definitely an Atari thing so I yeah. I looked into that as well um, not just the uh, schematics which which did bring up a problem that I I was kind of wondering about as I was starting to do it because um, I knew that that was there the blue wire. I didn't know if Atari had introduced that into the schematics already or whether the schematics were wrong and I'd have to go back and, and, and figure out what this wire was doing. But, okay. um, yeah, that was all the little decision, part of the decisions I had to do. But, yes, sir, um, I did include into the board um, the, what would have been the blue wire uh, because that was, that was an Atari fix and, and it was required to, to keep something, you know, the, the game working. So Interesting. Um, yeah, and, and the um, the board itself um, otherwise has everything in exactly the same spot that Atari put it. Okay, wow, that's interesting. So when you're talking about the blue wire, you're talking like a, a factory jumper wire that was inst- that right. was installed on the board, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I, I was I was just wanting to make sure because I've noticed you know like my Food Fight board has them and and you know other Atari board. Well, some do, some don't. But it's one of those things that, that's a little un, you know it's it's a little unnerving when you see it because you wonder, man, has this board been worked on by somebody? But but no, everything that we see there is is definitely you know is definitely a, a, you know Atari factory, I guess. Yeah, and I thought the same thing. Um, so I really verified that. I went through and asked everybody that had an authentic board. Does this have this little blue wire? And they all came back and said, "Yeah, it has it." So okay. at that point, I knew it was it needed to be there. 
Okay, no, no, that, that's that's very good. So, so let, let me ask you this, Luke. I mean, once you know, once you're going through the schematics and you've got everything, you know, kind of laid out and, and ready to go. I mean, did you modernize any of the parts on the board, or did you, uh, or, or did you stick exactly one to one with everything that, that Atari did? Yeah, I stuck one to one. I didn't go modernization on any of it. Okay. Okay. I mean, did you find, did, did you find their, uh, ch- did you find challenges on getting, you know, on, on getting access to, to these parts, you know, 30 years later, or, you know, was that something that, um, was that something that, that was hard to sort out, uh, you know, from, from that regard or, or was everything pretty attainable at this point? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm pretty sure everything short of the AVG, that was the part I wasn't sure we were going to get, but I knew it existed as a uh, replacement. So okay. I think my, my question there was I knew from reading some of the posts that it's, the AVD replacement didn't work with every board. So I was a little concerned about that, but um, you know, I just kind of went with it anyway and figured, well, even if I can't get a replacement to work, that maybe somebody would let me have a uh, original working one just to see if the board works. Uh, so that was really uh, nice that the when I tried to replace one, they all worked. Oh, okay. So, so with the AVG, uh, that's the Atari vector generator, correct? Mm-hmm. It, okay. And so that that's that's a specialized that's a specialized um, board, I, I guess that that rides on top of the board that does the vector. Does that do the vector calculations, or what, what's what's the purpose of, of the AVG itself? Yeah, it, it's basically the the point where you get the um, address and data bus lines together to help with the vector drawing. Okay. Um, it's it's part of the vector circuitry that helps it run. Um, if you don't have that, I mean, if it starts to fail, it will actually cause the board to reset. But um, there's people that know a lot more about it than than I do. I I kind of looked at it because um, I I know that you could. It's really in like battle zone boards and mm-hmm. things like that. The AVG is actually just an, an out part of the circuit. But in the later boards, they made an ASIC chip. And they also keep it kind of small and put it on. So they had to have a board that was much bigger. I see. I see. Okay. So, so with the AVG not being, I guess, with the original AVG not being something that's that's easily attainable today, um, I, I know that um, that uh, replacement AVGs are available. I I, I know at Biltronics, and um, it, it, at that site, is there any is there any other place where those are available from at this point that you know of? Um, yeah, I tried the arcade shop one okay. uh, that worked. I think that's, oh, I, okay. I wasn't even aware that arcade shop had one. So that, that, yeah, that's, that's new for me. Yeah. That I tried. That's the one place I knew had it, you know, that I could purchase from, um, first because Bill didn't have his created that I was aware of, um, oh, okay. when I was doing the boards the first time. And then I knew that Mark Spath had done a run of them. So I kind of, when oh, okay. I was talking Mark to him, get one or two of them. So he sent me a couple and that was nice. He, you know, uh, was able to get those going in it. Um, so I had a couple different av- avenues to try them out, and that was that was uh, a good because I, I knew there would be questions later for people. You know, does it work? Because I've heard it doesn't work with certain boards and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair, very fair, very fair. So, so when it came time to I guess to to fire the board up, you know, Luke, was it something where you know you just grab the you know grab the the ROMs from you know from did you dump the ROMs off of the other quantum board that you had and just burn a new set and you know, pop everything in and away it goes? Or, or, you know, was there anything else, I guess, involved, you know, in getting the board up and going outside of that? 
I had found the ROMs and the PROMs actually online, but I wasn't sure if they were going to work or not. So mm-hmm. um, I, really, I used the ROMs and a decode from Mark Spate to actually, you know, get somewhere. Um, and the board that I was given didn't have the the ROMs on it. Oh, so, I see. Okay. Yeah. The, the, so really what I had was the, the main uh, ROMs, and um, I just kind of burned those to um, – I just burned them to the chips, and then mm-hmm. I went and um, I I had the proms from online, but I also went and took them off the board I had and just did the verify, and they both came up with the same um, checksum. So yeah. I knew that I had the you know they were both good and plugged them all in there. So that part was kind of it, I knew it wasn't going to be a problem, but um, it could have been. You know, I'm sure there's boards out there where maybe there's still something or some part of it that isn't done, but. I was kind of lucky that most of the stuff was available for that part of it. Yeah. Well, now l- let me ask you this. Um, you know, so we've kind of, you know, we kind of talked through the, you know, the process of building the board and, and, you know, you kind of testing the board and getting the board fired up and everything like that. And so, you know, for, for everyone who has one of these boards and I think has been, you know, has been around the claw forums for any length of time, you know, they, they kind of know, you know, how, how all this wraps up, but for anyone who's, who's listening that may be new to all this, I mean, are there any plans on ever doing a third run of these boards? I mean, is that out of the question or something you would entertain or is it pretty much, uh, you know, what's done is done? Well, I guess I can't ever say never. Yeah. Um, it, it just doesn't seem as likely. Okay. Um, probably not because there just really isn't the interest that I had. You know, the first two runs, or first run took a lot of people and um, uh, of what I think would be the market. Mm-hmm. And then the second run was more of a surprise. And, um, you know, it kind of <clears throat> died, it seemed to really die off. Died, after that. Died down so, after that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and that's what I was kind of curious about. I I know that Quantum, uh, you know, during that, uh, I guess, kind of like that that 2011, 2012, maybe even into the, you know, the entry point of 2013, it seemed like, you know, Quantum, you know, Quantum Mania, I guess, for lack of a better term, was kind of going on with, 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 uh, on the forums. And a lot of people were very interested in the game, and and the game just had, you know, a, a high, you know, high visibility. And, and a lot of that was probably driven by the fact that all of this was going on, you know, that the art was available, the cabinets were available, the metal and, you know, the metal was being run and, and, you know, you were producing the boards and everything. But, um, that, that's an interesting point because it seems to me from the outside looking in, like the market demand has largely been met by the supply that was created, you know, on those first two runs. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, even, um, I'm still seeing people pass the board uh, back and forth, you know, like they just say, you know, they bought one thinking they'd get to it and they didn't, so they were going to sell it. So, you know, I, I'm sure there's still <clears throat> some available out there at certain points, and I'm sure if somebody wants one, they can they can find one. They just, you know, look for it. So Yeah, yeah, understood, understood. Well, you know, with with Quantum, you know, with Quantum kind of being what, what Quantum is, um, you know, were you able to get your own Quantum up and running? I mean, do you do you now have, you know, d- or does your wife now have, you know, a, a fully functioning and, and, you know, really nice looking Quantum in the basement for, you know, for all the efforts and, and her patience? Yeah, yeah. You awesome. Know, um, Good. Glad to hear that. Yeah, well, we're out here in uh, Kansas. They don't really have basements all that much, but oh, okay. yeah, we do have a working we do have a working quantum, um, and it's 
pretty much scratch built. Uh, I got everything that was the reproduction except the monitor. I'm using a 6100 right now, but I, I do have the boards from Dez, who's on the KLOB forums, and uh, he produced the uh, Amplifone reproduction um, high voltage and deflection board. So I plan to put that in at some point and um, get it to a little more like an original quantum. Yeah, so in, 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 I think what you're referring to, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, essentially just... Uh, I guess taking a, a 6100 or or any other or any other tube, so to speak, that would that would fit the requirements, and then you're talking about either deconverting a 6100 to, or deconverting down a 6100 and converting it up to an amplifone, or just building an amplifone from scratch with uh with uh, Dez's uh, with Dez's boards. Is that is that correct? Yeah, um, amplifone is a 90 degree tube, and the 6100 is a 100 degree tube. Oh, so okay, so, so it's not um, possible then. Okay. Well, right. So you, you're better off just getting a TV, an old TV off the street okay. and um, using the boards with that. I mean, people, you could do it either way. And I've seen, I, I haven't kept up with everything, but I'm, I'm seeing different things going on. I, I think I saw something with a 6100 that had a 90 degree tube in it um, and they were able to get it, you know, straight and everything. So, I, I you know, I'm surprised, you know, sometimes too what uh, people were able to make do, but that's exactly right. I'm just going to get up. I have a couple of old TVs, I'm going to grab one of the 90 degree tubes out of that and build the uh, Amplifone from scratch with that. Wow. It, it, that's, that's, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. And, and so that's, I mean, I guess that's kind of, you know, um, arcade nirvana, you know, when it, when it comes to that, if, you know, if, if you get the, you know, if you get the Amplifone done and, you know, get it back into the quantum, I, I guess at that point, it, you know, it truly is kind of a, you know, project done because it'll have everything in it that, you know, Atari, you know, used to, to produce those games. Yeah, including you know Joe reproducing the wiring, which was amazing. That was yes. nice. Yes, 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 it is. I was fortunate to be able to hop in on that as well and grab, grab all of his wiring harnesses and everything when when he was offering those up as well. Yeah, that was great. And um, I think the the first one came from um, Doker, who made the, I think he made the harness for the uh, control panel. I grabbed one of those, um, and then yeah, everything else just was it was. It, it was nice to be able to look at it and see the same exact parts, just new, you know, that was nice. Yeah. It, well, and, and I think I'd mentioned it, you know, a little bit earlier in the interview, but it, it truly is, you know, a scenario where it seems like the arcade community just, you know, kind of picked up on quantum and like I say, just, you know, just willed it back into existence. And so it's, it's just cool to see the, the community come together and, and make an old game happen again from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. That really is, um, that's kind of what I had, you know, thought and hoped when we were kind of putting our, you know, our resources together and to figure out if we could get everything that would make a quantum go, uh, you know, reproduced. And so it was good to see that actually come and, and work it work out like it did. Hey, it worked out better. You know, I think he, you know, everybody, a lot of people sold out of things. You know, Troy, yeah, he went, went for a second run on the panels. I think even because they were selling. And uh, that was good. That was really good. No, it is. Uh, and, and for, you know, for making reproduction cabinets or the metal and everything, I mean, it was good to see people kind of rally behind the cause and, you know, and put their put their money, you know, where where the projects need needed to have them put at. And, you know, the only way that that all these guys can continue to do what they do is if we support them with our wallet and you know and, and see these you know see these projects through to the point to where we you know we, we get what they're you know we get what they're making so it it seems like it was something that worked out well all the way around 
Yeah, and you know, the determination behind it with these guys too. I mean, I found myself a number of times wondering, wow, you know, what did I get myself into yeah, with this? You yeah. know, halfway through, am I gonna, you know, am I in over my head? But really, I just kind of stopped, told myself, you know, I'm gonna go as far as I can, and you know, and I, I did. I went as far as I could, and then I could go a little further, and it it worked out. But yeah, there was a number of points where you just wonder, it, you know, the effort and everything like that. You just it's got to come together to keep you going. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's one of those things. I'm sure you know. Six months into it, you're wondering, "My goodness, is this is this really going to take another six or seven months to get done?" And I'm sure at times you're like, you know, uh, I'm going to scrap this, or I'm going to set it to the side, I'm going to do something else. But you know, just I, I guess the the sheer perseverance that it takes to you know to see this thing through uh, or see a project of this magnitude through especially just kind of doing it on your own it, w- with some help but you know it's not like you've got the resources that you know that, that Atari had at their disposal you know it, when you know when this game was originally produced i mean it's it's a labor of love on on top of several other things as well yeah the guys that um you know came up with these circuits i think Atari had uh, been given some of the ideas from some. They had a they had a contract group that, or guys guys from Ampex kind of gave them the start, like the vector generator portions like that. But these guys, they were geniuses putting stuff together. You know, I'm not really, yes. uh, <laughs> I'm following in their footsteps. But they they were the ones that really conjured this up. That was that was uh, amazing what they were able to come together with. Well, and and I think you you know use the term genius, and I will wholly support that term, uh, but simply because uh, you know the the engineers at at these companies, whether it be Atari or you know or, or Bally or Williams or what have you, uh, you know, um, you know, Godly Broccoli, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it, these guys were geniuses. I mean, they they were ahead of their time. They were creating. You know, they, they were creating, you know, computing products that when I look back at, you know, when I look at them today, I just kind of shake my head and say, man, you know, I know that these were, you know, th- that these were so ahead of their time at their time. But you look at it now and I'm sure a lot of people would say that they would be more apt to understand, you know, a, a computer motherboard than they would be to understand an arcade PCB. And the computer motherboard is infinitely more complex than an arcade PCB, but in its own right, the arcade PCB is infinitely more complex in my mind for different reasons, just because, you know, of the sheer ingenuity of the design and in the human element of it too. It now everything just seems to be stamped out, you know, by by computers and I'm sure that like at in, at Intel or AMD you know the the processor the processors are probably designed by computers today you know and motherboard layouts are the same and to me this this just seemed to have the human element to it of a bunch of guys in a room you know doing everything that they could do to get a pcb designed and done yeah you know and and there's a little more to it that the boards you know like motherboards are kind of generic they're like you said stamped out yes. they're really made to just be a computer you know and maybe up the specs or horsepower and some where these boards were actually designed to do they were play games you yes. know was purpose built yeah it had a little bit of personality to it and so that that kind of you know gives it a little more uh to more oomph to it and <clears throat> you know it's it's interesting because um the the some of the some of the expertise that I had to use to get this done. Um, and, and I won't say it's, it was, you know, all easy or anything like that because there was, uh, it was definitely an effort and, um, there was, um, 
I think there was a little bit of drive just because it, nobody had done it before. And I kind of, like I said, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's too much effort. It's never, it'll never be done. So it was kind of nice to have, you know, that drive behind me too. But um, I think some of the, the, the expertise really helps out. And, and I, I want to say that, you know, that when you, when you think or want to take on something like that, you really should fully understand everything is going to be involved. <laughs> yeah. I sort of knew because I, my previous work, you know, we, we had done some design, you know, I designed boards and we ran through the prototype stages and we spent money and, and did that stuff, but that was all company, you know, yeah, money and right. company time. And, and I knew that process. So I knew the steps to go through it. Um, and, uh, I, I, that, that was both something I didn't want to look forward to, but at the same time, I was happy to get over with. Well, it, you know, it's one of those things where you, at least in my mind, you know, you realize what it's going to take to get it done, but you do it anyway. And yeah. and the sheer fact that the boards even exist is is a, is a testament to that. So, you know, it's um, it's it's just it's just a very very nice thing to be able to have these boards in our hands. You know, thirty years later, I, I, you know, I can't speak for the engineers at Atari or the management at Atari, but I bet they would be amazed to to know that these boards were reproduced and they work, uh, or they were reproduced thirty years later and they work, and that people actually cared enough about their game uh, in order to again will it back into existence all these years later. Yeah, I, I haven't spoke with anybody from Atari that, that did the quantum work because I believe it was done by GCC mm-hmm. or yeah. the, they, I think Atari did the layout because it definitely is an Atari layout. I, I compared it with other Atari boards like Millipede and stuff. But um, I have spoken with Owen Rubin who did um, Major Havoc and okay. um, a number of other games like, um, uh, what are the ones did he make? I saw a Space Duel. Thing. Okay. And okay. basically uh, he was, he was thrilled. He's like, wow, that's just amazing. You know, somebody reproduced the board. And he um, even remembered the name of one of the guys he thought did either the schematic or the layout. But um, yeah, he was he was real, um, real pleased to see that something like that was was done again. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that, that's that's fantastic to even to even have access to somebody like Owen and be able to talk this through is uh, is really kind of a, a godsend in and of itself when you think about it, because there's going to come a day where the the engineers uh, at, at Atari are no longer available, and I'm sure that you know that that day has has come and gone for a lot of people. And just you know the simple fact that you were able to find someone who especially has you know topical relevance to to the game at hand. I, I know you mentioned Major Havoc, but but you know the same principles apply. It's uh, I mean that's that's good fortune in and of itself. Um, and Luke, you know, I, I guess I'll kind of segue this here real quick. You'd mentioned Major Havoc, and there's been some, you know, there's been some some rumblings on on the Claw forums, you know, about a you know a potential you know Major Havoc PCB reproduction. I mean, is is that anything that that you can speak to, uh, you know, as far as you know certainty on you know whether it'll happen, when it may happen, and to what and to what degree it would happen if it does. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's a project I, I'm on, and um, it will happen. Um, I I was really uh, I was given I'm a board right up that. front. What's that? I said I'm happy for that. Yeah, um, I was given a board early on, so I had a good start with it. Um, okay, and everything like that. It works. Um, basically, what happened was I kind of ran into um, a time period where things slowed down for me being able to put work into it because I 
I moved from Illinois and Chicago area out to Kansas and in, you know, that just is one of those things that takes up a lot more of your time. So I really had to kind of put it on a back burner a little bit, but I have started it back up again to continue oh, working on it. Awesome. And um, Sweet. I don't have a time frame uh, for when that'll be done, but I'm getting getting close. I'm probably to the sixty percent mark right now. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So so this. Oh yeah. So the, it, it, at the sixty percent mark, this thing is uh, far closer to real than it is to idea. So yeah. So that that's that's very very good to hear. So um, just out of curiosity, uh, if you were to look at man hours in on quantum versus man hours in on major havoc. You know, do you think, I mean, are you scaling better on Major Havoc or is the board, you know, more complex than, than Quantum? It, you know, how, how has, how, how is the work on Major Havoc, you know, paralleled or, or if there is any, you know, appreciable par- parallel to it, you know, how, how's it matched up to what you did on Quantum? Is it easier, harder, or somewhere in between? Um, it's, it's just a little bit easier, but not much. It's pretty close. Okay. Uh, some of the man hours are cut off a little bit because I was able to use, uh, they call them footprints in the layout library and things like that um, from Quantum because Atari used a lot of the similar parts into the the Major Havoc project. So okay. that cut us a little bit of time. Um, I think what I'll, I'll really be able to answer you when I get the board working because uh, the the prototyping stage is really going to tell me more about what, what how many man hours this is really going to take. Um, the quantum one went shorter than usual. I really did think I was going to take a lot longer to get the quantum past the prototyping stage, but okay. like I said, with the help, it, it it shortened it up quite a bit. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. That, that's that's very good to hear. So, you know, with with major havoc, then I assume you're you're taking the same angle. It's a one to one replacement or a one to one reproduction. No modernization. Uh, yeah. I mean, have you found a lot of stuff to fix on the major havoc board? You know, kind of like what you'd mentioned on, on the quantum board, or you know, how how accurate are are the schematics and the information that you're you know that you're working from? Um. Well, it's pretty much on par with the quantum. I'm running into some you know errors in the schematics that I've had to figure out. So, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's probably going to be similar to that. You know, there's, um, a one-to-one is definitely going to be what I follow because I did it with the first board and it seems to be uh, a good, good thing to, a good route to take, especially, you know, the way the collectors want, you know, they want the original boards and, and it seems like that's, that's a good thing. And I, I like it as well. Um, <clears throat> but the, uh, uh, some of the chips are, are pretty hard to find, so I'm really, you know, working with people who can help make replacements, like the replacement Lita chip, which is used on the Major Havoc board. Um, they there's, um, I think, uh, JROK had a uh, way to use um, a replacement on that. I don't, I don't know if it's one that you could. I think he talked that even the chip he's using is coming to an end of life, but. Okay. I think it, you know when there's when there's demand. I think we'll we'll figure that one out a little yeah, more too. I understand. Um, yeah, when when it gets closer to that point. Yeah, yeah I understand. Um, and then there's you know obviously if anybody's ever owned a major havoc board knows that there's this whole section of circuitry off to the side that doesn't look like it's per- populated, just kind of blank. Um, so I, I looked into that a little bit, and and there's there's, there's a chance that uh, I'll probably be able to make use of that. Uh, I'm not sure yet though. There's, we're still kind of in a de- design phase of that, but. Um, I'm definitely going to include it with the board, so it will be a one-to-one, and uh, there, there's a chance that, that we might try to see if we can't get some original use. Because I have been talking, you know, to Owen and some other people, and 
well, you know, there's, there's nothing for sure yet, but uh, there's, a, there's a chance that that uh, might come into play. We find out what that what that circuitry that was never used for was all about. Wow. So, okay. Well, that, I mean, that brings up an interesting, an interesting point of discussion. So, okay. So, so for everybody who hasn't seen a major havoc board or, you know, can't put a picture to it, you know, in, in their mind's eye, I guess. So what you're saying, Luke, is there, there's a portion of the board that has layout for circuitry that would, that Atari just never, they just never populated when they shipped the board, and and at this point, it's just, you know, on on the you know, on the original Major Havoc boards, it's just it's just kind of empty space where traces traces go, but nothing's there. Is is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, so if I may ask, I mean, do you know what that? Well, I'm sure you know what that's for, but I mean, it was what what was the what was the purpose of that? Do you know? Um, I, it, you know, there's talk about things that Owen had in mind, um, for it. And, uh, you know, I'd, without, I don't want to put too much expectation. Oh, okay. On it, fair but, enough. Uh, then. Fair enough. I feel like, you know, there's kind of a, um, yeah, we, we have an idea of what it was and pretty sure. And, uh, so we're working through that now. That's, that's okay, kind cool. of the design phase we're in. Okay. Well, then, then I'll tell you what. We'll just take that and leave that as a surprise for when the for when the boards actually drop. Well, and the good thing about that is is if, if you know if if it's uh, if it's something that doesn't come to pass, then then it then no no one is missing out on something that was never there to begin with on the original boards. So to me, it. Uh, it, to me, it just seems like it's all upside. If, if that's something that you guys are working on from a kind of a Skunk Works projects perspective, and and can make it happen, then we actually get a Major Havoc board that is more and it is kind of like more and better than the original Major Havoc board, while still being an original, you know, a, a, a truthful reproduction of, of Major Havoc. Yeah, and you know when I I I really did uh, even go as far as. You know, asking Owen Rubin's blessing for this because while well, I was talking to him oh, through wow. email and I let him know that I was going to reproduce this, and he was, he was like, "Wow, yeah, if, you know, that'd be great," you know, and he he was really on board with that. So uh, it was it was kind of nice to actually be able to talk to the designer, the guy that I'm doing his boards. So. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm sure that's got a. I'm sure that's that's got to kind of warm your heart to some degree in saying, you know, hey, yeah, I'm 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 talking with the guy who designed this board, and uh, and, and he he's helping me do something that maybe maybe Atari wouldn't you know wouldn't let happen back in you know back in in the early you know early to mid '80s uh, when when the game was actually you know when the game was actually delivered to production. So that's cool. I mean, that, that's good to know, and it's something that we can all kind of watch out for. And and you know if that if that announcement is made then at that point we can kind of you know point back to this interview and say hey yeah that's what that's what luke was talking about you know yeah surprises you know the cat's kind of out of the bag so you know i for one am, am looking forward to the major havoc board i will be one of your customers luke when that time comes to pass and so i'll have my paypal account ready to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and you know that that's one of the things where it goes towards having um the skill the electronic background um, because going into something like that, if it's something new or it hasn't been tried yet, I mean, you really got to have the test equipment, you know, the abilities, the, you know, the, the troubleshooting nature, the, the design nature to kind of be able yeah. to, to roll through that. Um, cause I think if you kind of came at it as a, a person who just knew how to pick up a soldering iron, it might, you might get that point and be like, wait a minute, I have no idea what I'm doing now. So <laughs> it would be a stopping point. So when you're asking about what it takes to put them together, I, I think some of that, you know, you got to realize that there are some things that, you know, 
you need that expertise to, to yeah. finish it. Yeah. Well, and, and I can, you know, I can certainly appreciate that. And I'm sure our listeners can as well, you know, especially if you're delivering functionality that was there, but never, but, but never delivered to production, so to speak, you know, the logic is in the board, the, the capability to deliver that functionality is there. Um, even for the people that are assembling the boards, you are kind of going off into you know somewhat uncharted territory, and for you guys to deliver you know a superset of the original board's functionality, uh, you know that that says a lot. So uh, you know I'll just say you know here's you know here's to you guys and man you know for whatever that is I you know I I hope I hope that it can make it. I hope that Owen you know is is able to to help make that happen and you know work with you to help make that happen. It, it would be it would be a find. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be much more different, difficult than some of the smaller boards that come out. Like when I worked on the, um, I, I created the Godlib interface board for Mad Planets and Reactor, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was really almost nothing. I mean, those were smaller. I think that was like a, a three by six board. Yeah. Um, so you know that kind of thing is almost you know no brainer. You just kind of follow it and. Uh, and it's so small that really you you would know right away because there's only so many yeah. traces to look at. Yeah, yeah. That it, you know something was wrong. But these bigger boards, yeah, it takes a little more effort and to get. You really got to be able to keep track of a lot of different dimensions at the same time. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, especially when you get into the scenario where okay, you've reached the milestone of producing a repro- a working reproduction major havoc board, okay? You you've got to that point. But then you guys, you know, yourself and Owen and whomever else would be working on this project with you, you're really finishing work that was unfinished 30 years ago. And now you're go- now you're kind of tripping from, you know, the the reproduction aspect of of this project into the forward engineering aspect of the project to the sense of okay i've you know i started with something that i know works now how can i be sure when i'm done (laughs) you know in my mind it really kind of takes the project and and makes it you know makes it much more difficult long term in order to get back to to get to a stopping point the second time around yeah well you know and i i don't even i mean i don't know for sure how well owens kept his abilities to work with assembler code so you know we may get that built and you know let's just say it goes that way and and he's on board and and starts coding for it and stuff like that oh and my gosh. he's like oh wait a minute this isn't working like i thought you know what do we do <laughs> you know? oh my gosh so, yeah that's one of those things we got to consider as part of the the project Wow, so so you so you would actually be having Owen write additional like write additional code for the ROMs and every or I guess kind of superset the ROMs so to speak and and he would actually be writing new code for Major Havoc at that point in time. It's a possibility. Wow. Um, I, again, I I can't go into too much because I'm not. Oh really no, old. yeah, I understand. But you know, there's it's just one of those aspects of of creating the board that you've got to take into the project. Uh, you know, when just kind of like the unforeseen and what what happens when we get there. You know, <laughs> if we get stuck. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in here, you know, one of the things you know, Luke, that's always kind of interested me uh, is the, you know, like the the Atari uh, homebrew uh, game developers that are writing new code, you know, new games uh, and uh, you know, new ROMs for like the twenty six hundred, the fifty two hundred, seventy eight hundred, and that that whole homebrew uh, that, that whole homebrew 
um, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, group, uh, you know, like over to Atari Age, uh, you know, the uh, AtariAge.com forums and things like that, and, and the, the, you know, almost like indie developers for the 2600, if you want to look at it that way. And those guys have a development environment and, or have constructed enough tool set to create a, develop, a development environment and a test and a debug environment and so on down the line so that they can write new, uh, you know, new um, code for the 2600, which is, you know, as we all know, a very, very old console at this point in time. You know, what are the, what's the development environment like for writing new code for, for Major Havoc? I mean, that's just not a trivial undertaking, I would think. Yeah, and, you know, I'm I'm really going to try to rely, if if that comes to fruition, I'm going to try to rely on Owen as much as I can. He's Understood. got, yeah. you know, obviously the expertise he used when he first did it, and I know that the tools these days are, I mean, there is some, it, there's, um, it is in 6502 assembler code, so, you know, it's, it's um, you can get the emulators, and I, I don't know if they have the, the macro code sets that, that he used when he was setting up in his lab at Atari, but... Um, hopefully we got the, you know, at least enough to get us through that. Yeah. Well, well, God bless Owen. I, I you know, I, I would say that I hope that everybody, uh, everybody out here would, would, you know, kind of say the same thing and, you know, root for Owen and, and his ability to, you know, to kind of revisit this 30 years later and pick it up and say, you know, oh yes. And, and kind of get back in that frame of mind, you know, of, of writing, code for major havoc or doing you know or doing whatever you know doing whatever um you know you guys are you guys are kind of hoping that you can get done i i just uh you know i, I just find that intensely intriguing you know considering where we sit from a collector standpoint today you know on these machines that are as old as they are i it's it to me it seems like a very rare opportunity and if it comes to fruition it'll it'll it will be an accomplishment just a, a great accomplishment in and of itself yeah, and like I said, I mean, you know, I'd hate to speak for Owen because I yeah, mean, really, under, I, I don't want to. Yeah, he's yeah. got a, you know, I don't wanna, hope a, you know, a lot of people don't go bombarding him. Hey, Owen, I heard you're gonna. You know, yeah, it's, it's really, um, you know, and he's got a he's got a family life and things like that, and I'm sure he's really busy. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna complete the board whether he can do anything to help us out or not. Okay, um, and. Um, I think it'll still be, you know, people will be happy to have a, a working major havoc board. Oh they yeah, are, yep, they're, they're rare too. So yeah, no, there's there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, from from that standpoint, and and, and I'm glad you clarified that, Luke. I, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I I think you know, in my mind, I just think about you know, just oh gosh, how how cool is this that you know that, that this opportunity sits here. Uh, you know, for for you know, for us to potentially have something like this, but you bring up a very good point. You know, it this is all upside. You know, over and above the major havoc board, if it, it, the major havoc board itself, if it happens, it's great. If it doesn't happen, it's great because we still have a working reproduction major havoc board that is a working reproduction major havoc board. So, you know, for for me, I think it's it, it, you know we're talking about something that's all upside. And uh, it, but you know, with that being said there's there's still just a, a part of me that just finds it just so you know just so uh so interesting that 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 that, that option is even on the table today yeah well hopefully you know we can see what happens like yeah. i said uh i'm really you know invested as far as time wise into the board already and you know with the little bit of delay that i had you know it set me back a little bit more than i thought but um yeah i'm ready to get back into it and finish it up 
Yeah, that, that's all. Oh, that, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, you know, look, I will say this. You know, I, I appreciate your time. You know, in talking with us tonight, you've given us, you know, a, what I would consider to be a, an extreme education in, you know, how you know how these projects kind of work in the background and i think we've all got a much better appreciation for you know just what it took you know in order to make these boards you know a, a reality or, or what it's going to take like for the major havoc or what it took for the for the quantum uh, board to to become a reality and you know i appreciate you taking the time to share uh, you know to share your story with us and you know in i i'd say i'd speak for a lot of people that we're just thankful that you know that there's guys like you and mark spaith and you know and, and troy and Brett and you know and, and Owen and everybody out there that you know that cares enough to you know to make something like this happen so many years down the line yeah and you know really just to, to keep the keep the games running as long as we can so yep that, I, and that's that's what it's all about that's that's what it's all about I know that I will be uh, looking you know very forward to you know like I say getting a major havoc board and you know seeing a major havoc live in my game room where where you know potentially in a quantum as well uh, potentially where I would have had absolutely zero opportunity to to make either of those games you know kind of kind of come alive so you know it's it's as much of a you know of a kind of feed your mind kind of project as it is you know pass the game on to another generation further on down the line as it is you know uh just uh you know making sure that that these games or another example of these games you know lives on to see you know lives on to see another day so you know like i say it's there there's a lot of advantages to to doing this and we we thank you guys for for the work that you do yeah well you're welcome and uh you know let me see the project as you uh, get it done. I'd, lo- I'd love to see that uh, board once you get it all put together. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'll certainly be, you know, posting progress on it to uh, to our Facebook page and everything like that once I, you know, once I get to the point to where I'm working on it. I've got a few other projects in queue ahead of it. And, and I do have a, a couple more parts that I, that I need to acquire, but... I've got a, I've got kind of a, a quantum bend, so to speak, and you know, little by little, I add, I, you know, I add more stuff to it as I go. So it will get done one day, and I'll, I'll make sure that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that I get in touch with you and say, you know, hey man, look here, there's, there's another one here, kind of, you know, ready and waiting to go. So it's cool. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, well, listen, Luke, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us tonight. We really appreciate, uh, really pr- appreciate your flexibility on this, and you know the the story that that you tell and the work that you do. It's uh, it, it's just uh, just fantastic to to sit and, and be educated on this and and to have fun doing it at the same time. So, uh, like I say, I, I, I thank you for your time. You're welcome. All right, have a good night. You too. Uh huh. Bye. So Brent, we have come to the end of another uh, of another episode of the Broken Token podcast, and I, Brent, I'll tell you, with with having kind of an interview and a half or two interviews on on this episode, I, I think it's worked out real well. I mean, Steve was like We've an interview was like a was like a sit in guest, you know. So it's kind of like it's kind of like. Two or three things wrapped we, up. We've raised one. the bar. We've raised the bar, man. We're raised. nine. We're nine months into this. The baby's head's crowned. We're about ready to birth it. 
<laughs> it's it's been a fun show. I will say that it's been a really fun show, and I hope everybody I hope everybody really enjoyed the you know the the interview with with Luke Dyson as well. I mean, there's a ton of there, there's just a ton of interesting content in that and, and insight into what I would consider to be an aspect of the hobby that a lot of people benefit from, but they never really, it, probably a lot of people don't consider a whole lot. I, know, so. I, I, I really respect folks like Luke. Yes. That, uh, um, that have that technical skill set. Yeah. And they use it for, for the hobby. For the hobby. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he made something that does not exist and he's getting ready to make something else that does not exist. So he's he's really helping a lot of people out and my major havoc is going to depend upon it. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So it's it 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 was it was a very fun discussion. So Brent, real quick before we go ahead and and uh wrap this baby up and 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 kick her on down the road, just wanted to talk about a couple of uh upcoming shows and events, but before we do that, Brent, we are going to be uh, taking the show on the road May 17th at the Place Retro Arcade in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, by the time that this show drops and is available, that event will have come and gone, okay? But I just I want I do want to bring it up in case anyone for for everybody who's listening listening to this serially um, that that special live event will be next up in the podcast feed on the website. And so, um, it should be it should be out if not by the time this drops very shortly thereafter. Uh, uh, and we, we are going to start our live stream at mixlr.com slash broken token uh, at 6 p.m. Run it to whenever uh, that evening, that Saturday evening. We will have John Salter on as well as Estelle Goffinet on. And so uh, those are two very, uh, very record setting individuals in, in the arcade, uh, in the arcade community. And we look forward to having them on as well as uh, arcade owner um, Carrie Chaney on as well. And it should be a, a very fun night. I know that from Carrie's threads uh, on Clov that it looks like there's going to be some contingents uh, riding up from uh, Kentucky and coming down from Ohio as well. So it looks like there's, well, it looks like we're going to have a good crowd. So well, I'm looking uh, forward to it. I can see that we're going to pull uh, uh, folks from the crowd. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to have some live interviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and as Whitney said, that will be the next show that's in our podcast stream. Yep. So even though you have you've missed the event you you'll get to experience it just yeah. a little delayed yep yep and we'll we're also going to be recording uh video recording it as well so we'll have that available on our youtube channel uh at, at that time as well so yep it's going to be a lot of fun and if you're if you're in the cincinnati cincinnati area i, I would suggest that you stop in at the place retro arcade and we'll have a link up uh, up with the show notes mm-hmm. check it out walk in say hi to carrie he and his family they're wonderful people yeah and, and i'm really looking forward to the event whitney, whitney and i have uh <laughs> for lack of a better term we threatened to go up and visit that arcade <laughs> quite a bit yeah so uh uh you know this is this is our opportunity to go up and, and say hi you know i've uh, I've spent some time with Kerry. He's been down to Louisville quite often. Uh, he came down with his wife and his kids to the Louisville Arcade Expo. It was great to see him. So yeah, I, I'm excited guy. to make my way up there. Yeah, solid guy, good family, family-run business. And so, you know, Kerry's, uh, you know, Kerry's definitely stepping it up and, you know, bringing in some uh, what I consider some top chef, uh, top shelf talent. Uh, and Brent and I are going to show up as well. So <laughs> that's how it's going to go. <laughs> so let's hit some of the other upcoming shows and events. And yeah. if anybody out there has anything, feel free to reach out to us on, on Facebook. Uh, uh, contact us through uh, www.broken, like everyone doesn't know anymore, www. <laughs> I, I'm dating myself, Whitney. Contact <laughs> yeah. us at brokentoken.com. Yep. 
and, and let us know what's going on uh, out in the arcade and uh, pinball, the gaming community, and, and we'll do our best to, to kind of give it a review and, and throw it up on the show and yeah. talk about it. Yeah, we'll certainly fe- we'll certainly feature your show. So first up, Brent, we have the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. That's June 20th through the 22nd, 2014, at the Atlanta Marriott Century Center. You can find out more information about this show at the Southern Fried Game Room Expo dot com. And uh, I hear they're going to have a couple uh, special attendees. Oh, Brent, th- this this show's just getting bigger and bigger as it goes. I'm I mean, about, I'm talking about us. Oh, 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 yeah, that's right, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Billy Mitchell <laughs> and Richie Knuckles and, you know, a bunch of those other yeah, guys. Yeah, a bunch of those other guys. Yeah. And us. Yeah, exactly. We will be there. Yeah, we are going to be there. We're going to be broadcasting live. Uh, we don't know the schedule yet, but I know we're going to sit in on, on a panel discussion on, on that Saturday night. Uh, as well as other podcasters um, from uh, you know from from across kind of like the the podcasting sphere, I guess our our convening <laughs> both both arcade and pinball podcasters are going to be there as well, and so um, we're, we're going to have a pod uh, an arcade pinball podcast convention. Yes, yes, it's going to be like a convention within the game the Southern Fried Game Room Expo, and what's what's really cool about this show, or what's shaping up to be really cool about this show, is they are getting in some of some of the top shelf talent from across the gaming universe if you're if you could say it that way i mean yeah billy mitchell is going to be there richie knuckles is going to be there uh, john trudeau is going to be there barry alzer is going to be there uh and then of course they're they're adding to the roster you know just almost continually from a sponsorship standpoint to just you know other podcasters that are going to show up it's it's going to be pretty big yeah i if you can make the show, if you're in the Atlanta area, make even it. If, if you're not, yeah, you know, get in a car. Whitney and I are going to get in a car or truck, rather. Yeah, ride down and ride down. Yeah, I, it, I think it's going to be something to see. They're coming. They're coming out of the gate with your one, Preston and Patrick, are come and. and all the, the folks that are helping yeah. them behind the yeah. scenes, that, whose yeah. names we don't know. Um, they're coming out of the gate strong. On strong. This. They're going to make they're they're going to make it the best show they possibly yeah, can. Yeah, they they can. And and I know Brent that um you know some some of the other people on, on their podcast like uh, Shannon Dewitt and uh, Dana and Joel and 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 a few others are kind of working on the backside. But it, it's it's a group effort. But man, they. They're, they're, they just seem like they're really they're really hitting it strong. So yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. So um, yeah, we'll be down there and we'll be uh, happy to see you know our listeners, other podcast listeners, and just man, Brent, play some games. So in the following month, mm-hmm. uh, in July, out on the opposite coast, California Extreme. Yes, the granddaddy of them all. July twelfth through the thirteenth, twenty fourteen. Yep, High Regency Santa Clara. Okay, and Brent, this is um, this is like I said earlier, the granddaddy of them all, so to speak. I, I think the the show that a lot of other shows kind of gauge by, or, or kind of uh, you know, kind of run themselves from from a level comparison on. Um, this is a show that I've never been to, but I would certainly love to go to. I, it's just tough to. It's tough to get out to California and <laughs> from Kentucky, uh, and I know it's just a plane ride away. But you know, the, all those plane fares start to add up. You know, <laughs> when you're footing it yourself. So it's not like we're teaming with with uh, sponsorship yet, Brent. So you know, as soon as we get those plane tickets, comp, we're there. Now, if there's any listener that's a private pilot, with, oh yeah, with an exemplary uh, safety record, yeah, meaning that they haven't crashed more than once. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 We, there's there's always you know just a minor. There's minor always 
something. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you always back a little, you know, pull a little too far into the parking space at some point in your life and bump <laughs> yeah. somebody. It's okay. okay. It's you know? okay. Uh, uh, we're willing to tag along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fit in a wheel well, so yeah, if it's all good. If if you could like uh, uh, skip it through uh, the state of Kentucky, we're we'll you doesn't even have to be in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. we may even consider going into Southern Indiana. Yeah, if just, you just to catch the ride, just to catch the ride. Yeah, so California Extreme, it, it looks like it's as always going to be huge, and it is it, it's an event with a uh, with uh, a lot of pedigree behind it. And um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 a show that we all ought to ought to hit once. I, I'd just be looking forward to when we can when whenever we can make that happen. So up next, Brandon, September, uh, running from the 12th to the 14th at the Riviera Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, is the Classic Gaming Expo, or what's affectionately known as CGE. And Brent, this this expo is geared towards not only uh, classic arcade gaming, but uh, classic or retro console gaming, board gaming. Uh, it's really gaming from from a from the the entire you know the entire uh, I guess. Um, sphere from one end to the other, now, so if, to speak. If I buy something at this event, can I take it home? Because you know what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. Stays in Vegas. Yeah, well, that was terrible. <laughs> that was that was pretty bad. For him. I'm, even, I'm, I'm even upset about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, I'm going to have to go find a rim shot for that yeah. one, Brent. So. <laughs> Uh, nonetheless, uh, <laughs> CG <laughs> train wreck. Yeah, it's just shabam. Uh, but CG is uh, is is also sponsored and uh, partially uh, partially I would say staffed by uh, another podcast that uh, that Brent and I listen to, the Retro Gaming Roundup. Now, and I believe Whitney uh, for this instance of uh, this of CGE. The Retro Game Roundup guys are, are taking lead with it. Oh, they are. I believe okay. they are. Okay. Um, and don't hold me to this, but I believe the CGE was going to go to every two years. Uh-huh. And uh, um, the Retro Game Roundup guys uh, approached the, the, the CGE staff or the organizers, and they volunteered to take on you know leadership okay. this year. So. Well, that, that's good. That's good. Anything, anything to keep the show alive. So, yeah, the Retro Gaming Roundup. Um, Mike, Mike, and Scott, a uh, great show as well, and I, I know that they've they've put a lot of time and effort into. Now CG you did say Mike, Mike twice, right? I did. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. Mike, Mike, and Scott. Yeah. So UK Mike, SoCal Mike, and then Scott. So, so yeah. So that's the retro gaming roundup. And then Brent, uh, rounding out in November, we have Free Play Florida. Uh, it's down in Orlando. This isn't a show that I that I know a whole lot about, Brent. It's it's uh, it's essentially a, a an arcade pinball and console show. At the DoubleTree uh, Hilton, uh, it's right, very close to SeaWorld, okay? And so they, they build this as 20,000 square feet. Uh, the latest uh, pinball uh, of, of the latest arcade pinballs, uh, anywhere from the classic all, classics all the way up to modern day. They have a pop a tournament, arcade tournament, console events, and so on down the line. Panels, panels, and all. And so we'll also have a link to that show as well. That might not be. Um, that might not be. Uh, something we, I guess, where am I going with this? Uh, that might not be something that, that would be difficult to get to. There, no, there's no, almost it, a double negative. That's I got myself into a, a literary <laughs> hole or a, 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 a your a English teacher. Hole. Yes. Yeah, your English teacher would slap you with a ruler, Brent. He's so. crying right now. Oh yeah, well they cry over me as well. So, um, 
Orlando, yeah, Florida? Yeah, it's down Disney. in Florida, man. And Florida in November probably wouldn't be a bad place to be. So that might be one that we have to check out. So, yeah, Free Play Florida, November 21st to the 23rd down in Orlando, Florida. So, so yeah, so like Brenton said, uh, up at the top of the segment, if you have a show or an event that you would like for us to uh, to look at and to talk about, just contact us on our website, email us at podcast at brokentoken.com or get in touch with us uh, via Twitter or Facebook or what have you, and we'll be happy to talk with you. So, uh, as everyone knows, there's a million places that, that you can pick up podcasts. And uh, for those that may have gotten it from one source or the other, uh, I talked a little bit in our, earlier in the episode about uh, a new podcast that I had found, mm-hmm. and I didn't find it, quote-unquote, from their home. I found it via a, a podcast app on my phone yeah. that, that, that walks uh, all the podcast providers. You can find us directly on iTunes, and we would encourage everyone out there, if they feel so inclined, to check out uh, the podcast at iTunes and and review us. Give us a rating. Helps to get, get us noticed, and it increases our reach. Yeah. We're also available on the Stitcher Radio Store and Xbox Music. And from the social media aspect, we are on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Broken Token Blog. Yep, we're on Twitter at Broken Token and our website at BrokenToken.com. And Whitney, I think with that, that wraps up episode nine. That wraps up episode nine. Brent, I do feel like I birthed a baby. So, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll just go ahead and call it at that. <laughs> it's been a fun show, Brent. Thanks a lot for uh, for broadcasting with me and, and podcasting with me. It's, uh, oh, anytime, it's Whitney, been a blast, anytime. man. It's and been a blast. You, uh, please join us um, uh, after the event, post-event in uh, Cincinnati. Yes. Download the podcast. Give us a listen. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to have some uh, some good color commentary. We're going to have some great interviews. I can feel it. I know we're going to have an awesome time. Yeah, it's it's going it's going to be a lot of fun. And in, and uh, until next month, we uh, we look forward to like I say like Brent says, seeing you guys uh, hopefully in Cincinnati. And uh, join us back next month for episode ten of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Game on. <laughs> Congratulations, you made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash brokentokenblog. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token staff would like to extend a special thank you to the real vocal talent of the show, Christy Litzy. And that's me. Cha-ching! Music for the Broken Token podcast provided by Kentucky native bluegrass musician Gary Brewer. Please visit brewgrass.com. That's B-R-E-W-G-R-A-S-S dot com for the latest information, show dates, and to purchase music.
What episode is this? This is episode nine, Brent. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> they, they all run together. <laughs> Don't forget Larry. Don't forget sure. Larry. Don't forget. Wow. 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 Well, and if you called me, Steve, I would have been resoling my shoes. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> It's it's a perfect fit for the Broken Token podcast. It's broken. It's broken. It's broken. You know, Brent, I'll be doing Sanyo 20 EZs until I retire. All right. We're hot. Are we hot? We're hot. We're hot. D- drop right. it down like I did. See, where I've, you don't have to have the, the pop filter way up there up, up, in your, uh, up in your grill. Yeah. See, I can see everything. I, like I, can, I can see my, I can, I'm overseeing my domain. <laughs> You're overseeing your domain. Okay, Whitney, let's talk a little news. See what's going on. In, <laughs> you realize that's going to make it into the outtakes. <laughs> this is my first day speaking. <laughs> you sounded like you just obliterated a big Mac. My, oh my gosh. I think they'll so. remake Firepower. <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> okay on that note <laughs> on that note phoebe larry we thank you it yes, was a thank blast you very much. it was a blast